Warning. Explicit content. Listener discretion is advised. Welcome back to the Great Northeast BJJ podcast. For this episode, Dojo Storm, Jay, George, and I head out to Mass BJJ in Acton to interview Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu and martial arts legend around here, Patrick Barbieri. Pat is... It's hard to characterize someone like Pat in a couple of sentences, but I'll say super inspirational. Watching how that class unfolded, you get that experience and that sort of a traditional approach combined with modern ideas, modern techniques. You know, it's just always in balance, really powerful, quick, moves with intent. Um, Just a, 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 a great, like the embodiment of a great martial arts instructor. Uh, this one's a marathon. Uh, if we were ever going to do a marathon with somebody, this is the guy to do it with, in my opinion. To be honest, uh, it didn't feel very long, and hopefully it won't for you as well. Stories just go on forever. Stories about you know how everything unfolded in the early days. You can hear like some of the threads from our previous podcasts uh, with people from the area kind of pull together. It just shows the impact that uh, one person, in this case, uh, Roberto Maya, had on the area. Pat is Roberto's first black belt and uh, was teaching on the day that Jay showed up at, uh, at, at Boston Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu. So, yeah, interesting stories for those of you who are following along. So, like I said, we were at MassBJJ. They're at MassBJJ.com. Thank you very much for hosting us for this particular episode. As always, this episode is sponsored by Port City BJJ, Port City Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu, seacoast area of New Hampshire, that little part right along the coast. Number of great black belts, uh, all part of this Boston Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu lineage. And before Roberto, you're going right to Carlos. So this is some really serious stuff up here where we're lucky to have some great people coming up doing seminars from time to time. And we're happy that we're kind of a destination for people coming up. I say we. I have nothing to do with the club. But, uh, of course, you know, Jay teaches there. Uh, Derek from Sharp Iron Society teaches as well. George teaches. And uh, we actually did an interview with another one of the Black Belt coaches there, James DeLuca, a couple of months ago. So that's uh, in, in our history. If you're subscribed to the Great Northeast BJJ podcast. We're also sponsored by Crash Kimonos, crashkimonos.com. Abe has, uh, I think, two things coming out, but I'll talk to him about it for next time. Also, of course, as always, Tortuga Soap Company, tortugasoap.com, and uh, George will tell you more about that, I'm sure, somewhere in the podcast. So this is a long one. Break it up, but I got to be honest, uh, I'm not trying to sell you on it. Everything about this podcast is interesting. On a personal note, people say that in jiu-jitsu you either win or you learn. So I did some learning in this particular podcast. So uh, I think you'll hear that coming up pretty quickly, too. So here's our interview with Patrick Barbieri. I just want to start this off with the fact that Mike Pellegrino said he was the most normal black belt he Roberto's did. ever given out. He, he's the number one normal black belt. 
Do you think that he is number one in the normal list? <laughs> he can't be, right? Like he said, you're not. There's no, and I don't believe it, that you would be close anyway. I would never it's win like, the championship for obvious reasons. It's definitely not Jay. Yeah, there's photographical evidence that eliminates me from the. How are we defining normal here? <laughs> I, I've never studied with Mike. I don't know Mike that well. I just know him from being on the podcast and being around and stuff. How how are we defining normal, George? I don't know. I don't think anybody that the normalist can be. Who's just, the most normal? Who is the most normal? Can't be Pellegrino, right? No, I can't say anything bad about him. He's my Italian brother. Paisan, <laughs> so you know. <laughs> he's cool. He's cool. He's hairy, but he's cool. Hmm. We all know Todd O'Brien was weird. Tadashi's weird. I I'm saw. Weird. I saw. If you guys aren't going to introduce the podcast, I saw the. Uh, I saw Tadashi uh, um, and uh, meow. meow. Did they just fight now? Or was yeah, that an that older was one? New York, that, well, was that was right now. New, New York Open. Yeah. Does anybody know what? To, did you watch it? What yeah. happened? Like it's like bro, 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 and then stop. And poor Tadashi's like iced for like four minutes while meow goes and does something. He had to change his gear or something. He Tadashi ripped it. Is that what happened? Scripts are so powerful. Wow, so powerful. Okay. I didn't understand. I thought it was some strategy thing to ice the opponent kind of thing. You know what's amazing is how relaxed Tadashi was during that break. He's like, mm-hmm, sitting there on the mat looking around. He's like, sits down and starts stretching right in the center of the ring while Meow gets his gi changed. You know what I mean? He's yeah. like totally calm and composed. Yeah. You know what was what it was, uh, was it yesterday? Yeah, it was a couple, a couple of days ago. I wasn't sure it was a couple of days ago or if it was actually back the New York ways. Spring yeah. Open, yeah. Yeah. So. Yeah. So welcome back, everybody. Welcome back to the meeting of the Great Northeast BJJ <laughs> podcast. Right. We're down in Mass BJJ, Acton. Mm-hmm. Uh, we just trained with the one and only Pat Barbieri. So we're here to set the record straight. The mystical. Right. We've, heard, we've heard a lot of stories from... Master Nate, <laughs> Mike Pellegrino, but now we want the real story. Mm-hmm. How uh, how did you get involved in this whole thing, man? How did it all start? Well, first of all, thanks for having me. Yeah, of course. Appreciate it. Um, I listened to uh, a couple of your past uh, podcasts just to see what it was about before I came. It's very cool. You guys are <laughs> surprised yeah. I didn't get a phone call. Be like, it's, I changed my mind. It's great. It's great. <laughs> no, no, it, it was awesome. Um, it was interesting. I was listening to your, uh, before we get into that, your uh, end of the season one. Yeah. Where you wrapped up the first season. How you did, Was it you two? Yeah, it was right? us two, yeah. So uh, <clears throat> I thought that was great. That was the first one I listened to. So uh, there was one problem with it. So I was listening to it, and um, there was a part of it where I think you were talking. I sometimes talk a lot, sometimes yeah. I couldn't tell the difference. Now, now I know your voice is better. You can tell it's George because he goes. Yeah. Ah, right. over and over again. <laughs> ah. So, so I was thinking when I was listening to it, and that was, I think it was yesterday, the day before. So back in 1999 or so, we had a a, a forum on Boston Brazilian Jiu Jitsu where people talked and just threw out topics, and people would throw stuff out, and I would just try to uh, start fights, just kind of get things mixed <laughs> up, you know. And I didn't really offer too much except just trying to. So one day, Craig Baum, do you guys know who he is? I know the name. So he started the first website way back then. Yeah. And he came to me and he said, uh, he said hey, will you do a Q&A where you answer questions if somebody posts them up? Now, I'm not much into that because I don't explain techniques in a whole lot of detail. I kind of drill them more. And I said, yeah, I'll do it. I, of course, I'd do anything for Roberto. So the first question I knew when it came up, it didn't matter who it was. I was going to answer it the, the, uh, the same way. 
And once I answered it, it became kind of a buzzword, what everybody said, even up to this day. And people even made T-shirts about it. So what I said was, is like, you better get on the mat and train more. <laughs> so I heard your rant about the train more thing, right? So I, said, I said, I figured I'd bring that up first. And you talk can't. About, no, I'll, right? I'll, I'll talk about so, that all day. So, so, everybody, so it became kind of a thing where people wore the shirts, train more came like a buzzword. So I thought, you know, not that I'm asking the questions here, but I thought it was a perfect, I thought it was a perfect uh, kind of segue into this. So my thing with train more, right, is, is that <clears throat> at that time, tapes were starting to come out. Yeah. And, you know, of course, they better want to get better at jujitsu and study more. And I felt that, like, every talk, every time I taught a class, it was like, did you see this tape? And did you watch so-and-so do this? And as a teacher, it's hard to, how do you comment against what Fabio Gigel teaches? Right. It's right. right. You know, yeah. so <laughs> you, can't, you can't argue, right? Yeah. But there was so much stuff going back and forth and people talking. Every time I would teach a class, it would drive me freaking crazy, Right. And in my mind, I was like, just just get on the mat and train more. You'll learn. Jiu-Jitsu wasn't hard to find, at least where we were to do. So uh, maybe our meetings were different about train more. So oh, yeah. Well, you're not the only person that's talked to me about that that little rant that I went on there. And it's funny. When I went back and listened to it, I asked Georgia to go back and, and listen to that whole thing again, too. It's I'm not, I'm not, I'll defend what I'm saying, but we don't have to go over the whole thing. It's not obviously – I'm a musician. I learned how to play the piano by playing – Every goddamn day, and I never miss a day. I am to this day. That's how I do it. It's not the idea wasn't to say you don't need to train. Yeah. The idea was a lot of times uh, what we deal with, what we see going through. Certainly not. I'm not talking calling on our school, but I'm saying what you see online, mm-hmm. what you see with people we visited, see the club, places we visited, and that. Yeah, yeah. A lot of people get caught up in this idea that like if you have a problem. The solution is to just fucking train, which mm-hmm. is great. I understand that, mm-hmm. but that's dependent on the instructor. Mm-hmm. So what I was calling out was a lot of times you get into that. Well, I shouldn't say a lot of times. In my experience, I've seen people who get into that situation where something's not working, mm-hmm. and instead of an instructor, this will bring something that I'm, I'm interested in. Uh, instead of the instructor going in and solving that problem, they're just training that problem over and over and over and over and over again. That's what I'm talking about, mm-hmm. and it, it it didn't translate very well in the rant. Sure. No, don't, don't push back, man. No, no, no it's good. Dude. I have no. I have <laughs> Get it out. I like this plan. <laughs> it's funny because the person I said it to, our relationship was ruined for about a year. Yeah, but the, <laughs> so there's, we, there's we, a difference. <laughs> there's a difference. Yeah, let me be specific. There's a difference between what you're saying, in. train yeah. more, uh-huh. and nobody cares just train. That's that's really what I was calling out. Like that idea that, yeah. hey man, I got a problem, just go and work. You know. So. I remember talking to Patrick about this when I was like, I might, I may have been a blue belt at that point in time, and you like ranked it, and you're like, instructional videos might be the worst way to learn jujitsu right ever, yeah. ever, mm-hmm. and you're like, I get, if anything, I'm gonna watch tournament footage and watch how guys move and how they transition, exactly. and first exactly. of all, get on the mat and train. Right, right. none of that meant instructional videos are not gonna day. solve right. the problem. Tra- training is right. the whole point, but it's the quality of training. Right. And the instructional videos. I thought was more for style. So who do you relate to more? Who is kind of the person that you identify? Who you're inspired by? Right. So everybody has a difference in the way that is. But if you don't learn all the basics and you don't learn all the other stuff, right. And I and, and, and I really truly meant to train more in, in a good spirit too, because come to my classes, right. we'll teach you everything. You know, Roberto came here and this guy just was teaching every single basic that, um, and we were lucky. We were very lucky to have it. So. 
it was more just in the spirit of, come on, you, you got to learn this stuff first. Yeah. We'll, we'll learn the other stuff, but you got to be disciplined for this. So. Well, I'll throw it out. I'll, be, I'll put it in a provocative way so you can I'm going to give you my T-shirt, it. too, with a train more. Yeah. Well, I'm going to wear it. I'm going to get that. Yeah, I'm going to wear it. No, but, but, but I'll throw it out this way. <clears throat> somebody goes to Worlds, somebody wins Worlds, they open up a, an academy, right? How many hours did they put in to learn how to beat the shit out of everybody at Worlds? And how many hours did they put in to learn how to teach? I think some people are dedicated to being instructors. I think somebody put just as much effort into their students as they did into their training. Mm -hmm. And I think in some cases, and that's who I was defending, it's the student of the guy who's just awesome at beating everybody up, but really isn't about instructing. And just to be super clear, none of this has to do with the place that I study at Port City. We're really lucky to have people who Mm -hmm. really give a fuck about learning how to teach and teaching and they care about students and stuff. It's just a vibe that you get. So So how do you learn how to instruct? That's what I'm saying. So you just said something about learning from tournament footage. I was watching Fight to Win last night and uh, I've been doing hip bump to triangle for years and I saw a guy do it in, in a match last night, like, beautifully. He set up the cross choke, and he's, like, cranking on the guy's face to get him to bring his hands up, and then he hammered him with the hip bump, and as soon as that guy's hand went down, bam, triangle. triangle. And it was yeah. like, well, I, I, I learned more from wa- like watching that guy do that. I was like, oh, that's how it's really supposed to be done. Like, wow. It was amazing. Like, un- unbelievable yep. seeing that. I think people that, that teach... You know, there's like I'm find myself like in the beginning part of this road as far as being able to teach and kind of develop my craft. But to put that in perspective, when I started jujitsu, Patrick was teaching classes at Boston Brazilian Jiu Jitsu. Right. Been teaching at some point, we should do a little history here. But yeah, 20, 25 years is that a good guess? Maybe 20, something yeah. around yeah. there. Yeah. Like he's been teaching classes for a long time, and still to this day, like coming into class today, getting my mind blown on like four different positions. It was like small changes about the way that I initially learned techniques that you pushed me another like 10 or 15% in the effectiveness of the technique. Like when we were doing the passes, you're like, put your hip down. Like I was like, holy shit, that changes my entire outlook on the pass, which is a pass I do all the time. Right. And now it's for me to make a jump that that after training for, you know, 17, 18 years and get that much out of one class, that's like you can't that's get a, any more than that. That's a testament to the instructor. Yeah. So it comes totally. back. So how do you? How did you learn how to teach? Do you? Do yeah. you think about teaching? Yeah, all the time. You know, it's funny. I always feel like it's the it's the first time I'm, I'm teaching a class. You know, I never feel like I'm a qualified instructor. I know it sounds weird. Like you'd be a multi-stripe black belt, but every time that I come in, I always feel like, you know. I want to teach jujitsu in the best possible way, but that's got to constantly evolve and get better and try different things. So the way I'm teaching now is different than when it was five years ago, ten years ago, because it's always that feeling like somebody out there is getting better, somebody else there is teaching their students better techniques. So I don't know. I guess it's just from doing it, but at the same time, it's it's like I never feel satisfied in what I teach. You just said, so it's like someone's out there teaching their students better techniques. It's like you're competing with the other teachers to make sure that you're, you're ready to teach. Is that what, am I hearing you right? Yeah, I think, I think that, you know, whether it be Mass BJJ or anybody related to Boston Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu, you have a loyalty to, and right. that's kind of how you're brought up, right? So, yeah, I always feel like I want to give them the best. I always feel like I want to 
you know, what's the next thing that's going on out there? What's right. what's happening? I'm not talking about the barren ball or anything. I'm talking about more of the basics. So I think, you know, I haven't been away from teaching for too long, but every time that I come back, I'm thinking about what's the class going to be like? What do I want them to walk away with? Um, and ultimately, it's just myself getting better at it. So I never really feel like I come in and I'm like this qualified teacher. You know, I, I get it. it it's, it's more of a... It's more trying to constantly learn. I mean, I'm 53 years old now, so I think, like, how do I train might be differently than I trained many years ago, how I teach and what I do. Now i got to start teaching it to the students. So, I don't know, I, I guess the how that I learned to teach is just, just by doing it and just kind of keeping my antennas up and seeing what people are doing. And um, Yeah. Would you find it hard to train to compete and to teach at the same time? Yourself. Yeah, so that's a whole other... So in my way of thinking jiu-jitsu, competition's over here. Because I didn't get into jiu-jitsu for, for competition. And um, I know we were talking earlier about you know, how would you train somebody for competition. I don't think of jiu-jitsu that way at all. I mean, I'll certainly help people, and I'll do my best to see if I can, you know, get them to, to a point where they feel more confidence. But I never really think about teaching jiu-jitsu in the sense that I'm teaching for competition at all. Why did you get into jiu-jitsu? I've been doing martial arts my whole life. Um, and I met a guy who... We were doing Chinese martial arts. I was doing sway jiao, and we were doing push hands and chin up. I remember he came and he had this little flyer. I want to say this was like 1990... I don't want to, it could even be 1989. It came before the UFC came. You guys will know who he is. He's Hickson, right? So came with this little fly. It looked like on a piece of paper like this, and I had this picture, and I kind of didn't pay attention to it. He said, you got to see this guy. And he does ground fighting. And uh, I said, what's that? And uh, so well, it's hard to explain. Just come, come on down. And I didn't go. <laughs> I didn't go the first time because I just didn't know what it was about. Uh, maybe four or five, six months to go against him. The same fly had a picture. It was like, I think it was a hand-drawn picture of Hickson. You know, it, was just, you know, it was just really Mickey Mouse, you know? So I saw it, and he's a really good guy that I respected, so I said, I'll go check it out. And uh, Joe Mafia at that time brought him in, and I give Joe a lot of credit for actually you know, being on top of that stuff. So I went down, and I don't know, there were 15 guys there maybe. And uh, Where was this at? It was in Waltham. It was like at a, uh, it was a school in Waltham that Joe had. And we went in, this guy came in, and uh, he started teaching the moves. And, you know, you kind of, like, all right, all right. Then he sparred. He got everybody, like, down. He just started sparring with people. And that one, I was like, oh, man, this is, this is unbelievable. And uh, there were people who were just, like, standing up and kind of go at him. He just like, all right, you know, I get up, and he just take him down on the ground and... I was blown away. I was just like, this This is unbelievable. So that group of guys I started training with, and we just had a small group. And like I said, I, it's probably 1990, I want to guess. And um, we just started training. Hickson would come out a few more times. And, and after the UFC, it was obviously it blew up. But that was my introduction to it. Was that all gi training? No gi. No gi. No gi, yeah. And I, I, I think for the first three years that I practiced jiu-jitsu, I did not wear gi. Because at that time... Nobody knew what sport jiu-jitsu was. It was a, you know, it was MMA. It was all about 
the UFC and fighting. So we didn't. I didn't train with a gi for at least the first three years. Were you guys yeah. hitting too, or was it just? Oh yeah, through? yeah. I did boxing for a long time um, when I lived in uh, Arlington. Boxing studio was right across from the street. Boxing uh, Boston uh, Boxing Academy. Yeah. I did that for a long time. Um, like I said, I did Sway Jiao, so I had some wrestling, but there's nothing compared to jiu-jitsu. Uh, so that was my introduction. And I had been doing martial arts, just Chinese martial arts and things like that. So, so it was like Hickson come out and would show you guys stuff, and then like you guys would practice what he showed you? Yep. This is pre-Roberto, right? Like before you found Roberto? Pre-Roberto. Wow. Yeah. Can we yeah. just make sure we get yeah. this like sort of organized? So I missed a little of it because I was turning it off the uh, heat. So maybe like a guess at a year, like maybe? So, that, that initial Hickson intro. Yeah, so, so I, <clears throat> again, this is not exactly the way it, that it was, but I, I trained with that group while Hickson was coming out for Bobby at least three years. Met Roberto probably in 1993. Do you, do you know if, if Roberto came over and started teaching in 93, or was he, it yeah, or so, you, just, so, you guys? So that's a good question. So, so what happened was, so we were training, and uh, this guy, his name was Joe Best. Joe Best. And he's the one who kind of got me to that seminar. So we were training. It was great training. It was rough. You know, it was really rough. Um, so all of a sudden, Joe said uh, that he had heard of this Brazilian guy, you know, and he was going to talk to somebody who, who knew him. So I was like, all right, that's great. And so Joe went down first, uh, met Roberto. Roberto hadn't really started teaching. It's funny because everybody, like when you say uh, 1995 was when uh, Roberto says the Academy was founded. It wasn't actually 1995. It was actually like end of 93. Yeah. Right. So, but it sounds good in 95. But it actually <laughs> right. wasn't done. Right? right. It's rounding up. So Joe met him and, and it wasn't really a school. Roberto had, was teaching out of this uh, karate studio. And uh, so we went down there. There were a couple of guys, and I met Roberto, and we just started chatting, um, and we just started working out with, with the guys there. It wasn't really classes. It was kind of, maybe teach a few things. Henzo had come out, done a little seminar. Roberto had just got back into jiu-jitsu. He had been in America for about 10 years. Right. So now he wanted to start teaching jiu-jitsu again, and this was kind of his introduction to it. Yeah. So just a small group of guys, and, and Joe, we started training. Was that in the gi? So, yeah, so that's, yeah, so we just uh, started wearing the gi at that point because that's how Roberto taught. And uh, it was the first time I had put on a gi. Did that suck? No, it was great. I loved it. I loved it. It was definitely, it was different. Yeah, yeah. It was, uh, it was great because, you you know, you're training with Roberto every day and learning (laughs) the stuff that they learned at Gracie Baja, you know. And I didn't even know it. I didn't know what Gracie Baja, you just learn in jiu-jitsu. So we started training. There's about, again, four or five guys, and all of a sudden, people would start to pop in here and there. And Roberto was really picky about who he would have trained there. He wasn't like it was an open book, you know. It was like, come on in. You know, you can't was, just sign up. And Yeah, it was more like a more like a club than anything else. So we, um, it just started to kind of evolve from there, and people would pop in. And I remember talking to Roberto and him starting his first classes, you know, I think they were like on a couple of nights a week. And That's what I was going to say. So how much were you training yourself at that time, and how much was that jiu-jitsu? Were you also trying to hold up the other end of it? Yeah, so I still was training with the other guys, and I was going to Roberto. So at that time, too, prior to meeting Roberto, there was somebody that I worked out with that went to BU. Right. So we got space at, at the BU uh, wrestling room. 
So I started going there and training with all the guys and just started teaching them. And we just started having a group of people come there too. So it was between the, the first people that I met, BU, then I went to Roberto's. So it was kind of a lot going on, a lot, right. of, a lot of people to train with. So, right. um, Do you remember what you guys were like working on? Like like what techniques? Oompa. Um, there was a lot less jujitsu back then. Yeah. It was yeah, it was basic, basic, but it was good because really the foundation of what we were doing uh, was good because we did it over and over and over again. Um, when I met Roberto, it really became because we were wearing the gi, which was great. It became a little bit more sophisticated, you know. And this grip goes here, sweeps. It was a lot more refined. Uh, it was all familiar because we were learning from Hickson at the same time. So it was all starting to come together. You know, you see that. Right. I, I don't yeah. know if you stay yeah. up on what's going on in the Internet and stuff, but this is like a big deal. You know, <laughs> like, right. Like, I, I kind of still want to know a little more about that early, that early spot. Like, uh, even before you got to where you were with Roberto, back up a little. So where were you actually, were you like in a, you know, in somebody, you're not in an academy. It's in karate. Place. It was with uh, Joe yeah, Joe Best. Yeah, so we were trained... You in a garage somewhere? Or were we, we were trained well, We trained at one uh, martial arts studio in uh, Jamaica Plain. Right, okay. We would go out there. And that was kind of like our main place that we would go, and Joe... So the group would kind of go into the yeah. studio and just use the space, yeah, right? Yeah, yeah. It, it had mats there. It was a kung fu place, and we just did... Yeah. We just practiced and practiced and yeah. practiced, and it was, it was awesome. I mean, we were doing it all the time, and... Yeah. Um, you know, we didn't know where it was going to go from that. We didn't know what the next step was going to be. Right. We only knew that this jujitsu was great stuff. We need to learn it, and let's just practice as much as possible. We kind of put all of our other martial arts on the side. I continued to box because I just felt like I wanted to do that. But the jujitsu really was taking over, and um, it's hard to put the years exactly together because it was yeah, so long ago. But but that seemed like it was forever until I met Roberto. Do you mind me asking? I mean, shut me down if I'm being too personal. But I mean, why were you fighting so much? Why were you there? Like, why? Why did you choose to do all this? Was this? I think anybody who, who once you'd have been doing martial arts for so long. Then you no, but I'm saying even then, why did yeah. you do them? The, where did this whole thing come from? Just what you were doing? I just loved it. Yeah. Yeah. I and mean, it was. It was. Yeah. It did was you grow exciting. up in Arlington? No, I grew up in Lexington, but I lived in Arlington for a long time. Yeah. Yeah. And that's where the boxing place was in, in When Arlington. was the very first time you started training fighting? Like way back. Martial arts? Anything. So I started doing martial arts when I was we're jumping all over the place here. <laughs> well, I'm trying <laughs> to know time-wise. Time no, no, right? no, no, no. You know, so I started yeah, training tough. martial arts when I was like, like 14. 14. 14, okay. 15. I don't know. So now we're getting some point. All right, gotcha. So I was doing Chinese martial arts, right. and I, was, I did that for a long time. I went to China. Right. Uh, oh, well, hold on. Uh, How old were you when you went to China? So I, went to, I was like 20, 21. Yeah. So I went to uh, Beijing and I trained at the uh, Wushu Institute there and um, learned uh, all types of Chinese martial arts. It was great. Wow. I went with my first teacher, Yao Li, and uh, he still actually he teaches uh, still in Boston. He's, he's still teaching? Yeah, he's still teaching. Yeah. Oh, goodness. If you, if you look wow. him up in the paper, he, he teaches uh, Giselle now and all these like famous uh, people. Yeah, it's amazing. Well, What's the I, name of the place? I wish nothing but the best for it's that up. guy. Yeah. That guy's living the life if he's yeah. got Giselle coming yeah. in once yeah. a week. I don't know anything about <laughs> Giselle. I just know that he taught Pat Barbieri. That's right. <laughs> that's, that's crazy. Yeah. Yao Li. Yao Li. Yeah, he yeah. was great. Actually, so he took us to China. And, um, you know, at that time, Yao was teaching, uh, this was like 1980. 
1982, 81. Yeah. He was teaching a lot of the Celtics. So Robert Parrish I used to see all the time. <laughs> yeah. Chief. Wow. The Chief, yeah. He was I actually remember cool. Robert Parrish doing some martial arts yeah, it was, yeah, around like, that time. It was right, that was what he was It was doing. right across the street from the, from the garden. garden. Right? That's where the yeah, school I've was. Yeah, I've heard of this place. Yes. Uh, yeah. Oh, that place. Oh, okay, okay, okay. Right. It wasn't key back then. It was more... Like the sash and the black pants and yeah. right, so I was yeah. go, I was going to school at that time at Salem State. I didn't really go to school. I went to practice kung fu. <laughs> <laughs> I was at Salem there State. At Salem State, yeah. up in, in Salem, Mass. Yeah. yeah. So uh, it was a uh, yeah. I got in big trouble for that. But anyway, <laughs> that's a family discussion. But I learned a yeah. lot. I trained a lot, yeah. and uh, that was that's where I started. My right. first martial arts training. I get and, uh, it. So you went through the the well, going to China must have been just like a life changer, right? Because that like makes crazy. everything real, right? Like traveling and seeing other people doing everything. And it was, you know, it's funny. You look back in the in the mid eighties, there weren't many Americans there. Uh, so when we went there, I didn't see any Americans. We were right down well, the street from Tiananmen. China wasn't our, our super friend in the eighties either. Yeah, know? but they loved you when you were yeah. there. They wanted to speak English. They wanted to talk to yeah. you. They really wanted to engage. So we lived right down the street from uh, Tiananmen Square, and that's where we take the buses there. It was <laughs> unbelievable, just everybody doing Tai Chi in the streets, and, you know, I was in heaven for, for, for you know. How long were you there? I was there for two months. Wow, that's amazing. Yeah, and we just lived every day, six days a week, you're training the Chinese martial arts, and, uh, you know, uh, what's the, Jet Li? Mm-hmm. So I trained at the same place that Jet Li trained at, and actually I trained with his his girlfriend. What? And he had made movies. He had made movies back then. It was called North South Tai, tai Chi. I uh, sorry, North South Shaolin North South, something like Shaolin that. Shaolin North South, yeah. And she was actually in the movie with him. Yeah. And uh, there was another one too that was really famous, Shaolin Temple, I think it was. Right. Those are great movies if you like uh, Chinese martial North South stuff. Shaolin. But we, we can we uh, can go and find great out what stuff. Those are, yeah. So it was the same academy that that he trained. The Beijing Wushu team that he trained at. You can look that up and see it. Right. So he was like a, a, a rock star. Well, those guys yeah. were doing stunts too, even right? Then? Oh, yeah. So yeah. even then he was. Oh, he was they were like, doing like movie stunts. Those those teams would make money, right? After if I'm right, that, I don't know if that one did, yeah. but it sounds like maybe. Oh, it was like a governmental thing. You, you trained on the team, and that was your job training Chinese yeah. martial arts, and they competed against all the other provinces, and yeah. and he was a top competitor back there in Wushu. And that's that's kind of uh, man. So you're 21, like your head's coming together, and you're in China, and you're training mar- Chinese martial arts six days a week. Yeah, it was great. It was great. It's with great. You know, with your first teacher, who again, you always go back to your roots and yeah, think yeah. About, you know, because I wouldn't have been doing what I'm doing now if it wasn't for him. You know, I Can I ask a really stupid, unrelated question? Um, so, I was talking to my wife the other day, and we're sitting down, and we're at a restaurant, Uh-oh. and we're eating food, and I'm like, <laughs> I know that you know. Uh, if you go to China, there's no General So's chicken. There's no movie <laughs> that. Uh, I was right? wondering how unrelated this no, was going to be. I'm wondering what the food was really like out there. there. Because there's no American, <laughs> there's not much American influence in the food. I thought you were going to talk about the bathrooms, Jack. Because they, they were the squat bathrooms. Oh, yeah. Whole, like, <laughs> yeah. A, like a squatty potty, squatty right? Squatty potty, exactly. Yeah. So ahead of their time, That's the Chinese. <laughs> it's healthier. It's healthier. Yeah. They put uh, yeah. your, your diet. I thought that's where you were going, going, really. <laughs> but to, I don't know. It would have made know, sense. Much more sophisticated than <laughs> right, that. Right. See, every, here's the thing. Oh, boy. People talk about people talk about me saying and doing gross stuff, and they're like, oh, Jay. No one would talk but about But nobody that, has seen more of that. 
than Patrick. Yeah, <laughs> that, 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 He's actually have, been there and seen that. Like, the we, prediction yeah. is actually a good one. We have that bullet in another chamber, all right? So, <laughs> right. Yeah. So, so look, apparently we're, we're, we're talking about the food in China. Tell what me was about the food. food like? Awesome. Yeah. Awesome. I mean, that was... Uh, first couple of days we were there, we had we went to some places, and it was a little sketchy. Like, like I didn't know if we were going to get enough calories in. Yeah, this is China yeah. in the 80s exactly. as an American. Yeah. You don't have the internet. You're not yelping your shit. It's all right, foreign. Right. It's weird stuff, right. Yeah, right? You can't talk to people. You can't. So, obviously, my teacher spoke right. um, Mandarin. So, once we kind of found the lay of the land where we were, the food was, I mean, the dumplings, what they called jiaozi, it's just mm-hmm. unbelievable. They're not like peaking raviolis here. They're like yeah. these golf balls, and they put them on this big plate with rice. Unbelievable. We ate that. Probably every day, uh, or these soups that they had with like yeah. eggs in them. And yeah, the fatty uh, it, was, it was it was it was really the food was awesome. The food was awesome. Did the whole Peking duck thing and <laughs> um, crazy right in Beijing, so it was good. Um, so I think of all the stuff we ate, but anyways, it was it was dynamite. So uh, that was a big long you know uh, long sidebar to what you were talking about before. But you came back up. Now you're up with Roberto. You guys are training just four or five guys, keeping up yeah. with Hickson on the yeah. side. Was the, yeah. was the jiu-jitsu that Roberto was like teaching? Was it very? Was Hickson and Roberto teaching the same things, or were they kind of had different styles? That's a great question. So um, since we were doing no gi, it obviously was different. Um, so the stuff that, that Hickson was doing, which was just the basic stuff, was very similar to what Roberto would teach. Um, but with the gi and, and the grips and how you do all that, that's what made it seem like it was much different, but it really wasn't. Yeah. You know, and I remember really liking to train with the gi. I, I liked it, but I also liked to train without the gi. I mean, I would go back and forth, back and forth. Uh, and I just found them to be so valuable. And, and Roberto was a gi guy, you know, and that was his thing. Um, so I really, really got to appreciate it. Most times that I trained, all the classes that Roberto taught was, was with a gi. But when we would have open mat sessions, we would take the gi off a lot. Um, and uh, Roberto liked to take the gi off, too, once in a while. And we would do, like, self-defense stuff, mm-hmm. and, which is another thing that I think is kind of lost in jiu-jitsu is the whole self-defense thing. I think that that needs to be brought back. Um, so, well, you said something really interesting uh, when you were talking about this before, which is to say you, do, you weren't looking to see what's going to happen a year from now. You're with the future. You're kind of just looking at right now. Yeah, exactly. That's one of the things. That, that's a problem, not a problem, but potentially, if you, you want it's a problem or an advantage of the Internet anyway, times everything, right? Times it doesn't even matter. Right? For martial arts, it's like you can kind of map out what's mm-hmm. going to happen by looking at all the other people on the Internet that are doing what you're doing. It kind of gives an objective number to something that's pretty subjective, right? Like, mm-hmm. how is my martial arts going to, you know, proceed is uh, totally subjective. But you can go on there and go, well, Keenan did it this way, so I'm going to do that. And you got this line, exactly. which is sort of arbitrary, right? Yeah. Do you yeah. want to reflect on that for a little bit? Well, let me back up on that. <clears throat> Just the, So the training that we were doing, the reason why it was so, – so we were learning jujitsu. We were learning with the gi. We don't – but at the same time, we were in a world where uh, people wanted to challenge what you did. <laughs> that's the, not the first time we've heard this on this the effectiveness, podcast. The effectiveness. <laughs> yeah, that's what it was all yeah, about. That's awesome. You know, I, it, was a, it was a funny story. Like I remember when we were, you know, Roberta and I were starting to kind of really develop a relationship, get to know each other, train a lot together. And, 
you know, this guy came in, and the first question that he asked was, uh, I want to see your uh, Gracie Baja certificate with the five signatures of the Massa, right? I thought Roberto was going to kill him. <laughs> right? So he was just, he was kind of offended in some ways. Kind but, of? You know, I think that's right. 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 Exactly. <laughs> right. And I'm, and I'm, and I'm, and this was a guy off the street that was this is a guy who just came maybe off the street. Train. And it would have been okay, I think, if he approached it the right way, but he didn't. <laughs> and Roberto was like, Roberto calls me in and he's just like, this, I want to kill this guy. Next time he's on the mat, I want you to get him. <laughs> it, was like, it was like, he was just, you know, because again, Roberto was very loyal to the Gracie family. Of course, yeah. Very, you know, he, he wanted to now show what jujitsu was all about. So he kind of went into that mindset of, you know, Having this time Proof off, of jiu-jitsu, now, right? Prove the effectiveness of jujitsu, absolutely. So it was, it was hilarious, and, and we still talk about the the guy once in a while because he actually did train with us uh, for quite a few years. But um, you know, so but it wasn't like you go to class, you know, you learn technique. It was, but then there was this kind of people coming in all the time, and it would be. Uh, you would feel kind of a little bit of attention, right? And Roberto would be really on it. And you kind of knew somebody wanted to kind of come in and test it. Yeah, you want to see if it's going to work. Yeah. Because right, it, it costs $20, you know, Jay? Right. Like, so so you're, you're saying, like, when someone was there <laughs> so if you need that and Roberto knew it, you could feel it in the air of the class. You're like, okay, where's the guy? Absolutely. So what yeah. would Roberto do then? He, he'd put me up against him. <laughs> he'd be able to say, hey, man, um, when we do, you know, free rolling, I'm going to set you guys up and show them what jiu-jitsu is. Could, could, could we qualify you as the enforcer at that point? Well, no I, I, yeah. fucking question. <laughs> yeah, it was, it, was, it was funny because it was, it was, that was somewhat normal because you heard what the, what the UFC was at that time, and there oh, were there were okay. there, there were lots of people doing that stuff around, and that's what they did in Brazil. So for me, yeah, it was a little different, you know. But I was excited to be part of this, and no matter who came in or just like what your white happened, belt, blue belt, you you know, you're like yeah. I think, I think I like maybe so Roberto. When I came in, he he gave me my blue belt immediately. Um, then maybe six months later, he gave me my purple belt. Because right. um, you've been training for right, yeah. And I, with you know, Hickson, yeah. <laughs> or like with you know, Hickson knowledge yeah. anyway. And, yeah. that, and that to me, right. like you know, was I was very you know grateful for him doing that. And you know, I really didn't. I didn't understand the belt systems, or the right. belt systems weren't like they are today. Nobody understood. The significance of being a purple belt. Purple belt's a big deal. Big deal. Yeah. So if you're talking big about deal. so so the UFC is when you're talking about now, you know, in your in your timeline here, the UFC has happened. Yeah. People have seen Hoist. Yeah. There is like a connection between jujitsu and yep. just like effective fighting. Exactly. Right. Absolutely. So people are coming into this. Yep. This class, this academy, or whatever. The yep. were you in the academy at this point, or are you still at the uh, at the. What you're talking about now, like when you say people are coming in, that's at that point. So that's Roberto what, has an academy. No. So that you know, he never really had an academy until we moved to the first place, to the second place, which was that's where I met Jay. Right. So we were up in this little small room. It was tiny. It was the the mats were 
I don't know. It's hard to explain. It's like there's, there's no cover rubber, on them, right? No cover. Pieces just, are coming off, right? Pieces are coming off. You swallow it. I, I, you know, you know, <laughs> Get your face rubbed yeah, in it. And I can still remember that, you know, we'll bring out this vacuum and clean it up. Then <clears> it just, like, tears of, you know, this, this plastic stuff would come out. Yeah. And, you know, it was raw. And it wasn't really, it wasn't really an academy. It wasn't like he was going to start a business. Mm. He was, I think he was trying to figure it out. We're just going to train and see what happens. Right. That's so organic, yeah. That's, yeah. that's so many great businesses start that way. It, Not as a big plan, but as just a passion for something. Just don't give it up. Yeah. Kind of like you train more, right? right, right. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. yeah, yeah, That's what we did. Mm-hmm. We'll finish the podcast off with that, too. Of <laughs> How many guys so, are training at this time? So when it started off, like I said, it was four or five. Then it started, I remember getting to like, you know, ten guys. Then again, it wasn't, it was still like a club. People came in. I don't think Roberto started being as a business at that point. More people would come in, and we would just—it was—it was—it was raw. It was, you know, it was crazy. It was fun. It was at that time, you know. Again, that's all I knew at that point of what I was practicing. A guy could come in; he could be 200 pounds, and Roberto may put me with him. It didn't matter, you know. Okay, I just gotta make sure I do what Roberto wanted me to do, and that's to show how effective jujitsu was. And that actually went on for a long time. I mean, there were holes put in the wall and this little... I mean, it was, it was great, brawls. great, great memories. <laughs> I, I love it. And uh, and uh, so that's kind of... It's funny because when, when people were doing kind of like those challenges, if you will, not challenges like fights, I remember in, in 1986, I think it was, I went out to uh, Albuquerque mm-hmm. and uh, I was going on a work trip, so... I was like, oh, man, i got to try to find a place around here. But I know nobody's going to, like, be having jujitsu. So I saw this ad in the paper, and it said, Up and Down Fighting Academy, Greg Jackson. Oh, geez. Yeah. Right? So I took a trip over. It was right, it was kind of close to my hotel. I walked down, and and, and I said, hey, you know, not, this is 1996, sorry. Yeah, right, right. Uh, I was gonna, yeah. yeah. So I said, uh, so I went down there. I said, hey, you know, I do jujitsu, And I told him I trained Roberto, Gracie Baja, and... Uh, and he had, he had some people that were training there. He sure. had this again, kind of a school that was, you know, wrestlers. And uh, did you have USC guys in '96? No, Not yet. No, no. he had he had started doing that. So later, okay. So we were training, and we had a good workout. The altitude was was tough training. It was great. Right. Um, so we, after we trained, we got off the mat and we're sitting down and we're hanging out. And they said, "Hey, you know, um, how would you like to come and we're going to do a challenge match." At another academy, and there was one kid there. The whole academy, or just one? Just a group of them was going to go to another guy. <laughs> Dojo Storm. So there was a guy. So there was a, there was a kid there. That's why I'm reluctant to call it that. Right? <laughs> no, it's yeah. funny. Hopefully, it's funny. We yeah. always call it yeah. But so one guy was in the in the uh, class. He had his eye was all red and torn up, and he said they went to challenge a kung fu school, and his eye, the guy ripped it out. Yeah. Right. So. <laughs> so we're sitting there. We all went went out to eat, and we're we're hanging out there. So let's go out to eat first. And uh, actually, the guy who drove me going out to eat was was a cop. <laughs> <You know? laughs> we go, oh, we're eating, and so they're kind of talking about you know. And I was thinking about it. You know, part of me was like, yeah, that'd be cool. And <laughs> 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 you know, nobody would know. Right. I'm right away from my work. No, you know. And uh, the other part of me was like. I get big trouble. A lot of gangs there, and it's, it's a tough city. So well, there's, yeah. there's a cop, right? You know, so it's good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Any time, right? It was weird. Yeah, yeah. So, so what happened? 
No, we didn't do it. Oh, I, damn I, it. No, no, sorry, I can't say. But that kind of mentality was what was on their mind. So they figured, okay, somebody's out there, we can go, we can represent grappling, da-da-da-da, and, and uh, you know, so it was a different time of, of, of what people were doing, what people were thinking, and how people wanted to prove what they knew. It was well, there, there were some... There was a, a certain culture, I, I'm not talking about, I have no idea from experience, but just from some of the interviews that we've done. There was a culture of underground fighting. Yeah. Yeah? Yeah. Were you ever involved in that? Are you aware of that? Did you no. know people who were involved in that? Um, no. Um, so I fought once, um, MMA, at the uh, Virginia um, Virginia Beach Championships, which right. was good. Um, uh so we went there. This was in nineteen. So this is the same year that I that I went had gone out and met uh, Greg. Right. And at that time, that was all that was on our minds about what you would do to compete. It wasn't thinking about we would go to jujitsu tournament. At least for me, it wasn't. But jujitsu tournaments were starting to happen at that time. Right. So I, you know, I wanted to fight, and that was always my goal. And uh, so. We got into, and this was a great, actually, Frank Cucci. Do you remember him? He was oh, a yeah. Navy SEAL. Yeah. So he was actually putting it on. She had the, um, he had the ads in the back of Black Ball Magazine all the time with him with, like, combat boots and, like, cargo pants. Yeah. That's kind of cool, was, though, right? Yeah. yeah it was, no, yeah. you can make it fun was, of me if you want, but I, I used to think that was cool. Right. Well, no, that was his well, thing was street effective jujitsu. Yeah. You know, Frank Cucci, like, yeah. Navy yeah. SEAL jujitsu. Yeah. Was, yeah. So we, um, so I wanted to fight. And to get into it, you had to make a tape and send it in. So oh, that's right. Yeah, that makes sense. So Roberto and I, we went to this place and videotaping you. We made a fight. Yeah, I guess we trained. Yeah, yeah. and we sent it in. Shit. Yeah. And I won't mention the guy's name because you, you know him. But he kept on like kind of jerking us around. Well, maybe we'll let you in. Maybe not. Maybe. And I was like, come on. You know. So finally, I got in, which was great. And uh, so we all went down to Virginia Beach, and it was a really, really classy event. They, they did it right. And think about that. That was 96. There were a lot of, right. if you went to fights out, like in Rhode Island, yeah. falling through the floor. It well, it kind of still is a little. But, yeah, so, Not but we were in, like, a ring, or? Yeah, it was a ring, and uh, <clears throat> so, you know, so we got there, and they, they, they set up the matches, and I saw the other guy that was fighting me. He was about the same weight as I was. I, at that time, I weighed about 170. Right. Um, and uh, so there was kind of one academy that was had all their fighters. There was another academy coming from somewhere else, and they had their fighters. So it was clearly, as we got to learn, there were two camps. Right. And I think this guy, he didn't know who I was, so which camp do you kind of go in, you know? Yeah. So Roberto got there, Frank Cucci, I remember, came out. We were all talking, and obviously then they said, well, we want you to come in our camp. Mm-hmm. And we're like, okay. And it was clearly a marketing thing for them as right, well. Right, right. Like a team thing. Yeah. yeah. So the guy that I was fighting with, <coughs> I saw prior to it, I was like, all right, yeah, it's cool. You know, I don't know what he knows. You don't know anything about him. So the guy, he comes out, the guy who was setting up the fights, comes up to me and Roberto. He says, listen, I'm, <coughs> I'm, I'm going to switch up the fighters. <laughs> says, Just because. Yeah. yeah. And uh, the guy, he says, this guy is a little bit bigger. He's about 205 pounds. And, uh, you're 170. I was 170. Yeah. yeah okay, I remember great. weighing in. So you're giving yeah. up. I remember Roberto saying, yeah, so, yeah, it was about 30 pounds at least. So Roberto says, no problem, man. <laughs> yeah, you don't think about it because there weren't weight categories. And the guy was a big right. dude. And, uh, yeah. and uh, so, it, so it was a great fight. 
I, I ended up choking him out. Who are the rules? That's why it was a great fight. Only rules you couldn't. Um, Trying to think, so you, you couldn't hit in the groin. Uh, out of gouging. Out of gouging. It was the same. Ra- did they have rounds? rounds? Yeah, they had three rounds. Three rounds. And that that fight to me. What were you wearing for gloves? Same gloves. It was okay. the same thing. Yeah, they did it right. They were really. It was really a classy event. I was really surprised. We were out there. We were like, this. This is good. And I was excited. Um, it's funny because um, you know Mario Yamazaki. Sure. Yeah. So he came, he met Roberto, and him and Roberto in my corner. So we all went out. Yeah, well, uh, he's yeah. The, uh, the UFC rep for yeah, yeah, exactly. Right? Yeah. yeah. So um, he yeah. also trained some jujitsu here and there. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Just, just keeping the people <laughs> on the uh, on the thread yeah, exactly here. Gotcha. Yeah. Right. So it was good. So he was him and Roberto were in my corner, and it was funny because oh, he was in, in your corner. That's awesome. oh yeah, yeah. Because oh, we were all we were all warming up together, and again, you felt this brotherhood of jujitsu, and you know awesome. you feel like. You're representing jiu-jitsu. You feel like, oh, man, I got I to gotta The, the guy you fought, was he, like, all stand-up, or was it also a kind of multi... You got this yeah. martial arts, right? Yeah, he was, like, more of a um, stand-up wrestler. Right. Yes, you know, we didn't really know exactly what their background... But they did both grappling and... and yeah. So it was, it was a great event, and uh, it's funny. After that, <clears throat> I still had a... A kind of an MMA mindset of how like people should train even though I love training with the gi and I wanted to learn the other part so I, after that weekend I came back and I said to everybody so we need to train a little bit differently for the MMA because what I learned there was you know it took me a while to get the guy to, to the ground and I was in grappling mode with him the whole time but I couldn't get the guy down and we were on the ropes like for so long, I'm like, gosh, I'm getting a little tired here. I'm little, you know, I finally took him down. But again, regardless of the outcome, I learned that you know you need to do a lot more training against some type of barrier that you're going to be fighting off of. I just called it wall training when I when I brought it back. I said, guys, you get, we, we got to do wall training, and this is this is what it's going to look like. And I set up this kind of scenario and how you would do it. And when people are doing it, they were just dying fighting people off of the wall and uh, to me that was a big big kind of breakthrough in what I felt like fighting usually you think about open areas and fighting mm-hmm. and shooting in but um, it was it was a great learning experience to go through that and kind of step back and reflect so well it's interesting like uh, you know Rogan and some of the other people that do uh, jujitsu podcasts as well will bring up that same thing which is you know, in the big timeline, before Bruce Lee came along, there was zero, you know, Asian martial arts in America at all. It was boxing, wrestling, and, you know, that was pretty much it. And then so, and some judo after the war, and right? At that, and at that time, the only place where you could get, you know, martial arts has actually spawned wrestling beyond high school and college. Oh, at no time, argument, yeah. You could only rice, basically wrestle in schools. Right. There might be a club here or there in New York or whatever, right. But then, and so uh, and so, the judo came in with uh, the war, right? So, you know, you come comes back after 42 and all that, 43, 44. And judo really didn't kind of grab in here until around maybe the 50s, right? But then, as soon as Bruce Lee and that whole set of movies comes over, all of a sudden, you know, all of these Asian martial arts, uh, you know, come by, right? And so guys like Rogan and those guys who are sort of uh, historians of, of how this stuff works really call out the UFC for saying, before the UFC, like a couple years before the UFC comes along, 
every single martial art is telling you this is the solution to your fighting problem, right? Right. right. And then the UFC comes along, and then you know, even the early sort of you know, they were really matching like opposite styles, right? right? You want to pick up the thread like that? All of a sudden goes okay. Most of this is bullshit. This works. This works. But the thing that you just said that just fascinates me is I think it actually moved forwards. Because there's guys like you and you guys training, and obviously Hickson and those guys are training for this particular situation, going, man, you do need to deal with someone up against the wall. Who's training against the wall? Yeah. In 1970. You know, yeah, in, or whatever, or even yeah. in 1970. Nobody, you know, or, or 80, you're going to see. Nobody's yep. up against the wall, right? Yeah. Am I yeah, thinking, no, am I crazy? Or? Yeah, no, I think, I think you're kind of learning as you go, and, and that's part of what you, we were just like immersed in that you know fighting arts and how to get better and what people were doing and now that all these fights were starting to come out and you're just you're like you're embedded in it it was great so you're just trying to learn how, how do you get better and that was one thing that just stood out like <coughs> if I'm going to train people to fight you know they, they got to learn this you know it's it's jujitsu is great but you got to get the guy on the ground and, right you know. and this is this is an interesting segue too by the way like those traditional martial arts, it was always the answer, like, because they were so segregated and they were so competitive style to style. Even when you look at the original UFCs, it was style right. versus style. So when you're a hammer, everything looks like a nail. Right, and, right, right, right. But jiu-jitsu was unique in that the, the approach was the same, only it actually worked. You know what I mean? It's right. like you get a lot of the traditional martial arts, taekwondo, blah, 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 blah. When you're a hammer, everything looks like a nail. My kicks and my punches are going are gonna to see me through this. Well, right. we saw what happened. But with jujitsu, for so long before people really started cross training, if you're a hammer, everything looked like a nail. For jujitsu, it worked because I could yeah. just take. It didn't matter. I'd take him down and I submit him no matter what. Yeah, I mean, I was in, in that early judo time. I remember being there. I was just starting to learn judo right around that time, and some of the people <laughs> I'm training with going, "Why don't they just fucking throw the guy? You know, why are they standing up? They just go in and throw the guy. You know, and you you actually watched it going." That shit's not going to work if you don't have the gi. It is going to work, parts of it, but you can't just map what you're learning right onto it. That's perfect. This is exactly what I'm talking about. So, you know, when you when when the, the downstairs academy opened, you also started in the same thing. It was like that was your, your course of the gi. Without the gi, you're saying, hey, if we're going to learn how to fight, you know, we got to train off the wall and we got to learn how that works. In the gi, you did the same thing with stand-up, right? You said, hey, I've got to find some place to... And so, entree to yeah. So, you talking about judo? You talking about Togu? Yeah. 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 So, so when Jay's talking about so when we moved to the downstairs and then the tournament started coming and everybody was, you know, I remember going to Roberto and saying, you know, I'm gonna I'm gonna go practice some judo, and uh, I actually had gone to. Tohoku a few times, you know, in the early years, but it was just kind of sporadic, just going in there just to, and, and, I, and I liked it, you know, it was, it was different than jiu-jitsu, but it was the same and, you know, um, the way that they, they actually do a lot of ground, you know, practice, but ultimately it was mostly stand-up. So, at that time I said, I'm going to go every week to Tohoku, I'm going to go on Thursday nights and just train judo. So every week... I would go to Tohoku, and it was awesome. And I was telling you earlier about uh, the people that were there. It was, you know, the, the judo uh, Olympic team would practice there, and I got to practice through 
two of the Olympics that they were doing at that time. Uh, and those guys, and all the grips that I was doing today, I mean, that's where I You're learned right that. Out of there, yeah. Yeah. And, I, and I only took, like, what I felt that was most effective, you know, how to kind of grip on both sides and, and use that. So I just started going every week. You know, then I, then I had another week because I really liked it. And as I was learning it, you know, it was partly for me, but it was also to bring back to jiu-jitsu because I felt everybody needed to learn a stand-up game. Too many people were just pulling the guard, which we can get into that. But <laughs> I, just, I just, you know, I just felt like we were missing so much. So at that time, again, I, I didn't immerse myself in it, but I was doing it consistently over year after year and just starting to, to bring that back for, to help people with competitions. And um, let, me, let, me get, uh, let me set that up. So what's happening is, uh, so you're talking about Tohoku Judo Club, which was in like Somerville or somewhere like that, somewhere around there, right? Somerville, yep. And uh, the interesting thing about this is that there were two places for Judo in all of America. There, when it, it came over, there was like out in San Jose, there was a little spot and there was a place around here as well. There was actually there was one in Pease Air Force Base, which is right down the street from where we practice. And then Tohoku was really early. I mean, we're talking about like yeah. this early '60s, right? I mean, yep. that was that was early on. And uh, the place at Pease was like '53 or something like that, really wow. early on. All just coming over from the people who were uh, the Japanese guys who you know were friendly to America come back, and the guys who went to Japan and they learned. So this is all sort of pre-Brazilian jiu-jitsu, right? Then the the Pedros, people know Jimmy Pedro because he's the one who originally coached uh, Ronda Rousey to the Olympics and all that. They had like a clan out here. All this stuff was in like this sort of 50-mile radius in this area. So it was really seminal to what judo became in the Olympics and all that. So we're not just talking about you went to train at some dumbass judo club. You were like where the shit was. And I remember Jimmy... Jimmy and Jimmy Sr. would would have their people at Tohoku, and they practice on their own, which is a different place. And this shit was, like, happening. That's when all of this serious grip stuff happened. So you were right there when that happened. Yeah, those guys were amazing. Um, You know, I got to train with Jimmy down there. and He was one of the few judo people that was amazing on the ground, too. You know, he was aggressive and, um, you know, some of the judo guys were, were good on the ground, but for the most part, they were they were stand up. You know, well, he had a college wrestling background. Yeah, he had really yeah. Well at, what is it? You Brown, URI or Brown? Brown, Brown right? Uh, yeah. yeah, he wrestled Brown at my high school too. What's that? Yeah. He wrestled at my high school. Did you wrestle at the same time? No, he, Jimmy was a little bit is a little bit older than me, but oh, he man. would come back. Yeah, um, and he there was two guys I remember him and Ben Ring that would always come back yeah. and train for a day every now and then. Yeah. He was an animal. Yeah. Not to get all techniky, but but like his oats that you were doing, where he grabs around the waist in the middle of the whole thing, you just, I don't know how you're going to end up, but you're not going to stop that thing. Nah, and so nah. judo rules, like you are going to get points. It doesn't matter. That, I think that one throw was the only thing that worked for me for like forever. Because I just got it right from G- Jimmy until I learned how to fucking stand up and throw somebody. But. Well, you know, <laughs> when you got into that, once you got to know the people there, yeah, and so jiu-jitsu was starting to become popular. So there's a lot of guys that in there wanted to learn jujitsu. Right. So we were able to kind of trade stuff, and uh, there was there was a couple of Brazilian guys in there that were really good judo players, but they they knew of all of the the top Brazilian jujitsu competitors and stuff. So we kind of hit it off, and we were training. And you know, there's there's this one guy there, his name was Caesar, and he was a phenomenal judo player. And uh, but he loved the ground just as much. So after class, we would just train jujitsu. And I would ask him questions about, you know, throws and 
you know, so you get into a place where now for me, it's like, oh, I want to take all this in as much as I can and, and try to learn it. And uh, ultimately, when you walk away, you got this kind of grip sequence, which we do There's five type of grips. Then you got your kind, kind of your main throws, you know, Oichigari, Koichigari, Osotogari. We don't try to learn everything, but just what would really fit with somebody competing in Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu. It, it can't be everything. You can't learn every grip like the Judo guys and all that. So I felt if I can bring that to Jiu-Jitsu, you know, I'm really I'm helping it out. So that's I spent a lot of time there. It was, it was great. Judo, judo training, I mean, you did it. It's, it's tough. You know, the they, body. Do, they do firecracker <laughs> drills, you know, and you're just like, oh, and it's, you take a beating on the body. So uh, back then they had the uh, the old mats, the tatami mats. and Yeah, but you, yeah. Didn't, but you didn't break your, you know, your toes and your ankles on that shit, which is nice. Yeah, it's true. You know, you, it resonates yeah. great, but you can't do a foot sweep without hurting somebody, you know, or hurting yourself, you know. Right. So, I shouldn't say can't, but, yeah. you know, anyway. So that was that was a big yeah. help, and that was fun, and, you know, uh Ruddy Ferguson was down there once in a while because he would, he would come sweeps. in. Yeah, <laughs> big guy and strong. And giant and, people. <laughs> uh, but believe it's funny because there was a lot, there was kind of a group of them that kind of wanted to learn from Jimmy. So they would all come in and they, they were all from different places and they were all fantastic. And uh, quite a few of them were, were um, from Brazil. So when I was doing jiu-jitsu, we just start these conversations and they would love talking about it and we start training techniques and uh, we were doing a lot of ground work there too, just as much. So I think that, then when you got in the randori, you know, obviously it was more the, more the stand-up, but uh, it was aggressive grips. I mean, those guys would yeah. grip hard. Yeah, your fingers were all shot all the time. Yeah, right? exactly. And it, what we're doing out here was kind of almost light compared to how they grip. It's almost like punching that, grab it, and you're just sucking wind like you can't believe. Mm -hmm. um, so, and there was a, there was a, there was a, two people that I had taught at BU, and they were both. One guy was uh, had got his black belt, and uh, he was from Japan. So I ended up training with him a lot, and he was a bit bigger than me. Uh, another Brazilian guy who did jujitsu, but he was mostly a judo guy, and we used to train as well. So you kind of had those people on the side that you get together with, and and just try to learn more because you know you just want to say, oh, tell me about this, you know, even some of the stuff that you tried to adapt adapt to Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu, you know, not turning your back as much. It was fun. I loved it. My body couldn't take it now, but I love teaching the grips. I like teaching the takedowns that I that I did today. So. This was this was an awesome class today because it's you get locked into the Jiu-Jitsu mindset of how how you teach, and it's you know, and we're we're at, at Port City, we're trying to break out of that really hard by standing, starting standing so much more. <coughs> like that concept of like, hey. Every class when we train, we just get on our knees and we slap hands and we go. And you're like, you just skip all that shit. Yeah. And it's no good. You can't do it. And you focus so heavily on those areas. I get so much out of these classes, not only technically-wise, but like do it, do it, drill it, drill it, drill it, drill it, drill yeah. it. Like every technique we did today, I at least did 100 times. Yeah, the class today for me was really interesting. You know, the way you, 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 you did the... 
I guess stereotypically, it's one of those things where you start with A, then you go A, B, then A, B, C, then A, D, A, B, C, D, etc., right? But you had the three sections to the class. You had the general movements that you're going to use. And you had, I'm, I'm, by the way, I, I, tell me if I'm completely wrong. This is the way I just saw it, right? I'll and tell then, you. I'm sure. So then, uh, <laughs> but then you had, like the, they had the techniques, right, that were going to be kind of universal, right? That whole thing. And then you finish with like this form of free sparring. In this case, it wasn't like, you know, straight out regular old jujitsu things, but you, you, you end up with this. You did a set of grip, uh, you know, setups, right? Mm-hmm. Just like, you know, whatever, setup number one or two or three or whatever drill. Then you went, let's go live, right? And you go live with those grips. I thought it was great that you went in and knocked out all the grips and you got the thing. It's as soon as you know you have the thing, like, just let it go. Start again, you know, so you don't get into that tangle of, like, you know, bullying back and forth and shit. And Yeah, and so the whole thing kind of built upon itself. Mm -hmm. You know, is that what you were talking about, Jay? Yeah, yeah. and even, so, anybody who's listening and even the people in the room know at Port City, we do the six-point drill a lot. Like, I got this directly from you. We do it a lot. And I get... Six-point drills like lasso and spider. You're yeah, kind of on your back. You're kind of reaching yeah, up your the feet. Yeah, the knees, the right. hips, and the, and the elbows. Right. And um, I, as an instructor, I get so frustrated when we're doing the drill and it like comes time to, to sweep and people fuck the sweep up. Yeah. You know what I mean? They'll like go and trap the foot, but they won't grab the ankle. And I'm like, yeah. nobody's going to fall down if you don't grab that ankle. They're just going to put their foot right. back. Well, yeah, and but Pat solved it pretty well today. Pat solved it really well yeah. because when Pat does it, He's like, we're going to do the first sweep, and you're going to get like 20 or 25 reps in. Mm-hmm. And he's like, now we're going to do the second sweep, right, right. and now we're going to do the third sweep. Not like yeah. pick a sweep. Right, right. Like I'm taking that back, and now that's the way it's going to be. Yeah, and, like, and I don't want time. you to think about what sweep I'm going to do when, when, when the whistle blows. Like you know, you whistle, and yeah. I don't. He doesn't want them thinking what sweep am I going to do. Do Before this goddamn right. sweep. Yeah, right, right. It doesn't exactly. matter. Just when I when you hear that. Do the sweep and do it right. Well, the funny Just thing is, yeah, yeah, the whole the, yeah, the cumulative time that you plus the way you taught it to, to be clear to anybody who's listening because it's kind of hard to follow along. Uh, the class was somebody's on their back doing the six point drill actively, and then Pat, you go and hit the the whistle. They got to do the sweep, right? Then you switch, and the other person's on top, right. and you do this. But you taught through that. For like a half an hour or whatever, right? So the entire half an hour, the six-point drill is just going on the whole time. So obviously everybody in the class forgot about the six-point drill because they were just doing it. It just became second nature. And they're just thinking, where am I? Where's that sweep? Where am I? Where's that sweep? So it was a really cool kind of way to put it. And it's not – so like you say, we're doing 25, 30 reps, right? So it's it's so much easier to teach because not every – so if I stop and I teach everybody – like okay, this is how you do it. Not everybody is is making the same mistakes or doing the right things, Jesus. right? Not everybody's yeah, making the right? same mistakes. So I look at you, or I look at this person, right? And I see it, and I see somebody sweep. I can go over to them. I can just say, "You got to put your foot here," right? And I'm going to watch five more reps. Oh, I, I, I kind of try to scan and say, "Oh, this guy's putting that foot over here." So I go over there and say, "Put it here, put it here." So you're constantly teaching while you're doing. Not just stopping everybody and doing it. If somebody does something right, that's good. You know, um, I find it's a lot easier to teach that way, especially if you're kind of. There's black belts are making mistakes on it. It's just you get kind of in that mode, and you're like, "Hey, don't." You heard me say a few times, you know, don't get lazy with it. You know, you got to be mindful. You know, and and I just think that uh, 
for me, that's a better way to teach why you're constantly doing, doing, doing. I can make this, because they're not making these huge mistakes. A lot of people may not even notice them, but just by the pure repetition, I can just correct the small things. The big, big thing that I got out of that was, like you said, being mindful when I would get swept. Regrip. I would grab. Yeah, I was like, I've been doing that drill forever, and I get swept and lay back on my back <laughs> and reach up and get and the wave, grips. Wave, wave to the sleeves. Yeah, to come get, and be like, thank, yeah, you, yeah, thank you, thank you, thank you. Horrible. Yeah. And then, so what? And yeah. so doing it with Dan, and I'm not rolling all the way back, and I'm stick sitting up on my butt with right. the grip already. I was like, oh my god. The exercise it, yeah. is just as much for you being swept as as the person right. swept. Yeah. It was funny because right, awesome. the first time you did it, like, I'm just fascinated with this whole thing. I'm just, like, staring at it. You're doing all this shit, right? Because I didn't take the class here. My my back's all just fucking jacked up today. So uh, you go and do this thing, and the first thing you said was, don't slap when you get when you get swept. I'm thinking, that doesn't make any, like, that's way out of there. Like, why would you say, like, everything else made sense, right? It's like, that's how far out of this mode I am. Well, of course you don't stop. You should be fucking regripping, right? Doing something with your yeah. I couldn't even think of why not. That's how far like back out of the system I am. So like, that's, so that was like amazing. The, so like the train more kind of thing. <laughs> oh, <totally laughs> yeah. totally maybe uh, maybe do some of that. <laughs> oh yeah, <laughs> right. That could be it, right? I mean, every every uh, every possible move that you're doing is is part of the training, whether you're being the person who's doing it right. on or whatever. And you know, people. As you're being swept, and how many times are you swept? A lot. Everybody right. gets swept, right? Right. So if you're not thinking, that transition part is the hardest part. Yeah. The sweep from, and the from the being, from being swept to yeah. going back yeah. to. I mean, so that's the easy part, right? The hard part is, is how do you take the grip while you're being in transition? Right. How do you get that foot to come in the middle? Because if you put it on his hip, he may be just pop it yeah, off. Pop and just it press up, right? yeah. um, And how do you just sit with the sweep? Because that makes the the roll smaller. Can I can I uh, point out something you you were talking about the other day in class, uh, Jay? Where Jay said, uh, "I'm sorry, I'm going to call you out, but I'm, I'm sure you'll be fine." He said, uh, "You know, it, this is it, modern jujitsu. Everybody knows everything, right? You got all this. You got all the every, access to every move. You don't have these secret moves as much anymore. Old school, you should just get the guy in the back, throw the hooks in, and try to choke him. Right now, it's everybody knows everything. What you made a really good point, which means if everybody knows everything." Then modern jujitsu is in the transitions. Am I quoting you correctly, Jay? Right. Is that what you were trying well, to get across? Yeah. So the, the, what we were talking about is like where people get caught is now. Pe- I catch you in transition. It's like when I sweep, like if you're if 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 you're not active and you lay on your back, like I'm going to come up. I'm not just going to crawl into your guard. I'm going to sweep into a good position, and I'm going to get you in the transition, whether it's a submission or whether it's I I push my guard passing up fifty percent and I'm halfway past by the time I sweep. Like that, I, I feel like that's a really important neglected part of jujitsu. That's where so true. Well, you were saying that it's even pushed more importantly to the front because people have answers to most things hey, because everybody knows, knows what stuff. It's not like when I go daily Eva, yeah. people don't know what I'm going to do anymore. Right. Like everybody knows that stuff. Right. But you get them pitched and you get someone to put their hand down. Now we're into transition, and it's who whoever's familiar with the transition or initiating. Like everything Pat taught, Pat taught today was like that. You know, it was like. I grab the grip, he re boom, I'm waiting for the regrip. Right. I've been waiting for it. Yeah. And then when it happens, now I'm in control. Yeah, or off of the sweep, yeah. I'm like initiating the pass. Or you sweep and he's going to defend. We're in transition. Now I take advantage. And I end up with that awesome position with the knee across. Like you're going to pass at that point. It's not about knowing how to pass that guard. It's about I caught yeah. you in transition and now you're fucked. Exactly. 
I caught you in transition, and now you're fucked. <laughs> Do you think? I, are, are we uh, absolutely on the, on the Absol- right track here? Absolutely. I just think, you know, just to back it up a few. I mean, you think about the breathing, and everybody talks about you know how to breathe and how you should breathe, and but it really isn't practice when people go live. It's not like it's a natural thing. We forget about that. We put that to the side, and all the breathing is gone. So as you're doing every move, you've got to be constantly thinking about your breath. It's funny. One of the first things I looked, learned from Hickson was not about technique. It was about, about your breath. And what he always said was is that you should learn to, to exhale, you know, get your breath out. You'll naturally take the breath in. But if you're just like right, blowing it out, your breath will come in. But you've got to remember to, to exhale and get, get the crap out. Um, and I still, again, I still see, myself included, you know, because even teaching that helps me get back into you got to constantly think about the breath. The next, the transition piece, I, I think is just, it's, it's underrated in, in how you can take advantage and, and how people think about it. They're thinking about the technique, but it's all about the transition. It really is. So. Well, I know it, instant, uh, in just like boxing or whatever, I mean, that's that's kind of what the story is, right? It, it's living in the transitions between there's only so many techniques in boxing. I mean, this is a ton, but I mean, the big ones, there's a couple of techniques. And I think, how do you approach the deal with jujitsu, where there's this incredible range of techniques? How do you even approach beginning to teach where the transitions even are? Are you just going sweep, not sweep? Yeah. Um, so what I, what I try to teach people is to... to, to to, to build on their strengths. You know, <clears throat> I did a couple of things. Like if you say to somebody, just start from standing and let the other person kind of do what they, just kind of be like the practice person. Take them down, pass their guard, go to whatever position, then go for a submission. Try doing that with some people. Black belts, brown belts, they get stuck they freeze. They don't know really what to do. They don't have a sense of like, like what would I do from each position? And everybody has strengths and weaknesses. I mean, that's just the way it's going to be. So, but if you don't, if you don't know, like, like for me, I pass <clears throat> all the time on the left hand side. <laughs> to your but, left? I'm just making a mental note. Out, out this way. <laughs> to, to my left. left. Right. Right. So I so that to me is my strength. So I'm going to really work on that strength. It's not about learning both sides. You don't have enough oh, time. Oh, okay. You know? I see what you're saying, right. right? So I just I try to just nail that down. I'm going to pass the left hand side. It's just like it's like Yamashita, right? Everybody knew he was going to do Osoto Kara. Everybody knew it. Everybody knew it. Yeah. And he would get it almost 100 percent of the time. Yeah. So I don't really care if people know what side you're going to pass. The idea is that how how well developed can you develop? make that strength to work for you. That's not a super popular uh, uh, opinion. I'm not calling you out at all. I, I mean, you just call no, it kind of out. Let me finish it up. No, what because a jerk. Look, at, look, at Mar- <laughs> look at look at arguably one of the greatest of all time, if not the Marcelo. This is exactly well, the same thing. It's like, th- I'm going to practice what I do. Mm-hmm. So, you know, you're in great company, but it's still yeah. not a popular. Damian Maya, same type of yeah, thing. Like, yeah. I have, well, Pat has never done anything to me that I didn't learn as a blue belt. And I knew he was going to do it. I and just couldn't do a goddamn thing about it. <laughs> <laughs> awesome. But, yeah. I, yeah. So, so, how do I say this? So, going back to that strength part, right? So, if you, most people think or try to practice on both sides all the time. I see it. 
So I have to call it out. Just practice it on your strength side. Mm-hmm. Just do it on that side. Do it. Do it a hundred times, and then you you have to know how to go to the other side too. So I feel like as a teacher, like I got to make sure that they kind of stay in that zone. And I get the question all the time: What do you mean? I have to learn on my other side too? Like, no, you don't. Right? If you're training eight hours a day, you're training six days a week, maybe. But for the time that you have to train, what is your strength? When you get side mount, what are you going for? A lot of people freeze. And they have to think about it. So I try to say, okay, what are you going to do when you get to sign? What is your go-to move? doesn't mean that, that you're actually going to get it. doesn't mean you're going to submit the person. But you've got to have a plan that you immediately go for it and you attack it. Because what does it do? It puts the other person on the defense because you have a really good attack. And you, you know. So I find that even at higher belts sometimes that, that – and I wouldn't have known this unless I started to just experiment with it. Just try, try to you – know, what do you do well? What will you do? What's your takedown? What's your go-to takedown? A lot of people don't know. And I think even with pulling the guard, um, and sometimes I get think that gets you know misperception on what I think about this. Not that I don't think it's a good technique. I think it's a great technique. But people use it out of fear all the time because that's all that they, they know, so they're going to pull guard. Um, one of the students out here that just had competed, you know, we talk about it all the time. And I can tell when he sends me his tapes, I'm like, okay, I can tell he's going to pull guard here. <laughs> He's tired. Yeah. You mean because the other solution isn't there and this is something that you're comfortable with? Is that what you mean? Yeah, I just think that that, that pulling the guard has been a technique or been thought in jiu-jitsu as kind of a cool move, the go-to move, what you do. I don't know. I don't know. But I always, it always bothered me that, that it should be used as a technique, not as your is your first move. So, so it's not you, your insurance policy. Yeah, so I'll give you an example. This, I, I said this to somebody at one point, and they said, that's the stupidest thing I ever heard, so I don't care. <laughs> so, 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 it's the right. stupidest thing I've ever heard. <laughs> so if you, so Jay, you play golf, right? Yeah. Right. So you tee off on the, on the first tee, right? Yep. 550 yards. Okay. What do you pull off? 200. Right. Okay. What is a professional pull off? Driver. 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 Right. Okay. So when you're like, 80 yards away, what do you, what do you pull out? Uh, pitching wedge. Pitching wedge, right? Mm-hmm. Okay. Why don't you pull out, like, you know, putter? Not the right, right not thing, the right, right? Not the right choice. Exactly. Right? So so when I look at, like, a game plan of, right, of how, well, why would pulling guard be your full first choice, right? You should have a Because you don't right? lose points? Well, I'm not thinking about it, I'm thinking about I know. just right, 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 right. I'm just obviously playing yeah, devil's advocate yeah, yeah. here. Yeah, I know. <laughs> so, so I, I think about the same. Why, so I think about pulling guard. I think, you know what? That person has got 600 yards, and he's pulling out his pitching wedge. Right, to right. Do. That, pitching that's right. not the right club. Right. right. You know, so it should be the driver. And that's what people should be using. And then you hear people say stupid shit like, well, every time I swing the driver, I hit it out of bounds. Right. Aha. Your driving you sucks. Right? You're much better at golf if you learn how to drive the ball. It's funny. If, oh, I, was right, playing, so, yeah, if yeah. I was playing with Jay, I'd pull out the seven iron on the first tee because I guarantee you yes, I'll be down yeah. the straight. If you learn to hit the driver, you'd be a much better golf. golfer. Yeah, right, yeah, right. right. Yeah, yeah, so yeah. it's the same with stand-up, yeah, right? Yeah. So you have to, like, what is the appropriate thing? It isn't pulling the guard. Right. You know, you're pulling the guard out of fear. And, again, there are people that, that pull guard and use it unbelievable. So you, you kind of... I'm looking at the, the kind of the gestalt of it, not not just by people like Marcel Garcia. Would I ever say that it's wrong for pulling, him pulling guard? No. no. Right? Uh, with the Mendez? No. no. I mean, there's, but there's certain, for the majority of people, they can't 
use jujitsu like that. So, well, is it safe to say that part of this is just because of the way the rules are set up, or are you? Are you I mean, do you run into people who are defending? If I were in a self-defense situation, I would totally pull guard. I mean, it feels mostly like it's a, a, a rule-based concept. You're saying their takedowns suck. No, I understand that. <laughs> I got that. But like, like, so transitioning from judo into uh, jujitsu sucked because not someone would attack. In, not to put words in your mouth. Yeah, no, right, yeah, but, yeah, yeah. but someone would attack me, and I would I would turtle up, and I'd be like, "You're not going to break into this turtle," and whatever. Yeah. And then nobody would come. And save me, yeah. right? And so that sucked, you're right? So you had to. Yeah, that's right. You're right. Sorry. Yes, I feel that's going to show up a number of times. Going, hey, nobody's going to break into this. Turtle. <laughs> nobody's right. going to break into this turtle. Maybe the first time I've ever. I forgot heard where I was. I've never I'm heard sorry. something like that before in my life. Uh, <laughs> so no, but, but but the rules, like all of a sudden, I'm like, oh shit, my, these rules. I'm, Screwed me up a lot, right? Now I've got to really, really, really change the way I, I just so, react. Yeah. Obviously, the jujitsu guys show, even guys in our club. I mean, I'm like a blue belt. I'll come in, but if we start standing, I guarantee you, nobody is maybe one guy, two, who are going to try to throw me. They all pull guard because they know that I have exactly. the judo. Yeah, yeah. I'm like, well, that's we're just training or whatever, but I totally get it, you know? So I think, you know, so here's, it's here's, a rules thing, right? All right, so what I'll say isn't the most popular thing, but I think I think jujitsu rules kill the effectiveness of, of of jujitsu. So I think you know, just say, you know, there wasn't such thing as, as pulling guard. All right, so more jujitsu people would have to learn stand up, and they would be more. Like, I can't pull guard. I got to make my stand up better. Right. So it kind of shapes what it's ultimately going to be. So look at judo, right? So judo doesn't allow attacking to the legs anymore. Yeah. Right? Ridiculous. Everybody quit. Right? Exactly. Yes. So it's going to kill jujitsu. Yeah. I mean, sorry, it's going to kill jiu-jitsu, judo. Yeah. Right? And so that's going to actually make people fight and, and compete a different way, right? Yeah, no question. Where the leg could be right there for you and you can't even pick it. Especially right? for older guys who, who, who play judo. You know, your yep. legs are shy, your knees are shy. You've got to go right. low. You can't just stand up. So low. judo five years from now, ten years, what, what will the competitor be like. It'll well, be it's already changed. Very few people are seeking the judo schools anymore, right. which yeah, is really right, sad, right, but right. true. It's, right. <clears throat> it's probably it's the higher level jujitsu guys who are going to the judo schools so You're they can get better right. standing jiu-jitsu up. Jujitsu guys seek judo. Yeah, 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 it's, yeah. It's weird that it's all flipped around sure. right, from when you were... But there were many uh, people that I trained with, and I made a point to kind of train with different types of people, and mostly bigger than me, hmm. but I couldn't take them down. And, and I knew that I couldn't take them down. But I would fight as I could take them down right. because I wanted to at least put up a fight but still be aware that I may end up in this position. You know? and, and that was part of uh, kind the of transition learning. from being thrown to the ground. Well, exactly. we were there, right, right. later to learn that anyway, right? I right. mean, that's yeah. the practice. Like, right. I know I can't take this guy down mm. doesn't mean I shouldn't try. Exactly. Because well, that's what the, practice the, is all about. Theoretically, being the badass in the, in the school is not necessarily a good thing. You want to hey. continually be working against you know, the things you You know you how need. to get to Carnegie Hall, don't you? I don't know how. Practice. Ah, you mean train more? Is that what you're saying? <laughs> train more. Yeah. Train more. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to go piss now, you guys. So. You, you could have just gone. <laughs> well, I'm kind of saying it out loud, so our, our guest knows that if he needs to go, go piss, we can, we can freewheel as well, too. So, so I, uh, <laughs> I, I reminisce all the time, and I try to, part, part for two reasons, 
First of all, I want to make the people at, at Port City feel part of a bigger thing because I think we are. Absolutely. I think this is like this, this whole thing is special. Like Mass BJJ is special, Boston, Port City. Like th- there's something really special about where we all come from and we're all attached to it. And yeah. So I talk about the old times yeah. because of that. But I also reminisce because I loved it. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? I loved – and it was tough. You're right. It was – it was even when that downstairs academy and like when you were allowed to train in the red room and it was like I showed up if Pat was teaching class like honestly this is completely honest I would try to show up like 10 or 15 minutes late like I did today <laughs> because I was hoping to miss the warm ups because yeah, people would throw yeah, up on. I was surprised the rash guard yeah I would never do that for Nate oh. I hope you know <laughs> on purpose uh, but people would throw up Wow. During Pat's warm-ups because they were so tough. Like every class was a competition class. And it, what, you're right. It wasn't about getting students mm-hmm. and making the academy bigger. It was about teaching real jiu-jitsu. And Absolutely. it was sink or swim. Absolutely. If you were fucked up enough to stick around, you were going to learn some awesome jiu-jitsu. But it Absolutely. wasn't easy. Like your classes were yeah. super tough. Yep. Like, and even the Red Room, Jay. I mean, there were people that would get so frustrated or so pissed off. Because people, whatever, were killing or whatever, that they didn't come back. And it was kind of like a, <clears throat> I have, me too, I have great memories of that place. I tore my knee up in that place, I remember too, from Matt Fletcher. Ooh. But, um, you know, you look at that, and that was a chance to, like, you, you had to, like, be on your guard. You, you had to make sure that, you know, people, everybody was going to come at you at that room. Yep. And that was great training. You can't, it's hard to do nowadays, right? Right. But uh, and even People quit exactly right, right. <laughs> but the classes for the warm ups and that we used to do, Roberto and I used to talk about them a lot. And because at that time it wasn't quite going to be an academy in a business sense, it was still going to be training people to be the best that they could in jujitsu. Right. So I said, I'm gonna kill them with the warm ups even before <laughs> we get to the jujitsu, right? <laughs> <laughs> Many people got mad, or you know, it would just be part of part of the game. And uh, I have good memories of that too. Oh, so is turning it from a club to a business kind of take away, like, yep, you know, some of the, yep, because you got to change, yeah. right? I but I'll be unpopular here, but at the same time, is you everybody? All, you are already. Unpopular. That's my job, right? <laughs> uh, yeah, but I mean. It depends. So let me ask you. I'll, I'll ask you rather than put it out there. So how is jujitsu? Is this kind of thing for someone who's not dedicating their lives to it? For someone who's coming in a couple of days a week and just enjoying, you know, being around the team and doing the thing, and they get a great workout. And I'm not talking about turning into Taibo, but is there a place for this, or is there not? Or and and do you need to separate that out? Is it a different class? It's different. It's different. I mean, again, I, I go back and. Even when we went downstairs, there were still people that would come in. It wasn't the same as it was in the first one, but still come in that would want to challenge. It started to change because now it started to be more like jiu-jitsu black belts from Brazil coming in. Right. And that, even with Roberto, was really like, okay, I've been training all these Americans. I want to show how good they are to people coming over. That's really how he felt. Which is awesome. It was awesome, absolutely. And, and, you know, again, I felt even more kind of that loyalty. i got to really show them what this was going to be like. So I knew it was going to happen. Um, but how you how you train, and you, I mean, I think 
there's people that are come in again that might be dangerous with with going for the legs or hurting people. I mean, you got to be aware of that when you do an academy. You can't allow that to to, to persist. So, um, but the kind of like anything goes stuff back then. I don't think you can do that. I mean, I still, again, as you said, Jay, my, my best memories are from that, and I still long for it sometime. And I could still remember going down. And, okay, this guy's going to be there. And this is what's right. going to happen. Well, why are you guys saying you can't do that? I'm not talking about making every class like that, obviously. But I'm saying, why can't you break off a group and say, this is, that's what happened, right? They go in that room yeah. and do well, that. Well, what was the red room? Yeah, I'm sorry. I should be more questions. Blood, blood right. sweat, and but was that, So was this like a big room. academy with a separate room off the Yeah, room? you would. Yeah. Well, you can tell the story about that. Yeah, it was just, it was. We had the main training area. On the side was a... Um, an extra room, which Roberto had put red mats around. And uh, we would always come in. I would teach the first class. It's funny. It took me took a long time to actually have two classes per night. You know, Roberto always wanted one. You know, we had to sp- split them up between beginners and advanced. And uh, so we, we that's when it first started. So everybody used to come maybe <coughs> an hour early or whatever. You could come in halfway. But you go in the room, and it was just people killing each other. You had to be invited, too. You didn't just walk yeah. into the, like, if you're a white belt, you just walk into the red room, you're going to walk out in about 30 seconds because someone's going to be like, yep, all right, stop, you and me. Yeah. Right. Annihilated, you know not to come back to the red yeah. room. You had to be kind of, it wasn't like a formal invitation, though, right? It was like, hey, let's go, uh, Yeah, I don't remember. you know, a purple yeah. belt would be like, hey, let's yeah. go train. Yeah. And you'd be like. Sometimes emotions would, would get out of control. Right. You know, I mean. You'd hear was, banging was, in there, like. <laughs> people yelling well, at so, each other. And right. It was. Good training. <laughs> <laughs> so maybe maybe the question I was asking before has already been answered, which is that not everybody's going into the red room. I mean, there's a place for yeah, but people knew you were in shit. there. People knew you were in there. Yeah. I mean, I think you know the person coming off who's who's trying to come in and not get hurt, and you know they're afraid. I mean, even if they're not doing it and right. they see it happening, uh, even with the cage that we have in here, I'm somewhat ambivalent about that because people come in and see it. Yeah, I understand it, but for for somebody that may come in, they may be just intimidated and say, I don't want to be part of this. I may have to get in the cage someday, even though that's furthest from the truth. Right. But they, they never know. get in the cage. Exactly. Oh, oh, I understand what know. you're saying. You're saying the problem isn't that somebody's going to go in there and get hurt and it's going to be back to the academy. It's the other way around. You're saying it makes the academy intimidating. I think so. I, I, yeah. think, I think it has a yeah. certain... People mm. know about it. and You can't underestimate people's fear about trying... I... I, I uh, Next week, we'll, we'll, we're doing a, a, a ceremony for David Lee. And this was a guy who, he passed away in our academy. And he, um, Goodness. he did ju- Taekwondo his whole life. Mm. Right, 40 years, he was a master teacher, very well known. And uh, what a great guy. And he was afraid to come in our school. He'd been doing Taekwondo for 40 years. He was afraid to come into a martial arts school. But he was afraid to get on the mat. And he told his story over and over to students coming in. He was like an ambassador to our school. So you can't underestimate it. I think too much people think, oh, yeah, they're just going to come in, but they don't have to do that. Even if you see people going hard, that mm-hmm. could be enough of a deterrence to say, I, I don't want to be part of that. So how do you handle that? I mean, you got to... You gotta, you I would to hate to think that there was a place where that could never happen. How do you segregate that out? Because obviously it should, it is going to happen. If you're 20 years old, it should happen to a lot of people. It's a hard, the, the, a jiu-jitsu academy is a hard 
front door to walk through mm-hmm. the first time. No, no matter I'm, what, I'm, no I'm matter what's inside. Yeah, it could yeah. just be mat space. There could be flowers on the walls. <laughs> yeah. And it's still a hard room to walk through. But is there like Thursdays or jungle days? Just stay off Thursday and you're all good? <laughs> I don't know. Is it, I, don't I don't know, know if you can have both. It's a, it's a tough one. It, it, it's a tough one. It's. Uh, I battle with that. All, yeah. the, all the time, and so let me let, let's, let me ask you directly: Do you think that 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 jujitsu is for people who aren't going to go in the red room? Do you think everybody needs to just get there? No, no, nobody has to go in the red room. Nobody right. has to get in the cage. Right. People can do it for self defense. I mean, I think that's what we're trying to do with jujitsu: is make it available and accessible to anyone. Right. Um, but you know, I have to check myself growing growing up and how I did in jujitsu. You know, my mindset could be could be different than what I think the average person walking off off the street is going to come in here. And I say, you know, so I have to check myself about that. I can't just assume that people are going to come in and just like, oh yeah, I'm going to come in and try this. And right. um, you you really have to kind of get to that level where you how do you make it available to everybody and not make people feel like they're going to be walking through that door and feel intimidated immediately once they see the cage. Mm. And I think, Jay, you're right. I mean, it is tough for somebody to walk through that door. David would say that to me. He says, I went up. We had these long stairs. Right? Yeah, climb up to. Well, those, those are, leg- are, those are legendary. Yeah. Everybody talks it's about those stairs it's and what it's, it's like steps. to walk up there. It's a school. It, it's a, yeah. No, but it, I don't, I've never even... I've never seen those stairs, but I know... I feel like I know them because yeah. it gives you all of that time to just, you know, kind of turn around and run. Yeah. People and you look at the, puked on those stairs and yeah. everything. It's like, yeah. But he would said he would walk up the stairs and he said he would be shivering. Yeah. And so I have to. You have to listen to that. This was really, the one you guys had before here downtown. No, two academies. Two ago. academies ago. Yeah. Well, the first academy was actually. <laughs> well, I, well. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> first that, that's going to come up at some point. But my first academy was in right, my house. So, right, 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 right. The shed. Right. So we like, heard about the right, shed. Right. Do you, did you, you listen to the Nate, the, the Nate podcast? I listened to most of it, not all of it. You shut yeah. it off in disgust. <laughs> no, no. I, uh, so what I what I did here was the uh, what do you say the the underwear story. <laughs> <laughs> all of us were waiting to find out whether you heard the underwear. Story. I did. I did. No, we're not going to recap the underwear story. Yeah. If you want to hear the underwear story, go back to the Nate cl- Ryan. I want to clarify that the Nate yeah. Ryan episode, so you can hear both sides. And Nate so, did call uh, our guest Pat here out at one point about a story. Now, would you like to clarify I'll what clarify actually that. happened? Uh, there? Uh, yeah. so, Show business people. So, 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 <laughs> <laughs> so back then, so Valley Tudo was the name. It wasn't MMA, right? Valley Tudo. Uh, yeah, yeah. So that's what Hickson was doing, right? Yeah, that's what they just called it. They was more of the kind of MMA was more American, right? Right. So when we trained, it was. Um, we were trained, so at that time, I, I moved to Acton uh, in 2001. Okay. And I had, I had, uh, I was still trying to teach at, at Boston, but it was, it was hard, so I had to figure out how I was going to do both. And um, so, anyways, I had mats in my basement. I bought all these mats. And so people would come over and train, just people, Matt Fletcher, and just people that would Keith Raquel. And so at that time, I was kind of, tra- it was a kind of a transition time for me because I was starting at, um, an MMA team called Team Elite mm-hmm. and a lot of those guys were coming over to train because I was doing the jiu-jitsu part so most guys that would come over in the mats I would just go downstairs and I, 
So I bought these shorts, all right? And <laughs> they were, I forgot the name of them, but they looked kind of like Valley Tudor shorts. So good, right? They were underwear, right? Yeah. <laughs> so it's like, oh, I can, these can but double. But they had they, names they can double, on them, right? <laughs> they can double as this. And they felt cool and all that stuff. So anyway, so if somebody came over, I just take my pants off and I have my... <laughs> My Valetudo shorts on. Like, <laughs> and, and in, real, in real world, <laughs> it's the same goddamn thing. Yeah, yeah, like, right. do you see right. the UFC? There's yeah, nothing wrong with it. These weren't cotton these tidy whities right? No, you just wear them. See, the the right. 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 He painted the image that they were cotton tidy whities right. you know, with the whole... So guys, none of you guys... None of you guys right. but, but hold on, so none of you guys play video games, but most of our listeners play video games. You have this choice... In every video game, as the guy you're playing with, you have to dress them in whatever wear, they want. Wear so underwear you just or Valley Tudo? Valley Tudo shorts. Yeah. No, there's no underwear. It's just the same goddamn thing. Ah, so when I... so <laughs> Definitions. So Nate used to come over and train, and I would wear these same shorts, and he'd feel really uncomfortable. <laughs> well, we have... <laughs> right, so, right, and my wife was... She, she understood that this, this was what, what right. it does. Jesus, what are its baggy? And Nate was like, well, what's this? Like, you'd feel like, oh, come on, changing to the regular Valetuda shorts. I said, but changing this valet, it's the same thing as I'm wearing right now. Same thing. And we used to get into this battle about, you know, what was... Uh, was appropriate. I felt that they were very appropriate. <laughs> this whole thing is so, I, I yeah, thought that you wouldn't it's have crazy, silly, right? Yeah, yeah. So that, it's that, either that, all of it's inappropriate yeah, yeah. or none of it is. But I, I trained with a lot of people with these shorts yeah. on, right. so it wasn't like it was the first time. But uh, to call it out, we have guys at our club who will train on Nogi Night with these shorts on. Not so underwear. Underwear. Or, or like the, the big thing now. The Valley Judo shorts. Yeah, the big thing now. Every is like, every jujitsu club has no gi night. Somebody's wearing Valley Judo shorts, or or even yeah. or even better the. Uh, just, what what do you guys call the, the tights? Guard. Yeah, what you guys call tights? Tights. Spats. Spats. Right. Tights. In jujitsu, they call them spats. Right. Tights. Right. Whatever you want to call them. Ballet. It's what ballet dancers wear. So one of the things right. that stuck out when we it is in a rash garden. People stopped wearing board shorts now. It was when you guys were lifting weights. And I'm like, you guys look like oh, yeah, look like a, a blue blue man group. Don't wear board shorts. My fingers are going to be okay. Right, I just want to say, so those those underwear, or Valley Tudor shorts, I'll call them. Yep. They they were a step up compared to the ones I fought in. If you look in there, they right. were just the. It's a bathing suit. Bathing suit. You yeah. want to so I still have a couple of those. I wear underneath the gi. Yeah, I, exactly. It's my favorite stuff, by the way. Like, he doesn't I usually hate, wear anything under the gi. Yes, I do. Yeah, when yeah, I train. I knew that. No, there's we two, have, time, we there's have two times I wear underwear. That you have needed underwear at important. Times. I've forgotten <laughs> sometimes, <laughs> but I always wear something like. Look, you don't want to be armoring people without. And and you don't want to go to the gym and, and lift and do stuff without some kind of you got to say I guess. it's bad. Jay had to wear my wife's underwear. <laughs> it wasn't her it wasn't underwear. underwear. It was her valet Tudo shorts. She yeah. saved my life. So the I don't want to blur. I don't want to recap. That's my point. I don't want to recap the whole story because no, like I told you, you don't have to regret. But like I grabbed my stuff for the Tom DeBlas seminar and I went to the seminar. Wow, it was a Nogi seminar okay. yep. and I forgot that part. Well, and it she happens. saved my life. Like he grabbed, he's like, he's like, ah, oh, who should I use? Oh, I'll use you, Jay. And here I am with board shorts with nothing on under. Tom so thank, she saved my life. And plus, you know, <laughs> plus you know, open. Tom DeBlas is hundred percent about setting up leg locks and heel hooks yeah, and yeah, yeah. and doing all the pass. And it was not a good situation for I Jay. I felt very vulnerable. If he was doing the <laughs> slice pass, I'd have been in a lot of pain. 
<laughs> he does the over under too. He does the, yep. the, the, the fire. Yeah. I got a question about that. So, uh, it's like a technical question. So, I've noticed that when you knee slice pass, you don't go for the underhook on the far side. You'll like slice through this way. Like, you'll grab the belt or the sleeve the way you did Cross today. Face. Yeah. Cross like, face, you don't yeah. care about getting under that, that far side, like the way Frankel does it. Yeah, again, I never say like something's wrong. I mean, right. it's just kind of what I interpreted the move as and what I feel like is. So, <clears throat> I always go for crossface first. I think that that's kind of the first thing that you should be thinking of. I think a lot of people just think about going all the way around automatically, whereas you may not need to. Right. So, it's not to say that I don't, but I always focus knee slice. You know, I'm really kind of pinning him to the ground with that shoulder coming in, then cross face too. Again, there's going to be tough guys that, that get to their knees and there's nothing you can do about it, so you've got to transition. But I'm not going to assume that I have to. Right. So I've always taught it cross face first, then that's the second move. Yep. And you don't, you'll cross face on this side, and this arm, like the sleeve we did today, that was, I literally. In all my years of jiu-jitsu, have not seen that, and it was super effective. Because right, so, so, you eliminate right. the possibility of him underhooking or causing a problem right, because you right, bring right. it right here. Exactly. Right. Right. So, why let go of it? It was awesome. Yeah, yeah. The listeners know what's going on. Instead of reaching, uh, so if you're crossing, if you're uh, if you're knee slicing to the left, instead of reaching over with the right arm and grabbing the cro- uh, the, uh, the uh-huh. underhook. What you were teaching was you're actually grabbing that same, that right hand, that same side over there. You're same pushing it across. Sleeve. Push that sleeve. sleeve across so the guy's stuck yeah. coming through with the knee and then and going then with the cross face. Boom. It's funny. I was watching you. Some of your students were letting go of that, that yeah. sleeve across. It feels like an arm drag, right? Right. It sort right. of looks like an arm drag. It feels like. Right. So on the top, pushing that across. A couple of your guys were letting go yep. when they get into the cross face. But I noticed when you did it, you just had, hung on to it the whole time. So it's like... Am I crazy? But it's like a reverse X pass, right? Right, and the and the finished position. By Instead the way, this thing, cross you're going face this with way. the arm across. Yeah, right. might be the up. worst position to be in right. in all of jiu-jitsu. Right, and then you you could even set up that horrible Hickson. What do you guys call it? Uh, the gift wrap. Gift wrap, right? Rap. Like that. That was crazy. Right. Looking at this, go. It's yeah. always like if you if the person's doing it to you, and they have your arm across, like you feel totally vulnerable. Right? So right. you know the way you feel when somebody's doing it to you. They just can't think about what it feels like for that person. You know, so when that person has a, my arm pinned down, like oh, I just want them to let that go so I can pull back and get the underhook. Yeah. So, I mean, that's kind of like the, the the essence of the move when you feel like what it's done to you. But a lot of people can't, can't oh, what do you mean? I should just let it go and just, you know, scoop them in. Right. No, I see what no, you're saying. No, you're no, saying no. so from the top, when, if I were going to do it, I have to be cognizant of how much that sucks for the other guy. Exactly. Right. Yeah. And exactly. you got to feel it to know. Exactly. Yeah. And right. uh, and so there, there's a bunch of moves that I do. To, first of all, the pat pass, you know, the leg weave when you're passing. You stuff to half guard and then you know, swallow I, the I leg. I'll tell you something about Everybody that. Everybody knows fine. the pat pass. So <clears throat> when we did that tournament thing, yep. uh, you, everybody, you were saying that, right? Right. Like, what the hell is he talking about? Somebody's calling my name, right? right. <laughs> and I didn't put it together <laughs> until somebody, I think Mike might have told me that that's a pass right. that they use. So, and I remember saying, what? What the hell is that? You know what I mean? And uh, what is it? What move is it? Can you kind of describe yeah. it for the people uh, yeah. who are listening? Yeah, so immediately, it's hard to like, once you're able to, to open the guard, you stuff <clears> a guy to half guard, yeah. and I weave my arm over the top leg and grab the pants on the bottom leg. Sort of like yeah. setting up a smack. Yeah. Collar or yeah. sleeve yeah. and sprawl on it and walk around. Yeah, great. Yeah, and yeah. you yeah. force half guard by throwing that, that leg that's under to start. Yeah. yeah. And it's such a, I, in my opinion, that's one, it's set up. 
It's such a hard pass to stop. Mm-hmm. If I could learn really how hard. to go the, op- you show the, op- so if it doesn't work, you also kind of cartwheel over the other yeah, side. I, can I can't. Over. I haven't learned that part, but that pass is so. That one and the Pell pass are like these super effective passes that you right. teach over and over and over again. I got and I hate him, to say it, I try all this shit, and those couple of things always kind of three quarters work. You that, sh- that's the same thing as drilling the moves, right? So you're drilling yeah. something over. So like the six point, we do that same pass. I mean, you're thinking the same way, and like you're trying to teach somebody, like, this is a go to move, regardless of what it is. I think that that's smart. I mean, that's. I know, try. Yeah. I pick yeah. up stuff from yeah. you and yeah. Nate. Like, you guys yeah. have been teaching for so long. Like, this class today, not only as a jujitsu guy, but as an instructor, I pulled away so much stuff yeah, from here. Yeah, man. And it, all you, you know what, you guys didn't get the opportunity to do it today, but next time, if you roll with Pat, he'll do things to you that you'll be like, like, as an example, he'll sit to guard and grab your sleeve and let you pass. You know what I mean? And then he'll take your sleeve and force it away. And you're, like, hovering in what should be side control. <laughs> and you're, like, I just can't. I can't. And he'll just move and replace guard. And he'll let you pass again. Yeah. He'll take the sleeve. And he'll roll to his knees and do all this stuff. Like, you have such a beyond-the-technique view of what it takes to successfully do techniques in jiu-jitsu. It's... You're anticipating the move, and you're like, as long as I have this grip, I can let him pass. And you're not afraid. Like, Man, he'll roll with me yeah. as a third degree black belt, and he'll let me pass. Like, well, but, not but a, minus not a one care. piece. Minus one piece. Minus one. He's got the. Right, this, right. But I mean, his your attitude is such that you don't care. It's funny. You're like, I've got. The, I, a, I believe in my jujitsu. B, I'm practicing this technique, and I don't care. How good or not good the person that I'm rolling with is, I'm going to do this technique. Yeah. Yeah. Tom DeBlas had that same thing during that seminar where he would just throw these little comments in, which really struck me. I know it struck some of the other people. One of our uh, one of our purple belts took notes for the entire time, and it's, they show up in the notes too. He's like, because once you do this, the guy can't move, and then you just keep going, and you're like, hey, hang on, hang on, hang on, hang on. <laughs> hang on a second. Right. What do you mean? He just kept going, right? So you could see he was aware. I'm sure, like all you guys are, all the, all the high level guys are aware that if I do this, you're kind of pretty much screwed. So you may or may not know this, but you know you're kind of screwed. And that's the stuff that's so fascinating. I think from the from the lower belt perspective, it's yeah. like okay. if you can find this spot. Yeah, you, know, you feel good if you're a lower belt, if you're in mount, you know, or whatever. If you're inside control, you get these big pieces of awesome. You know, but you guys seem to have all these little pieces, and, uh, and that's yeah. definitely something to call out. Like, there's a spot that you feel comfortable right. that pretty yeah. much nobody's going to touch. Now, I think that's, you know, you talk about the group of people that we work with. I, I always felt like everybody is, is, is trying to learn, keep an open mind, keep some of the old school stuff, but learn from the new school. It's a constant back and forth, and I think that appreciation and that kind of mindset just has made it better and better and better. And, um, you know, there's a lot of tough people out there that, even with that type of move, Jay, <clears throat> trying to move and diff- you know, putting yourself in difficult positions and allowing people to get moves, even letting your ego down to practice that kind of stuff mm. is something I don't think people do enough of. It's okay to let them take you back and try to figure it out, you know. And I tend to never start my, <clears throat> when we do grapple in a class, never start from the knees because people don't get, to a position where they can start to work out of positions, you know. So you do positional training. Mm-hmm. You know, that's a whole nother discussion. But, you know, position training should be key, you know, to just drilling, you know, attack from here, defense from here. Um, but 
I think that that's why it's evolved so much. You know, I see stuff out there that I'm learning from people myself, like, wow, I never saw that before. That's kind of cool. It may not be my game, but I have to learn it because otherwise they might do it to me. Right. And if I'm not, my ego is too big, you know, the, I think they, they can't do that to me, you know, because I'm this. That's ridiculous. We know better yeah, now. Exactly. Right? Yeah. And, and it's interesting that you, you know, you see that and you're like, at, at, it's a wonderful thing about jujitsu is to say, I got, I have to, I have to pick that up. Mm-hmm. It's not my game, but I have to learn it. And that's, I think, what carried you from traditional martial arts to jiu-jitsu to judo to MMA mm-hmm. to, as you saw that, and you're like, I don't care how long I've trained. I'm seeing this. It's new. I haven't seen it before. i got to do it. i got to have it and at least know it, even if it's not my game. Yeah, absolutely. One of the things that comes up on the podcast, mostly because I keep bringing it up on the podcast, is that you have, like... Uh, some of these martial arts are really, really ancient, and they've been around for a long time. So they're on the negative side, they're kind of calcified, but on the positive side, the the, the powerful techniques have moved up, right? So if you use judo as an example, because we're all talking about judo today, you know you have this set of forty techniques. Obviously, there's more than forty techniques in judo, but these have kind of come up. And then they've been organized into a set of groups so that they're easy to understand. That if you know these first eight, you know you kind of know this, and you know this thing. One of the things I find fascinating about jiu-jitsu, one, that it continually seems to grow. Mm-hmm. There always seems to be another thing to deal with, you know. <clears throat> but also that it's not really codified like that. It's mm-hmm. not really organized. One of the reasons why I think we've, we've brought up a couple of times, which is that it's not that old. I mean, it's parts of it are ancient, but this format of it is relatively new. And so now you're seeing older guys who at one point were champions, they're just getting into their older years. Yep. Judo solves this with a couple of different ways of looking at belts. You know, you're going to look at some 80-year-old guy, and the 25-year-old guy is not going to come in and tackle him and just elbow him in the face and try to get past, you know, there's a certain respect that goes on. But it's interesting watching in jiu-jitsu as finally now jiu-jitsu starting to see older guys, you know, who are still active or still, you know... Uh, What's old? Training. What's old? Well, I'm 53. I'm 53, too. I know you are. Yeah. <laughs> I'm a blue belt, so it, it best not be 60, because I'm never going to get anywhere fast. I'm not going to stop coming. What I'm getting at, though, is that uh, I have a different perspective than you do. I'm just here to learn this thing and see what happens, right? But So am I. I know you are. So as one of the more experienced <laughs> I know you teachers, are, but what am I? I did. <laughs> Where does this go? Do you, you see do you see somebody who's eighty teaching, you know, you see you just kinda kinda fucking give up. You just said it, like there, you just throw your ego out and you're just gonna go do yeah. what you're gonna do. How do you see this happening for the next thirty, forty years for, for jujitsu? Do you think it needs to change? Or do we turn into like coaches or coaches and they get their own respect? Or am I just I mean, is it already there? Can I ask a better version of this question? Yeah, please do. What are you going to do for the next 30 or 40 years? How are you going to handle this? I'm going to train more first. (laughs) (laughs) That's number one. (laughs) You mean more hours? Is that what you mean? You're going to more hours? Um, So so two things I want to talk about because I think that would be important to kind of the evolution of of jiu-jitsu. But, you know, so... Being 53 years old, I, I, you kind of you go up and down, like because I'm still, I feel like I have that competitive kind of nature, and I still think like I did back when I was first training when Roberto said, "Okay, take this guy on." So I still want to be there, but I have to be realistic about 
my body and how I take care of it and what I do. So I train differently in how that kind of... So, I don't know, it's hard to say, like, like I'm not going to train until I'm 60 and say, oh, I did whatever I... I don't know, maybe it's 65, maybe it's 70. You know, You're going to just know. stop at 60? No, no, I'm not. I don't want to think that way. That's right. Not, that's oh, I see what you're saying. Right, yeah, right, right. So I don't know what it is. I know at this age now it's, okay, how do I train and how do I take care of myself? And, you know, <clears throat> there's times that things happen to your body, you know, and you have to think about what, what what is it. Like I remember when I was training six days a week, hard, hard, hard. I had all these back problems. And it wasn't because I had, you know, something physically wrong. I did, but it was because I was training too much. You know, it's just it, never it's healing, just, yeah. Exactly. Right. It's an inflammation. I stopped training for a while, and miraculously it goes away. What was that? I had all these people that I was going to, and it all felt good, but you just need a break, right? So it has to be smart. So like, so now I feel like I'm, I'm kind of the training regimen that I'm doing now. It's like I still feel like that competitive kind of piece of me is, is I want to be better. You know, I, I really do. And some people may say, well, you can't. You're not 25 anymore. You're not 35. You're not 45. I'm like, so what? You know, I, I, my mind is, is that way. And I think I think a lot of the people that come to the school that start at a later age, you know, they think about health and fitness. They think about self-defense. And they once they start to learn jiu-jitsu, they really like it. So, of course, they want to get better. So it's hard to think about what it's going to be. I try to put that out of my mind and just try to think, like, how do I take care of myself and try to be as competitive as, as I totally can be. So, um, But there's one thing I want to talk about in the evolution that I think of training is, is Team Elite. I don't know how much time we got. I was going to ask about this. We got all the time we need. I was going to ask about really interesting. I think this is, is, is a great <clears throat> part of my training that uh, really helps in so many ways. So, um, Can you kind of describe what we're talking about so yeah. the people who are listening know yeah. what's going on? Yeah. The story's amazing. By yeah, way. it's great. I'm going to go to the bathroom first, though. Good idea. I'm going to talk to Jay about All something. Right, <clears throat> what did I do? You look like you had a fucking great time today. <laughs> I did. I, I, I was. You were just having such a blast. I was thinking about this class. Since since we like we put this date on the and he's like oh Sunday ten thirty act and I was like this is going to be awesome. Did you um, ever learn directly from Pat? Sure. Was Pat your instructor for a while? I don't know. Didn't you skip? Well, us Pat up? Pat taught for Roberto from when I was a white belt until I was a brown belt. I was on the mat every day with Pat. When did you actually meet Pat for the first time? Uh, first day I came to the academy. Oh, you mean legitimately like the first day? The first day. Wow. Okay. Would you consider... So how many people were teaching your the classes that you went to when you started? Four. Can you run those, please? Roberto, Pat, Kenny, and Keith. Those are the teachers. Kenny and Keith Florian. Yep. Right. So Roberto Maya, I'm sorry, people, we're just starting on this podcast. Roberto Maya, we're talking about, is the founder of Boston Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu. Yep. Uh, at some point, we're going to get him on this podcast to pull it all together. We've been kind of going around the circle to make sure he's going to be the last one. Right? Last time I talked to him, we actually talked about doing this. Right. He wants to. But we it. wanted to talk to. I wanted. I was hoping we could talk to Pat before we could get to Roberto because yeah. he could be kind See, of the we're center. Get, we're getting there. Yeah, right? digging down into the center. But yeah. um, right. And so you started fucking forever ago. But it, so yeah. So you knew this Pat. You knew this guy from the beginning of your. Jiu-Jitsu, sort of formal Jiu-Jitsu career. Absolutely. In fact, the first class I ever took, Pat was teaching. Whoa! I didn't know that. Yeah. What was your impression? Because uh, you're bigger than this guy. So, oh yeah. 
I mean, I was younger, a little probably younger. like, yeah, you know, right. And I like like Pat did. I had a little bit of jujitsu. Like yeah. I learned, you know, I knew how to do, you know, arm bars from the top and bottom, right. and more paintbrush, and you know, <laughs> I rudimentally like how to pass, you know, pass the guard and stuff. And I came to class, and I remember, I got back to my car after class. Like mm-hmm. I, I put on a tough face. Like I got the my slats kicked in. Right. Like. I sat. I got back to my car and I sat down. And I was like, "Thank God I have water." And I was like, "Oh!" And then I I saw the mirror, my my rearview mirror, and I yeah. looked at my rearview mirror, and I had Matt burn all over all my over face. your face, all over my face. You know, we all have this photograph. Well, in 2017, yeah. we all have this photograph on our phones. And I was ourselves. like, but "I'm not absolutely <laughs> positive. I'm ready to start this car and drive home right now." <laughs> like I'm like, I just need to sit here. Did you? When, how long was it before you actually rolled with Pat? Did you roll with Pat the first night? Uh, not the first night, no. Yeah. Um, my first roll was with Keith Florian. Well, awesome. And well, what, <laughs> were the, what were the warm-ups like that were so bad that you would oh show up? Oh, my God, dude. For? It, like, was, what did, what it, was, it was line drills, and it was, uh, you know, on a basic level, something like it would start. It wouldn't feel bad in the beginning. You know what yeah. I mean? Because Pat always kind of warms you up and gets you ready for he this. He did stuff. that today. I but, watched you guys, yeah. But the but the, the 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 way that he would drill, like, you know, it would be push-ups, it would be sit-ups, it would be, like, bear crawls, it would be, you know, the, the walking push-up and then frog leap and stuff like right. that. Like, you would do a couple that were easy, like, you know, front roll and back roll, but right. he would just... And then it would be like, uh, you know, belt pulls yeah, pull and up, people right. carries. That was great. You did that. You did that a couple weeks ago. And, yeah, you were doing that. Yeah. Um, and it was just, it was so hard that when the warm up was <clears throat> over, like you weren't You're thinking. You were already gassed. Yeah. You weren't thinking I'm going to have a good day on the mat. Right. You're like, how am I going to survive? Right. How am I going to get off the mat without getting my, like, because now I'm so right. tired. Like, I don't know how I'm going to roll effectively, but everybody was in the same boat. And and Kenny and Keith would take these classes, and they would be tired too. Like this is when Kenny and Keith were purple belts, and they were you know they were taking Pat's class, and everybody was gassed after the warm up. It was so tough, but I guess it was probably three or four classes in that I finally Pat put his hands on me. Um, and you talking were talking about when he met you, uh-huh. and it was uh, when you were a newbie. Pat was a lot better to you then you know because there was that back in the day there were meat hanging off the walls like you had to survive you were in a situation it was a survival situation is when you were learning jujitsu right and man like Kenny, a little bit of the Kenny didn't care Kenny was on. competing yeah, all right. the time and when you rolled with Kenny it didn't matter what belt you had on like just get ready to tap. The point of that it's, it's going to come yeah, on hard. And at, it's, at that time, the the academy wasn't focused on jujitsu for everybody kind of stuff as much as let's just see if you're tough enough to handle it. So yeah, earn your right to stay. Yeah, and uh, but Pat was cool. Like he yeah. would he'd correct mistakes, and if you if you clearly weren't on the level, you know what I mean. He didn't just kick the shit out of you. Right. It, but you, but I remember the feeling of the way the jujitsu felt. Like everything was so heavy and tight. Like other guys had a more yeah. loose style. Like they'd sweep you, and you felt like a clown because, like, I don't know how that happened, but yeah, I'm on my right. back now. But I didn't feel the pressure. Yeah. With Pat, always you could feel the pressure. There's a lot of pressure. Like your ability to do things was so limited just by the pressure. 
just by the pressure. And it wasn't like he was trying to do it. It's just the way his jiu-jitsu is. Calling out my white belt homies at Port City who are listening to this, who all started within the last six months. We had a big influx of new guys. They all they listen to the podcast and all that. Listen to Jay. He knows how you feel right now when you come into class and everybody's sitting on your head. They're just like going, and you just can't breathe, and you're just like, I just want to tap because I'm in mount, and everybody knows this feeling. It sucks. So it it for, sucks for everybody. Forget about belts for a minute. Yeah. Like, let's pretend there's no belts in right. jiu-jitsu. If you're going to learn, everybody starts on day one. Day one is your first day. No matter, there's day no way to skip. Not so bad. There's no way to it's skip. Day two, <laughs> right? Well, actually, I actually, I think, I think day like somewhere in a year and a half is when it gets bad because you get good enough that you know right. what you well, get to you're is. You're not supposed and, to say that. And people about, right? stop. Yeah. You know, uh, letting you have stuff because you're good <laughs> enough. To, you've, you're you're yeah. good enough now that I can roll with you. Yeah. And and you know what I mean. And that's when. But everybody that ever learned jujitsu ever started with day one. We got to say that out loud over and over. We had a day, I had a day one guy yesterday. You actually pulled me out and say, hey, can you grab this guy? Right. And we had a great time. He's, he, he, I don't know what his ethnic background was, but whatever it was, it comes from a, a proud men kind of attitude, you know? That is a way to describe it. He's a big guy. It was funny because he had a pink gi on. Oh, well, that wasn't his fault. That was because he didn't have a gi, so we just gave him pieces of geese, right? You know, and so, and I'm looking at the poor guys, like, I already dressed not how this is comfortable and all this, and I'm sort of the guy who ends up a lot of the times, like, grabbing the new guy who comes in because I'm old and whatever. And it's fun. And we had a great time, and I had to, I'm not calling him out, but I had to calm him down a couple of times, which is good. And he didn't even immediately get him, get him to but, breathe. But boy, when we started that first roll, it was like you could just see the shoulders go up by their ears. He's like, oh, you can see all the tension come forward, and he's getting ready. I'm like, let's do it. First thing I did, just grab it, get him out. Like, like now I can this control is, the situation. No, I'm, no what I'm saying is, this is what it's going to feel like, man. I'm light. I'm gonna. That was fun. We had a good time, and then I handed him off to I think, well, one of our other high level blue belts who looked at me and said, I go, first day, dude. He's like, I just, he can tie his belt, right? I'm like, oh, <laughs> God damn. This is going to be a long you know day for this to go, to go back on that, it's that like... That guy weighs like 145 pounds, so it was fine, but whatever. Jiu-jitsu guys, traditionally, you know, when, we, when you get more advanced, when you're on the ground, you know how to breathe well. Right. You know what I mean? Like, you could roll for an hour and a half and, and walk off the mat. I remember that day, like, when we trained together, and we rolled for close to an hour... And neither of us were breathing hard after it's because you guys are calm. There's psychos. a level of calm psychos. to be able to breathe correctly as you roll through. It doesn't mean I'm gifting anything. I'm not trying. It's right. like I'm breathing. But the stand-up game for jujitsu guys that all of a sudden we forget how to breathe. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So team elite. We were on team elite. Absolutely. Yeah. When you start, yeah. so were you like a purple belt when you started that like what, what, yeah no i was a black belt black belt yeah i um you were roberto's first black belt right yep 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 and uh no big deal that was a tough thing that was, was did you run the gauntlet no no <laughs> we, we did it with everybody else <laughs> see there's the secret people the black belts don't have to do it well, that was, you gotta think about it that was a tough thing for no it's, it's it was a good thing. We had a good time with <laughs> the gauntlet's it. awesome. Yeah. <laughs> For Roberto, that it was tough giving out his first black belt because he had to he had to think about Gracie Baja and Carlos because he was going to give a, 
a black belt to an American. So we used to talk. There about weren't it. that many American black belts at the time. No, no, and uh, you know what's funny because at that time Roberto was was uh, very close to Henzo, and they were talking a lot. Right. And we were uh, Henzo was uh, starting to lift weights. It was funny. So <laughs> Roberto would start to lift weights, right? Yeah. Right. You know? And I would I would go to the gym. Uh, For the listeners, how are they related? They're cousins. cousins. Actually, actually. To, to, well, I don't I think I'm I, trouble I think here. Technically, but, yeah. I think Roberto's his uncle or something like okay, that. Whatever. But yeah, they're family uh, related. They're family, yeah, I got you. They both so, lifted weights. Yeah, so, so so Henzo would call and tell Roberto, you know, what he's lifting, and <laughs> so Roberto and I would start to lift weights. I got we got really big. I mean, we were taking we were drinking Myoplex like it was water, and <laughs> all sorts of stuff, and it was it was that was an interesting. That's when like Flex Appeal, what was that Flex thing came out that store that sold. The supplements, whatever, and they. Gail knew. Yeah. 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 So, <laughs> so it was kind of an interesting time we were, we were starting to do. But it was hard. I mean, to, to give a black belt to American, I mean, he I mean, he wanted to be able to, Carlos or whoever asked him about that, how do, how do you, you know, so Matt Sarah at the same time, I remember, was coming up similarly to me, you know, in his rank, and Roberto, and Henzo would talk about Matt to Roberto, and, and so it was kind of like, it was an interesting time. You know, how, how does he kind of break the ice with that? You know, and, um, right, well, that was a commitment yeah. to you, too, right? Because you couldn't just grab your black belt and be like, yeah, I think I'm going to go get my college degree now or whatever. You had to, like, really yeah. represent, right? Yeah, no, you felt the responsibility. You felt the loyalty. And, um, you know, we had, uh, at that time, we were trying to open up another academy in, in New Hampshire. Is that where that Jim was, DeLuca that was a mistake. Like, came in yeah. to the play, I feel like? Like, he started training there or something? No, we actually met Jim when we, we did this tournament together. Um, is Jim yeah, still, we still training with you guys? Yeah, oh, yeah. yeah. There's a, he I talked about Jim, that tournament on awesome. our podcast as well. He comes well. to yeah. every, every one of my He's classes. a great guy. I mean, talk about... Yeah. Just, we did a podcast yeah, he, with him that's amazing. Oh, no, yeah, great he great taught guy. Thursday night. You guys switch. He usually teaches our Saturday class, yeah. and it's a, uh, it's a trip. It's yeah. a trip. I will not miss that class. Yeah, great guy. I'll miss great some guy. classes, but I won't miss that one. Yeah. That was your first jiu-jitsu tournament? Is that where... The Joe Mafia tournament? Yeah, it was a. Well, you you weren't there when we did the podcast with Jim, right? I was there. You are there. I'm sorry, right? I'm sorry, man. Yep. I just you know old thing. So you started. I knew, I knew him before, but he he did come out there. I think uh, for a little while. Yeah. We, we didn't have the school for that long. Where did where did you try to put a school in New Hampshire? It was in Hooksett. Uh, right. Hampshire, and that's okay. like bad memory. So we're going to move on from that. <laughs> cool. All right. But it was a on. good thing. Some some people came, <clears throat> yeah. still train, but. We had, we had, but you didn't live in New Hampshire. No, no. Some people had. Well, a, so yeah. you didn't know how people think of Hooksit in New Hampshire. Either. <laughs> no, 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 no. <laughs> I, thought was, I thought it was Manchester. Then right, it was no. on the line of Manchester and Hooksit. Yeah, it doesn't matter. Yeah. Totally I remember, different. I remember. One's got an M. One's got an A. Precisely. <laughs> where I can walk. I can walk with my eyes shut. Um, I just, I no, was after you, that. Yeah, that happened. Uh, no, that was probably well, three, maybe ninety-nine. Ninety-nine. What year did you get your black belt? 99. Oh, 99 is when yeah. you got it? Yeah. And uh, so it was good. We met some good people, and right. it was just, it was tough. You had to drive all the way out there, and although I didn't care at the time, but it just didn't work out. So it didn't work out. So then? So at that time, we had we had done, there were some people that were fighting, and um, you know, we had met people along the way, and I was teaching um, Keith Raquel privates, and Keith um, fought in the UFC twice, yeah. and uh we had just met. He had come out because the people who started the Submission Underground Forum, which is now the whatever they call it, 
Carrick, you know, yeah, and those yeah. guys. So they used to come out. Mixed and, martial arts or just yeah. the underground, yeah. So David Roy had actually first started it, and Carrick kind of came on earlier, because they came down to the school a few times. I had talked to them to privates, and we got to know each other. Oh, really? Cool. Yeah. Yeah. And they were great guys, awesome <clears throat> guys, and loved it. David Roy had talked to Keith about coming out to Boston Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu, right. so he came out, and I, I taught him some privates, and uh, he, great guy, just wanted to learn. You know, he had he was a black belt in judo. He did all the stand-up. You know, Which person are we talking about? David Roy? Keith, Keith Ruckel. Keith, Keith Ruckel, sorry. Big gotcha. guy, too. Yeah, yeah big Like dude. a yep, really yep. big dude. Black yep. Nicest guy yep. ever, though. Great guy. He, he was fighting a, a hook and shoot out in the Midwest. And he fought that. some tough guys. And uh, yeah. so he was he was like, just wanted to learn how to uh, better utilize jujitsu for his game, even though he knew judo, they didn't focus on. So we, right. I was teaching him. Then eventually we just became friends and training partners. Then Doug Kalenda. Right. Who's also a training partner. Who's an animal. <laughs> we used to train. He was one of the guys I trained with every week. And uh, we had started this MMA class on Friday nights. And we just were training. And, you know, so... As it was started, in Boston? In, uh, it was in Watertown. Watertown. In Boston, Brazil. Yep. <clears throat> so we... Um, so as some of the fighters Ask started going... Jesus. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Sounds like he was... Yeah. He had a subscription to Flex Appeal. (laughs) (laughs) But he was nothing like what he looks like. Oh, no, I don't mean that he was roided out. I mean he was just, like, lifting all the time is what I meant, right? I'm sorry. Yeah, he, no, he he just, you know, Keith had this mindset of, like, you know, you got to train the right right way, learn the right stuff. And he was very successful in hook hook and Mm -hmm. shoot, but he wanted to go to that next level. He wanted to fight in the UFC. That was his goal. Um, so I introduced him to Doug, and Doug and I and him, Kalenda, right. Kalenda, yeah, and we started training, and it was great training, you know, and we trained on, on Friday nights, and cool. so as the fight started happening, we had some of our fighters um, fighting against some of Keith's fighters. Was this called Team Elite at this point? Nope, no, no, no okay. it was even before, before that. Right, okay. And, uh, and we'd be in opposite corners, you know, Keith would be in this corner, and I'd mm-hmm. be in this corner, I remember one fight. George Rivera was fighting against one of our fighters, and you know, then George afterwards we got. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, he was one of his fighters. Yeah, yeah. Yep. Keith yeah. and George are friends. Yeah, George is a good guy. So we cool. started talking, and um, we said, you know, why don't we start a fight team of all these guys because they they're all fighting at different academies, and why don't we get them together, right? Mm-hmm. So Doug would be the the strength and conditioning. Yeah. Uh, I would be the jujitsu guy. Right. Keith did the stand up. Right. Um, so we. We started to talk to these guys. Mike Brown was part of Team Elite, right. George Rivera, Matt Lee, Nuri Shakir, um, and many other guys. So we started training Clinton one day a week. And we Clinton said, Mass. Clinton Mass. Right, yep. got you. And they had the Mass Submission Academy. So we said, let's make this professional because we were sick of going to fights where people were just like taking on a week of notice and just fighting. Let's make this as professional as we can. So... Um, we started this fight team and it was very disciplined, yeah. very disciplined. We had the, the Doughboys came in <coughs> for, our, for our wrestling, Mike Marshall and TJ. These guys were top-notch. We had professional boxers come in. Uh, we had David Jack come in for strength and conditioning. He was like the top person, and he ran uh, Athlete's Edge. And we just said to these guys, if you're going to take a fight, you've got to take it eight weeks out, and you have, to, um, you have to be cornered by us. You can go teach wherever you want. And this thing just grew, and it was like this team. We got together on Saturdays. It was unbelievable. And it wasn't about taking – so George Rivera, right, 
he was going to tame. It wasn't about teaching George to be a jiu-jitsu guy. It was teach George his strength was stand-up, was how to defend himself if he got on the ground. Right. Right? Keith was the same way. Keith really was well-rounded, so he just wanted to learn an extra jiu-jitsu. So pretty soon, you know, we had this, it was a, it was a great, great event. It was held at uh, the Songus uh, Arena. Right in Lowell. Da- Lowell yeah. yeah. Dana nice White, place. Dana White was there. Chuck Liddell was there. It was the first time we got together with Team Elite. George Rivera fought uh, Travis Luda, mm-hmm. right? If you check that fight up, look it up on YouTube. What a great fight. Yeah. Um, and, uh, and George beat him. He knocked him out. Yeah. But had he not known some of the jiu-jitsu stuff, he would have never, mm-hmm. you know, transitioned. Mike Brown, you know Mike. I mean, yeah. this guy beat Uriah Faber twice. Mm, right. What a student of the game Plus, he was. Plus, what a great guy to watch fight, too. Oh, unbelievable. You know, just like, on top of just as a fan, like, that was like, Yeah, that yeah. was great. Yeah. So you had this all this team that came <clears> from, they were the top in the academies that came to now Team Elite, and now they had to, like, just be humble, learn, and that's what every fighter, I mean, George went on, and he, he was very successful. Uh, Keith, obviously... He lost his first fight in the UFC, but he won his mm. second fight. Right. Um, and the training for that was was, was amazing and how it was structured. Mm. You know, so if you're going to fight, so you, on your days that you weren't in Clinton, you had to go with Doug Clender and run the steps of Harvard Stadium. <laughs> then you had to go to Athlete's Edge and, yeah. you know, pick up the big tire things and do all It, it was just amazing. And that's when they really started to... to you know, improve and mm-hmm. get in shape, and um, that that to me I have awesome memories of because for MMA, and that's why I got into it. That was the best way to train. Now you see some fighters, and we have them. They don't have that type of place to go to. Who would have a place like Team Elite where you have some of the best wrestlers? I mean, Mike Marshall, you know, competed against um, uh, Kale Sanderson. Right. Right. You know, I mean, it was amazing. We had professional boxers come in, professional training. They had the best of the best training. And that really, um, I felt, was the most professional way to train a fighter. Uh, and it lasted for a few years, and it just became so intensive to be available to the fighters. It kind of, you know, we decided... Well, it sounds like, you know, sort of on a, on a high level, I'm not familiar with this whole thing, so tell me if I'm completely crazy, but it seems like you didn't actually have that many... Well, I'm, yeah that many actual clients, right? I mean, they're like, like you had a number of fighters, so if those guys aren't pulling and cash in, it becomes hard to keep it the whole grew. thing together, right? It got right? pretty big. So, no, we had a lot of fighters, some people that just fought local fights. Right. So there may be, like, just say, 20 fighters. Right. Um, that were okay. act, act, so they could, actively you could fighting. Support. Yeah, right. Yeah. So, the organism. And the other thing, part of the team was, is that you couldn't come... And just train for your fight. You mm. had to be there for the other fighters. Oh, I see. It was the first see. time that the like Keith, you know, this was back in you know '99. He built right. a cage in a school, right. you know, so they were able to train off of a cage, do, do all yeah, the weight, right. all the wall training. Um, and, I, and I really felt that that was a big push in, in really uh, MMA and utilizing jujitsu and you know learning how to train fighters. Uh, it was awesome. Then after that, you know, Mike. Brown went to uh, Top Team in uh, right. Coconut Creek. Right. Uh, just took off from there. Seems uh, like that's what yeah. they're trying to. That's what they do down there. They bring yep. in all these high level guys. Yep. High yep. level wrestlers and strikers. Yep. One yep. of the friends of the uh, one of the friends of the show, Devin, 
just was down there for a little while. He's, he he got picked up by the UFC and he went down there to to train. Just uh, he just came back like a week ago, right? He was there. He went down and lived with Charles Rosa. Yeah, yeah. and he trained. Man, and I believe Mike Brown was down there right then, right? Just yeah, to pull it all Mike together, Brown's right? Their coach, you know? yeah, just to put it all, bring the whole all the threads together. And I was like, yeah. you you have to go do this. Yeah. You have to go to get ex- exposed. Yeah, to, you can't just hang out at your place. Sport, like, right? You no, know, I be- I believe in. <clears throat> What I teach, but he needs more. Yeah. He needs right. more than right. that. He needs that the the type of situation that Pat described. Yeah, and I like the way you're, you're because theoretically, the the coaches from all these things are all com, uh, communicating with each other, right? So you have yeah. like, oh a, yeah, oh yeah, they, they, the, the athlete is being yeah. served on a number of levels. We right? want them to think like you, you're going to be a professional. You know, we even hired a, a professional cut guy. Yeah, everything that we hired was was meant to. Because you wanted the fighters to think of themselves as being professional, right. not just saying, "Hey, you want to fight now next week down in Providence?" At this, you know what I mean? Mm. No, that's not how we wanted to do it. And I thought it brought it to another level. And that particular, the first, it was, um, the, it was called something. The Fury was the they did it for two years. Tom Hafer's ran it. Um, you talking about a the song is right? Yeah. Oh, right. So, 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 Dana, the, uh, so the the competition. Yeah. Right, so, so Dana had saw some some really good. Fighters there, they, they ended up fighting. They ended up fighting in, in the UFC. Mm. So, we, you felt like you were contributing to the evolution of MMA mm. and what was being done. And these guys were the most humblest guys. I mean, mm. George. You know, <clears throat> it's funny when George, right prior to us starting Team Elite, uh, Keith fought in the UFC, and and uh, they all had fought at MMA uh, um, Mass Submission Academy. Right. So I remember. I went out into the crowd, and Keith and I, after he fought, and George was like jumping out of his seat. He said, I want to I be out there. That's where I want to be. And, you know, and he, he had that kind of vision of where he wanted to be. Mm-hmm. Two weeks later, we started Team Elite, and he ended up getting there. You know, he mm-hmm. won his first fight. So it, it, was, it was awesome. And he was like so coachable. I mean, to, to really get in and be able to coach somebody about what you need to do, and, you yeah. know, that was amazing. When he fought Travis Luter, unbelievable fight. You ended up knocking him out in the end. But we got, it was the end of the second round, and I got it in, I said, George, all right, you know, listen, man, you know, you, you got to pull this together. And he was somebody you need to really get in his face. And he looked at me like, there's another round, <laughs> right? <laughs> and you just like you scream at him, you know, and that's what he needed. He knew it, you know. They went out in the next round and, and knocked him out, you know. Yeah. And had he not had the coaching, I mean, would somebody get to that next level? Probably not, right? right. I mean, right. You, 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 you never really, know. What, yeah. Coaching. Well, but but he did, and yep. he did. So yep. yeah, and, and, and that same, you know, Keith Raquel fought uh, Leo Dalla. I don't know if you remember him. Yeah, oh yeah, he was man, a top man. black belt guy. So we were like, oh man, you know, he's fighting the, the Keith. You, you can't get him. Can't get on the bottom of this guy, mm. and uh, Keith ended up knocking him out. Yep. And, and Leo Dalla got side mounted on him twice, but Keith ended up one move that we had taught him how to get to his knees. He got up twice, and uh, so you felt like you know we're teaching somebody jujitsu to be effective in MMA. I mean, that that was great stuff. So Team Elite has a special. Uh, a lot of Team Elite fighters, I think, have great memories of going through that to say you know. That was an amazing thing that we had created at that time, and it was so new, and nobody else was doing it. And, uh, it's funny; it's like you, it's just like you're it's like you were making a band or something. Everybody wants to have a band, but most of the time they just suck and nothing happens. But you guys put together the same thing: hey, we're going to get a fight team. But all of a sudden, you have all these success, doing you know, it right, right out of it, doing it the right way. 
right? Like being disciplined on on every level, not just the. Uh, well, here's fighters. here's the cool part about that is if you're a student of the game, you realize that in 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 the Northeast, it's you know Pat has a hand in, in putting not just jujitsu but MMA on on the on the Hold map. In the, right. Did a service to jujitsu, did a service to MMA by by doing that. Yeah. It's now it wasn't you know you weren't saying I'm going to serve the community. You're like I got we got to bring these fighters that are really serious about this together. Mm-hmm. And have them share information, and also bring in the best coaches. But in doing that, like the face of, you know, mixed martial arts and jujitsu in the Northeast was changed forever. Yeah, like, this has changed forever. There would be no Joe Lazan. There would be no Kenny Florian. There were no, these guys that came just after that. Right. Just after that, they're now taking blue- advantage of what was already laid. Yeah, in I don't front think of them. that right. they like. I, I assume right. these are guys that showed up at Team Elite in the beginning. Like, oh, it, yeah. you yeah. know, like when you when you got going, you saw Joe there. You'd bring probably bring Kenny down from. Kenny came down once in a while. Yeah, yeah, yep. absolutely. And, well, the line goes all the way through. I trained at uh, Barrills, and I met George there, and uh, yep. down in, in Rhode Island, and uh, and then uh, Tom Lawler's down there. I'm sorry, there were a couple other guys who I don't remember, but I mean that's all building off that same. You know, that same momentum. Yep. Burrell was a, he was a Roberto guy, right? At one yeah, Machado, I mean, Machado, Machado, yeah, he got, his, he got his black belt from John or Carlos. Carlos, yeah. Um, but for a number of years, I don't know, it was work that brought him out here. Um, he's traditionally a Texas guy. Yeah. He was, I remember uh, every Saturday. We're talking about Tim Burrell who's down at Rhode Island. He just started his own podcast, too, so you should pick up yep. that and, and check that out as well. Um, I remember every Saturday <clears throat> after class, Tim would hang out and we would, we were trained. He had, you know, killer butterfly guard. Yeah. And, uh, you know, at the time, I think I was a, you know, in the beginning I was a blue belt or not even, I, yeah, because, yeah. and I would, you know, I'd get to train with Tim after class. I'd get my slats kicked in, you know what I mean? But yeah. it was awesome because Tim was such a good guy. Yeah. You know what I mean? He was never yeah. malicious in his training. Like, if he did yeah. something good, yeah. he was cool with it. It was like, oh, that was awesome. Like, not now I'm going to really kick your ass. Dead was, on, man. You can hit that out of the park. I, I met Tim at the, when I talk about it, the absolute lowest point of my entire life. I walked into a jujitsu school for the well, first time. Isn't it? That was him. <laughs> no, it's way better now. And, uh, and yeah, and he was just, he could tell. So he would just, we'd get the classes together. He'd pair me up with a couple other older guys. And we just, and we I don't know, but he just guys. did it. Keep on saying older guys. Because I'm the same age. So yeah. That means you call me no, older. No, I'm, I'm, I'm older you than you, I guess. You're not that old. Oh, is that what you're doing? Me? Me? The level of huh? disrespect is just amazing. It is hard to Every understand. Every time he says old guy. <laughs> you know what the funny thing is? Can I be honest? Can I be honest? Obviously, I would be physically terrified of you, but once you get to be 50, none of this shit matters anymore. <laughs> I don't care. <laughs> you can call. I don't care. Okay, wait, wait. My mental <laughs> age is like 18. Safe to say. Right. Okay, so there you go. Yeah. No, but I mean, yeah, I'm I met this guy. Every time you say you call yourself old. I you're hurting. You're offended by that? It doesn't bother me at all. I'm going to be the same way when I'm fucking 63. You call me old. If you think, if you think, like. When I broke the bat, we slap hands. I'm not thinking Pat's 53. I better not hurt this guy. No, I'm thinking the same thing. Like, okay, what the hell am I going to do? I got to figure out how to walk off the mat with all, you know, both arms and both legs. Why are you being like this? Yeah, why are you doing this? But Tim was the sweetest guy. You should give him some therapy now. You want to come over and lay on the couch? We can talk about mom for a bit. We already went through it. But yeah, but but Burrell was just the, the, a great guy all the way. Everything you said is like rings totally true. And he's the one who go. I go, hey man, I'm leaving. I'm going up to New Hampshire. Where do I train? He goes, go to Port City. I'm like, 
Have I uh, have I told the uh, the Pan Am story about Tim on the podcast? I don't before? think you have, and you've talked about possibly talking about it. So let's just lay it out quick, so so that we can create a rivalry between Tim's podcast right. and this podcast. So the story, the, the point of the story, I'm going to say, up front yo yo is, yo, Rhode Island, is not to talk about how I saw Tim Burrell lose two matches. The, the point <laughs> of this to tell us. The point of this <laughs> is. To talk about how much of a badass Tim was. He's the best. So we we go out to the Pan Ams together in Santa Barbara, and this was my maybe my first or my second Pan Ams experience. Right. And Tim's like, I'm going to train. I'm going to go out there. It's black belt adult. Like, you know what these divisions look like. Yeah, they're terrifying. Yeah. So Tim gets called to the mat. First matches against Eduardo Tellis. Who at at that time yeah. was the best heavyweight black belt in the world? He right. was beating everybody. Regretfully, also Tataruga. filmed. What's that? Tataruga. Right? Yeah, right. right. I just regretfully also filmed and put on the internet, which is like right. no man should have to deal with this. Right. And so uh, he had a, actually it was a great fight. Yeah, you know it was, what I mean? Yes, it was. Uh, and Tim defended his you know his guard, and there was was not. A tremendous amount of time like left, uh, but Telus ended up passing, right. and uh, might have been. Oh no, it was it was from Telus's butterfly guard. He ended up getting him in a cross choke, yeah, cross choked completely out, unconscious. Yeah. And uh, it was th- the same thing that I've talked about before, like when I get choked out, and like you could see it on Tim. You know, they they shook his legs, and he woke up. And he looked around. He's like, "Where am I? I know where I'm at." Shit, <laughs> shit. But yeah. he popped right up to his, it, it, right up to his feet. Shook hands, left the mat like like a warrior, and uh, I th- he had entered the absolute too, and the absolute went off like ten minutes after that. Jesus, and Tim was in the bathroom. And he's ready to go. He was in the yeah. bathroom putting like cold water on his face, yeah. trying to get back in the game. Right. And he was called the match to fight Cafe Dante's. It was another. <laughs> Luckily, super heavyweight film. black belt world champion. Right. You know what I mean? And it was I went to the bathroom and I was like, Tim, they're calling you. He's like, All right. And marched back on the mat and fought man, again. Man. Like the the when we talk about like jujitsu fighters <laughs> and we really as as coaches and as instructors and as competitors ourselves, it's not about me telling you that you have to go win. I don't care if you win or not. I would prefer it. But I don't care as long as you leave it all on the mat and you don't give up anything and you fight as hard as you can. Yeah. And that's what Tim did. And I like this story will never, the memory I have of watching that will never cease to be inspiring to me because he didn't give a shit. He was like, that's my name. I have to go. Like he could have lost a leg in that match. Right. He and going. he was still going to go back out on the mat and fight again. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And it was one of the most inspiring things ever. And coincidentally, the best part was afterwards. He was, I like, we looked, he had competed, he was off the mat, and, you know, a bunch of, like, everybody had competed. I'm like, where's Tim? And Pell goes, he's up there. And Tim was up there with a 12-pack of beer, <laughs> brown paper bag, oh, drinking his beer, hanging out, happiest guy you're ever going to see. Like, I've never seen anybody have that approach and be able to shake it off and be like, at the end of that, I'm not lesser of a man. Yep. I'm not. I'm not a pussy. Like no, I, yep. I fought as hard as that I could. Confidence of knowing. And you I'm still. I'm still Tim Burrell. Like I'm still yeah. who I know that I am inside. And he was goofing off and drinking beer and having fun. He was like, "This, this has been a blast." One of the crazy right. things about. By the way, make no mistake yeah. from my story. Yeah. 
Tim is a super, super, super tough black belt. No question. Super tough yeah. black belt. Like I've, yeah. I might have been complete tapped, badass. The like he's up there with like probably the top three guys that have tapped me more than anybody. Right. Yeah. You know what I mean. But, but that's that's what's so cool about just fucking martial arts in general, right? Which is that whole story plays out at every academy, every class. There's somebody in this class that we just watched who walked out of there going. I did it. I did it. I made it through the class. I knocked that shit out. I stood up. I had to do grips with that goddamn black belt guy who came from Portsmouth who knows, you know, my teacher. You know, it, it, that same thing plays out over and over again. Although the depth of the water is kind of un, un, inconceivable on that level, you know. It's not just making it through at that point. The depth is so... It's pretty deep water there, going up and looking at Telus in the eyes and saying... Here we go. Let's make it happen. Don't even guys. talk about it. Yeah. You bring it up, I'm going to get pissed. So, one say the word. Like, you know, C and crumble or whatever. You This is all this is this is just some some old beef that goes on on the yeah. podcast. It's like all that. good. Like you know, some of us believe in the greats of martial arts philosophy. Some of us like to make it up as they go. It's all yeah, good. That's good. I like it's the good. controversy. Hey, when you uh <laughs> When you had to give out your first black belt, was it like, was there a lot of, like, did you feel like Roberto did when he gave, you know what I mean? Was it like, responsible, you know, you feel responsible back um, to the... Yeah, absolutely. No, you think about your lineage, you think about, are you doing the right thing? Yeah, yeah absolutely. Mm-hmm. I, I suppose it was different, but um, <clears throat> a lot of similarities in it. You know, when we first gave it out, we talked about it a long time. I'm sure Roberto did it too with Carlos, and you know, we were kind of like it's the first black belt. I never thought that we'd be giving a black belt out. Um, so it's Chris, it's, yeah, it's Chris, Chris Chapel, yeah. yeah, and uh, he was actually here before class, <clears throat> before he came in. So yeah, it was, it was. You, you think about that because it's you want somebody to number one to represent you well, and you want somebody obviously to be able to teach and, and try to help jujitsu along. All that stuff comes in and when you actually give out that black belt, it's it's hard. Have you guys given a black belt report? Just Devin. Devin? Just one. Yeah. Just one. Yeah. yeah. So I'm sure hey, you man, that guy's run with that. Yeah. He's only had it for like a year, right? Yeah. Uh, he's had it for a year and I mean he <laughs> in that year all of know. his belts were falling apart. Like I remember yeah, yeah. his purple belt was like tattered and there's nothing yeah. left of it and you get him brown belt and the brown belt was there's nothing left of it anymore. Yeah. yeah. Complete badass. Very successful academy and fighting in the UFC. So that sounds like representing. So this is is a good question for you because I I struggle with this because I remember, you know, when I was learning in the environment that I was learning and the people that were on the mat, belts were not easy to come by. Right. Um, And we never thought about it. It wasn't like I really want to – I really want – like you never thought like, oh, I think think I'm ready for my purple belt. You didn't care about it. You just wanted – to be doing great jujitsu, you wanted to be better. It might be and, an old school thing. And I mean, I'm just, so, I, I don't, I couldn't care less. So I think about that, and I, and and I'm, yeah. and you know, you've got students, and they're on all different levels, and you're thinking about how you promote these people, and you want it. You know, our view is always like, hey, if you give a guy a purple belt, he should be able to walk in any academy in the world yeah. with his purple belt on, and 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 represent himself in a good way. And I think it's. A really difficult thing to kind of figure out and you know when does someone emotionally like sometimes it's an emotional thing this person needs motivation like what do you think about 
how the promotion thing works, and do you do you take into account the way that things were for you coming up, or do you think it's a whole different world now? Yeah. First of all, I'll say uh, I'm bad with that, and that's that's a self evaluation piece that like I don't I tend to forget about belts. I totally, and that's a, that's a bad thing because people need to be promoted. They need to have the stripes, <clears throat> and sometimes I just lose total focus of it. I'm so glad that I have Nate because he'll kind of remind me of that stuff. So I tend to, I'm so focused on teaching, I'm not thinking about, like, the progress. I am thinking about the progress in the sense that I'm trying to give them the very best I can, <clears throat> but not in the sense of the belt. Mm-hmm. So in that respect, like, I, like my own way that I have to get better, I have to pay more attention to that with the students. Um, but as far as the belts go, in, in the sense of, like, like a purple belt and what it used to be compared to what it is now, it's not the same. No way it's the same. Um, I don't know if you went at the school when uh, Will Cabinson was there. Yeah. He was awesome. And uh, he had stopped jiu-jitsu. He hurt his knee. and So he just emailed me a few weeks ago, and he says he wants to get back into jiu-jitsu. So the last belt rank that he was was purple belt. Mm. He was all nervous about going to a school and That's gotta be hard, yeah. wearing a purple belt. <clears throat> Taking some time off, yeah. So I said to him, I said, well, it's not the same as it was before. The purple belt was like, like really high. Yeah. I mean, it was... It was it's got black belt and anything it, else. It, exactly. It was really up here. But it, it, is it like that now? <clears throat> and I think of it that way, but I don't think it is generally in the jiu-jitsu world. You know, I, I, I still have that same... If I give somebody a purple belt, they've got to be really good. But then what about that guy that, that isn't at the same level as the purple belt? I, I struggle with that all the time. He's been training for six been or seven years. been training for six or seven years. I struggle with the same well, exact is, thing. And, and there's yeah. a, outside so of jiu-jitsu, brutal, yeah. Brutal. Outside of jiu-jitsu, yeah. what a belt means is different acor- across all these different martial arts, right? So, you know, it's like, it's obviously just math. You know, you have some taekwondo guy who's got, you know, kids... 14 he's got a black belt or whatever it's not it doesn't map they don't transfer but it's hard not to take that into account when you're looking at people coming into the academy right i mean jujitsu is just plain different in uh, japanese uh, judo i mean pretty much everybody who graduates from high school who takes judo throughout is going to have a black belt it's just not the same thing as like jimmy pedro handing you a black belt it's just so but that's there's that objective subjective. It's a subjective thing, yeah. and obviously it's easier to talk about objective. But stuff. you must have people come up to you, right? And they say, "I'm stuck. I mean, what what do I need to do to get to that next level? I just don't feel like I'm progressing." Yeah. Like, I, I get that all the time. All the time. All yeah. the time. Like, I'm like, <laughs> are you going to say train, train more? more. Right. <laughs> that's it. <laughs> well, it, but that's because it. the problem isn't that you don't know this technique or not; it's that you're just not very good at it. Right? No, they just yeah. need to train more. They just need to train. It is. <laughs> no, I'm learn too. I'm just uh, learning. Myself. We make no, no, it more no, difficult than it really is. Yeah, and it is the answer. If you spend more time on the mat, you'll get better at jujitsu. It's just you're like, oh, yeah, I gotta, yeah. I gotta work my half guard, and I gotta start underhooking. Like, just get on the mat. Everything will take care of itself, and just get on the mat and train, and everything will take care of itself. Yeah, from the perspective of a school that has great instructors that are super focused on making everybody, all the student students, better one by one, and. Keeping track of all the students, you're, I couldn't agree more. Have, that was what the rant was. But about. you have breakthroughs, and anything that you do, all of a sudden, like you realize, you practice, 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 and all of a sudden, you get to that next level. Right. You practice, 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 then you get to that that next level. There's no question. So how do right. you tell that to somebody? 
that that's going to happen because they're getting beat. They feel like they should be winning. You know, the roller coaster ride for them. Stop doesn't thinking feel good. about belts. Come in today. The, the theme that you yeah. keep putting forwards over yeah. and over again that I'm hearing here is I'm not thinking about what's going to happen 10 from years from now. I wasn't thinking about what's going to happen 10 years from now. I'm thinking about right now. I mean, yeah. that's what you keep saying over and over again. That's what yeah. I'm taking out of this conversation. And you can tell somebody. Yeah. Who don't, cares? Don't, don't worry, worry about next year. Yeah, but yeah. here's the thing. Like, if, if you've got a blue belt with, you know, let's say two stripes in their belt. And that's still pretty new in jujitsu to me. Like, right. you know, you tell them, like, they're like, oh, I'm really stuck. And you say, don't right. worry about the belts. Don't worry about the stripes. You can say that. They're not ready to hear that. that so let's uh, say you're right. You're right. At, I'm at just some point, train, it has to be on But the it student. doesn't go away in their yeah. brain. But at some point, that has to be on the it, student. Yeah, it, does, it doesn't go away in their brain. But I'll tell you that my... It'll come. The best days I have on the mat, the, the days that make me feel the best are not the days where my jujitsu is the best. It's mm. the days where I get the shit kicked out of me. And I walk yeah, out of the academy teach, like, right? yeah. oh, that was awesome. Right. That was so good. Like, I'm relaxed. I'm driving home calm. Mm-hmm. Um, I feel right. good. Yeah, I want to win and I want to do good no, things. No, and I, yeah. want, I want the perfect sweeps and I want to get takedowns and I want to. But the, the, the days that I learn the most are days like that. All right, and so how do you inspire that in somebody who doesn't feel that way? Do you even care about it? Is that, that up to them? No, I, I care about it a lot. You know, because I don't, I don't want that person to quit. You know, so when they come to you and they're talking about this stuff, like I feel, when I start thinking, is this person at that point where they might just kind of give it up and throw it all out the window? You know, and how do I actually reach to them to inspire them to say, you know, you got to keep on going? Uh, and I don't think there's a formula. I don't think there's anything magical you can say to them. You just got to kind of talk to them and listen to them and and try to. Talk them off the ledge. Yeah, yeah. You know, and just say, it's okay. Just just keep on going. And, you know, and you're going you're gonna to have those breakthroughs and you're going to feel better some days. But when you're at that lowest point, that's when, that's when they're going to quit. So I tried to, before, when I used to, used to be the train more... You know, kind of just blunt as possible, and, and I'm saying that in the most sincere way. I, I, I don't approach somebody like that and say, you know, once if you're talking to me about like you're struggling, and I'll sit down like this and say, you know, you know, so tell me about it. Tell me what what, what are you feeling? Right. Are you getting beat? Right. Um, you feel like you're not progressing? Yeah. Um, are you training as as much as you have been? Yeah. Um, where something you, else going yeah, on? Right. Yeah. Now. Exactly. You know, you know, where do you feel most frustrated? They'll they'll throw out stuff. It could be personal. It could be it, it could be anything. Um, so once that starts, I think once somebody's able to kind of put that on the table and throw it out, then it's kind of like a catharsis. Like, oh, all right, all right, I got to kind of reengage and kind of rejuvenate and kind of get back on the mat. I think that's a successful conversation. That's a successful, you know conversation that you have with a student to help uh, motivate them. I can't, it's hard to tell the stories of like what I've been through and say, hey, you should feel the same way. You know? But everybody's yeah, yeah, motivated yeah, to do this yeah, for yeah. a different reason. Stop being a pussy. <laughs> yeah. You know what you should do? You should just shut up and train more. That's what you should do. That's what I'm thinking. <laughs> <laughs> no, but, 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 but I mean, it's, but that's the thing. It's like from watching this over all these years of watching different martial arts happen in front of me and, and to myself, it's like 
everybody, not everybody, many people start for different reasons. They don't all start because they hate their dad or because they just want to prove to their older brother they can right, beat the right. shit out of somebody or whatever. Or they're still fighting off this bully that they had in third grade or whatever it is that knocks them into this in the first place. Right. At some point, if they're going to stick with it, everybody does kind of get into line. Like they do realize that this is self-improvement. This is a way of being part of a team. This is with being with other weird people who do weird shit, like roll around in their fucking pajamas and shit and, or whatever it is that knocks you out. And yeah, I mean, I was watching the class that you did today and the inspiring part of the class you only, part happens of it, with, only part of it was inspired. Yeah, exactly. like, are you you're just going to continue really gonna to disrespect that? Right? <laughs> like the third, fourth time? It is. Yeah. I'm just building them up. Yeah, I'm going to keep it coming. I apologize. It's going to be old three times. It's <laughs> <I'm laughs> that. I, I apologize, <laughs> yeah, Sensei Pat. It's, uh, I don't know what... I don't know what this is. I'm just absolving myself of responsibility or attack. That's what's going on. You're just projecting <laughs> but I, right but now. But, Jay, I want the honesty, though. Yeah. I want the, the real, real honest truth. Even if it's hurtful and hateful. Even if it's hurtful, yeah. I guess the answer is he just doesn't really respect you. That's, like, exactly that's true. Right, right. Yeah, I mean, that's what I'm getting. You know what? I'll tell you what. He didn't train in my class. Did to no. Yeah. Yeah. Him watch. Back injury? I, oh, I will. I could have still put the gear on. I guarantee you. I guarantee you I will be in this class for you to... Teach me as many times as I can. Let me finish my well, sentence. Well, now. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. He's backtracking a lot. I'm not yeah. backtracking. He's going to go back to the challenge days when you show up. Rivers going in the red room. Rivers going in the red room. Rivers getting the cage. Don't nobody want to see what happens in here, I guess. <laughs> the inspiring part of today was watching you demonstrate the shit, and what you're demonstrating had a number of aspects that pretty much... Very few people in the class were getting. I saw the way you were throwing the ooch and you're sitting down. Oh, so you're saying he's down, not an effective teacher now. No. I'm saying <laughs> that when you sat down on the guy's leg, yeah. you were adding an aspect to it that I've never seen. And I, it goes around the corner and I'm watching everybody else. And you're seeing the people turn the corner. You're seeing the people throw the ooch. You're seeing them throw the right. And then yeah. some of them put the chest forward. Some of them don't. Some of them keep the, are holding their arm like this, which is cool, but it's probably not going to work out so well if you do, right? But when you watch you do it, you're in balance, stuck to the fucking ground. That I just couldn't stop watching. Like, His Oichigari is it's ridiculous. It's crazy, right? And then, but when you get done, you're sitting on the guy's leg, yeah. and you said out loud, "The whole point of this is you focus on trapping the guy's leg." Right, right. And so you got all this other stuff. So the inspiration for me is I want to take the class. I want to do this. I want to learn how to do this. I want to show you how I'm doing it. I want you to go know you're doing it wrong. I want to make it right. And so the inspiration for me is like I want to make it so that you think this is good. Right? right? So everybody's got all these different inspirations. But the idea that you just said, you're going to stop, talk about it for a sec, find out what it is. Mm-hmm. Push that to the side, and of course, in the end, you're just going to say, "Come back to fucking class." Right? <laughs> train more. <laughs> yeah. yeah, and so yeah, that's that thing. It feels like you really do. Actually, I'm sorry, I'm blowing smoke up your ass, but it sounds no, like you good. do no. really care about I every I single person. Finally, said something nice to him. Uh, thank you, thank you. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. You, you ever hear like, like this teaching called backwards design? Yes. Right. So you you teach like ultimately what you're going to end up doing then you kind of scaffold backwards, right? So some, someone like that, like trapping that ankle, yeah. it's like, you got to end up here. <clears throat> then all the stuff I'm going to teach up to is ultimately ending up there. Yeah. You know, and try to get there, it's tough because everybody wants to rush through it. They forget even turning the, the chest to kind of take it down. You've said um, a million times, like, guys, slow down. Right? Yeah, I, yeah, go I'm just slow. Going yeah. 
Yeah. And that's, again, when people come and train, they want to they want to train hard. They want to get going. They want to, you know, and, and go through it fast is somewhat like it's magically going to happen if I go through it fast. Show you how awesome it's going to be yeah, when I do it. But, it, but it's not. It's not. <laughs> so when I do it, I try, I try to show it fast like when I was doing like yeah. the gripping sequences. Yeah. You got to show it fast so people can appreciate it. Like, okay, wow, that's a vision. Then you slow it down. One, two, okay, now I get it. You know, and and ultimately with Oichi, there's different ways to do Oichi Gary. I'm yeah. showing one particular type of Oichi, which I think is effective, but what about all the elements that, that are, you know, even, again, even the higher level belt, they forget the, sim- they're just turning their, their torso and taking them down. Yeah. But you can't beat a teacher, I think, who is demonstrating something on even a higher level than what the people in the class are, are learning for. And there's that inspiration right there, which then becomes, you know, a lot of the answers to the things we keep talking about on the podcast. If you don't have that skill and you're still teaching, well, here we go now. Yeah, yeah. Uh, can I go b- back one step to... Something I was uh, disrespectful to Pat about? Is yeah, yeah. I, want, I just want to highlight that. <laughs> you know, uh, when you were talking, it's the, the role that you're in as an instructor, it's bigger than just teaching jujitsu. Like, people come to you with, quite like the person that's frustrated about their training. It might be the most difficult thing that you have to deal with as an instructor, and I'm like, I, like I said, I'm like, you know, beginning to try to understand this is that when someone, the, the mat is my favorite place on the earth to be. It is where I go to have fun, it's where I feel like myself the most, and it's, it's my favorite place to be in the world is on the jujitsu mat. And then when someone comes to you and they say, I'm not having fun. That is like a code red to me. It's like, this is really bad. Like, this is something we need to fix. Because the, the thought that someone is coming to my academy or any academy and they're feeling that way about jujitsu is just about the saddest thing that I can hear. Oh, man. Because it's just brutal to hear someone say, like, especially if they've gotten to the point where it is their favorite place and now it's not. Yeah. No Why? Is like, it, yeah. how do I fix this? What can right. I do to fix this? Because it's the saddest thing you can hear. Yeah. It's like my heaven has turned to hell. Yeah. And uh, that's why, and I don't think all arts are like that. I think jujitsu is unique in certain ways. I'm sure people feel like they have a home and sure. they love their martial art. And, yeah. But in jujitsu, it's a very tight knit group and it is. Uh, you know, it, you've earned your spot or your, your place in the family through blood, sweat, and tears from day one to day 10,000. And to so you take on a role that's a little bit different from instructor. It's like, how do I, how do I set this person's mind right for them to go back to this being their salvation as opposed to their own personal hell? You know what I mean? And that's, be, that's a bigger question than how, how do I fix my jiu-jitsu? Yeah, but I mean that's a that's a question that's going directly to what you consider. I'm not talking about you, Jay, but I mean just in general the royal you, like what you consider as as a teacher, right? So it's like some teachers. We've had this talk before, like on this podcast. It's like some teachers are like, "This is my class, and if you don't fucking get it, then get the hell out." Some teachers, uh, you guys all know. I, I mean, I fucking teach for a living. It's like uh, for for me, if somebody fails my class, I failed the class. That's who I am. There's no bad dogs. There's no bad, it's only bad dog teachers, right? And it, you can't, neither of these things are really true. There are bad dogs. 
<laughs> that's the reality. And it's really hard. But and as a teacher, no- you don't... I can't look at it that way. That's just me. I'm not saying all teachers need to think that way. But but if you're one of those teachers, obviously you're not, Jay, but if you're one of those teachers like, yeah, hey, look, this is what I do, and you know, you don't like it, fuck you, you know, and you can't hang in my class, fuck you, you know, then it's easy. Isn't it so much easier? It's like, this is my special place, and if you don't like my special place, get the hell out. Right. It would and be easier. Like, yeah, it's easier, it's, you know what I mean? But to, but, but it, it just knocks me out, man. I mean, I, I'm lucky to teach at a pretty decent college, and these guys, every summer will put a lot of money into these teachers and give you, you know, a good, a theoretically up to 12 weeks if you want, of really expensive instruction if you'll show up. And these, you know, the, just putting that up, they'll still give you free dinner, you know, uh, they'll <laughs> cater the dinner just to get the teachers to go, you know. Some teachers just don't give a fucking shit about getting better at teaching. They just, they care about their own thing. I'm, I'm not calling anybody out. I'm just saying, I, I don't know if you heard what we're talking about, but Chase saying that can be, it can be really frustrating, right? To like hear somebody say, we're I don't get it. talking about how, yeah. I think that's, that's, you know, my favorite place to be on the planet. And when, at one time someone felt that way and now they're like, I don't feel good when I come in and I'm not having fun. It's like, mm-hmm. that's a big deal. Absolutely. Well, to, be Absolutely. A, to be controversial, yeah. I feel like oh, it's really easy for people who don't understand something to shit on it. And one of my things that pisses me off so much as a professional teacher and as a professional in the job that I'm teaching at the same time, I have a company that does what I teach, is when someone goes, those who can't do, teach. I'm like... You need to go fucking fuck yourself. Those who can do are great teachers. Those who can't do and teach anyway are shitty teachers. But you can't just group everybody together. If you can do it and you choose to teach it, that's a fucking special thing. And it's hard. And I know that I'm, I don't teach martial arts. Mm-hmm. But every year, every two, every semester when those young people show up, they're going to kick my ass if I don't get better because they will come and kick my ass. And I have to, you know, anyway, I'm, I'm kind of ranting again. But what do you think? I mean, does this, does this reflect yeah. in martial arts? Was there ever a time yeah. you wanted to quit where you were like, I hate this, man. I'm done. I hate, I don't want to mm-hmm. do it anymore. No. No. Yeah, you know, it was just, it was, it was more like <clears throat> either I could train as hard as I used to or I couldn't train as hard as I used to. That That's all it came to. I wasn't, a, wasn't ever like I was going to stop. It was just like, okay, I'm in, I'm in this valley right now. I'm going to come out of it. I just got to kind of take my time. Um, <clears throat> and that, in the last couple of years, that's where I was, you know. You go through some personal stuff, you know, both my parents passed away, you know, I kind of go through that stuff. I'm like, jujitsu isn't a priority right now. So I'm going to train as much as I can. I'm going to kind of go through this, and eventually I'm going to start coming back up. And, you know, I want to, again, that's where the competitive part of it comes, always exists. But it would just make dormant for a little while. It's like um, a fire that kind of goes total, up. Total, absolutely. So you, you go through those personal things. And I, I always think about that when somebody, there's somebody who um, recently was going through some stuff, and I said, hey, I haven't been on the mat, right? And he was kind of like beating around the bush. So I'm not going to pressure the, but but I knew something was going on, and I just kind of stepped back and I said, okay, you know, I'll, I'll, I'll kind of recircle back and kind of, you know, because I know just right there. Like, that's that's an that's a yeah. that's a very special quality in a teacher. But, but but you know that you can't pressure the person right there. I, I'm going to recircle. I know this. I know this person loves jujitsu, but right now this transcends what 
that's happening right now is the jiu-jitsu world. You know, it could be healthy if they kept on training. But I'm like, I'm going to say, you got to keep on training, man. Come on. What are you doing? You know, you, you can't train. You can't train more. You can't come, you know, what, what's up? Right. So it's just too emotional right now. So this may be the best time. So I'll revisit it at a certain point. I know this person will be back and killing the mats eventually. Um, but that kind of takes a little bit of patience and, you know, um, but I always feel as a teacher, like, that's kind of my responsibility to, to make sure that I get back in touch with that person and say, because it, it's good for them, and they will be healthier and, and a more uh, productive person if they get back on the mat, no question about it. It's um, interesting that, that, that jiu-jitsu is that thing that um, people that train a lot, even if it's not a problem, it's just a prioritization thing. It's mm-hmm. like, I, I, my, my work is incredible. Like, I don't know what to do. I, I, need, to, I need to find more time to get on the mat, and it's... Jiu-jitsu is a thing that is part of your life. It doesn't have to compete with your life. Like, there are times in everybody's life where things are going to take <clears throat> priority over jiu-jitsu, and that's okay. You know what I mean? It's something that grows and evolves in different parts of your life and changes and takes mm-hmm. priority and doesn't sometimes. And it's not, yeah. But it's not a problem. Well, it, right, but right, it, right. it depends on when you start, too. I mean, if you start before you get married, a lot of people, if they're already married, they start, it's going to represent a, a change in their marriage as well. You know, the four, three, or four nights a week. You don't marry a woman. That's getting that. deep. No, <laughs> any woman that's well, like, hey, I need you to, you know. No, but it's a reality <laughs> yeah. for people who start when they're 40. It's like, this is maybe also a big deal, you yeah. know. Right? Remember that quote, and I don't know who said it, but it says something like, if uh, somebody says they don't have enough time, they don't know how to set prior- priorities, right? right? So I think about going back to David Lee, this is an attorney, well-known attorney, busy. He says he couldn't do what he does unless he got on the mat three times a week. Right. right? That's Yeah. I think a, a lot of older guys will say yeah. the same thing. It certainly is. It's a widow. Yeah, me. back to the old thing. If you don't do it. <laughs> well, how old was David? He, uh, 52. Oh, okay. Yeah. So not, not old at all. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> See, Finally, see, we've, been, uh, we've been on the for two hours. He's still taking you to school. We, we just talked to him about it because right back to it. I'm just right back to it. All I do is yep. learn. Yeah. It only took two and a half hours. To learn you, know, you either win or learn, right? So right. I'm just learning and learning and learning. And you know, learning. Uh, you know what's a uh, a great experience I have with David Lee. First of all. We hit it off right off the bat because I had crazy color geese back in the day. I had this red <laughs> corral gi, and the first time I came to that, we're talking about David. David Lee. I'm sorry, yeah. Yes, go ahead. Sorry. Uh, I we both had the red gi on, but the first time I came to the school that the on School Street, the second floor, I knew walking in that I was going to know eight or ten people that are in, in the room at any time. So, you know what I mean. But you're still going to a new school, and like it's I I haven't been here before, and there's going to be faces I don't know, and I don't know like where the changing rooms is. There's the level of discomfort in in coming into that. And David was there, and he out of I knew like I said I knew eight or ten people that were in the room. Nate was there. He was the guy. He got off the mat and he came up to me and he introduced himself and he like showed me around the academy. It was the most and immediately put me at ease. I was so comfortable then. And he waited for me. I came out of the training room, and he like he partnered up with me, and we did techniques together. And it was the, and that was the first time I met David. And over years and years and years and years, the attitude was his, his attitude was so perfect, consistent, and so yeah. untainted in the way that he, not just about jujitsu, but the way he felt about people. Yeah. Yes, you know what I mean? Yes. And other people knew him much better than I did, but I'm just saying my experience with David was completely 
completely untainted selflessness and and just giving and happiness. He was always happy. He was always just he wanted to make sure that you had a good time and that you felt Absolutely. good about where you were at. Absolutely. And you know, he um you know, when, when like people came into the door, he immediately come in and tell his story. And I always think about David and think that's a story about overcoming fear. We all have fear in life. Everybody deals with it. Um, doesn't matter if you're, <clears throat> you're red belt in jujitsu or whatever. You have fear, and, and like when I tell his story, it's about overcoming fear because everybody found out that he was this like high ranking taekwondo guy, and that was like the worst nightmare for him because mm. he was getting killed. Target, on that. yeah, yeah. Right, getting killed. But he was so humble, and he he was so he loved jujitsu so much. That he transcended it, but he was so worried about what people would think about him. And um, so that's a story, like I tell about him, because he was so enthusiastic and so passionate about, like, you need to learn this. Mm. I know. I've been doing the striking art for all these years. You don't know what you're missing until you learn this. So I think that 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 time in in Mass BJJ history was, was was a very emotional time. Because this is a guy who's been all life doing martial arts and, and and died in his red gi. Jesus. I mean, that's what happened. I mean, we're teaching a class on a Saturday morning and uh, just like we always do and he, he, he just dropped mm-hmm. and, and that was it. I mean, he was training with a doctor that day and did CPR and, um, <clears throat> you know, he, uh, you know, what was interesting about that time was because as he, um, the paramedics had taken him out, they said, well, I need something to tie him down to the, to the, the stretcher. I didn't even think about it. I just took my black, black belt and I threw it over. Oh, Jesus. And, and they wrapped it around David and uh, took him out and uh, never saw that black belt again. And that to me was, that was David's black belt. And when I gave him his blue belt, I can still remember wrapping around him. This guy had tears in his eyes. Yeah. This is a guy that's got multi stripes Taekwondo. I can still remember wrapping around him and yeah. he just was all watering up because. It wasn't about the rank that he was getting. It wasn't about getting a blue belt. It's just like this guy said, I got over a fear in my life of actually getting on the mat and training with these guys as hard as it was. That's what his emotions were all about. Mm. You know, so that bat belt got taken away, and um, two weeks later, Roberto came to our school and did a, a nice ceremony. I thought it was great for the students, and that's when I ended up getting my second strike. And, yeah. uh, you know, Unfortunate way to do it, but yeah. very you, you you'll you'll never forget that you'll never yeah. forget that day, um, as long as you, you're doing martial arts. And uh, when we come here next week, I'll tell the exact same story that I'm telling here. Something's so happening. Happen. We're having a ceremony for for David. It's the tenth year mm-hmm. since he passed away, yeah. and um, so <clears throat> you know his sons will come. Mm-hmm. Um, about three years ago, his uh, that the. the the story that Jay told about the red gi was I used to I used to kill people like you know if you wore a gi that was outside of the box I was going to rag on you, you know? it wasn't white or blue white or, it wasn't white or blue you know and I in fact because I started showing pictures of red gis and stuff and, and and I'm starting to teach class and who comes out of the locker room with a red gi it was David Lee David yeah right. <laughs> he was just doing it just to get to me you know <laughs> and I was like alright you know but it was it was such a cool kind of thing and and uh so he he was such a part of the school. So I'll tell. So when we come back here next week, and, and uh, I'll tell that story. But his sons will be here. They were twelve years old at the time. Yeah. 
and I can't remember how many years ago, I want to say three years ago, his son came um, in, in a red gi. Just to just honor his father, and it was the coolest thing. I had tears in my eyes yeah. when I get that. So we've remained close to the family, and and again, being able to tell students that story, I think, is is extremely powerful from a guy who was so successful, both in in, in, in his uh, professional life and his martial arts life, and being able to talk about that fear and overcoming it. What a better story to inspire people. So, um, you know, right. very important. So, um, yeah. we've been doing it ever since. I think we've almost done it, not every year, but almost right. every year. That, right, uh, it was a fantastic tribute. Yeah. Well, it, it was what Jay was saying. There's something special about the way jujitsu works. Maybe it's because it's super personal. I mean, mm-hmm. there's a lot of, I mean, fighting is pretty personal anyway, but it's not done at the end of your hand or at the end of your foot. It's done right in somebody's fucking face. And uh, you you can't fake this. I mean, you've been at all these martial arts. I, I had this little striking thing when I was like 17 or whatever, went to the class, and it was all, you know, this this yeah. level of striking. Nobody's yeah. really hitting each other. And you can just kind of fake it. You know, you can... Ah, I won. Oh, I got you. Uh, this isn't a game. I mean, it's a game. At, at its best, it's fun as hell, and it's a, the most awesome game ever. But, you know, there's something special about the way jujitsu works that when you're there, it's really real. It's just so real. And maybe that's some of the reasons why someone comes to you and goes, man, you know, I'm whatever. I'm, I'm having a problem. Yep. Because their ego is just going, how many more years do I have to get my ass handed to me? Before this changes, you know, and, and about a hundred, yeah, because it never. <laughs> but they, you start joke. training more, dude. It yeah. doesn't take as long. Hey, we're not talking to me. Oh, uh, right. <laughs> yeah. oh sorry. Train and stop. No, but George, you you know, you said something the other day that really that that struck home with a lot of people, and you brought it up again too, which is George told me one time I was having a little trouble with the had nothing with the jujitsu outside of the thing, and I was saying, hey, my God. sometimes it's really hard to just get it. Up, you know, you know, on certain days, you know, you're whoa, gonna go whoa, in. Whoa. They, got medic- <laughs> they got medication for that, dude. I don't have a problem with that. My <laughs> oh, three quarters, it's immigrant Italian, and one quarter immigrant Russian has no trouble with that at all. Casey's been sitting through this whole thing, and he's just wiping he his face. Like, this. He's actually doing that he face washing thing that monkeys do. <laughs> No, and it's like, I just wasn't there, and like, I'm like going, you know, I've just kind of, you can, some classes, you know, you're going to walk in, and everybody's fucking training for some fucking pans, and you're going to walk in, and we're going to be one of those Jay nights where Jay goes, hope you brought your water, we're just training the whole, you got 90 minutes of rolls, you're like, most of the time I'm into this. By the way, I also got that from Pat. Yeah, (laughs) most of the time I'm into it, but sometimes, you know, it's just like, all this other shit's happening, and I'm like, I don't think I have this, right? And George looks at me so one time, and he goes, you got to get control of your jujitsu. number one. you got to control it, right? Like, I kind of did that today. Like, I'm like, I really wanted to see them be part of this class, but this is, I wouldn't have even respect your class. I would have been looking at you and go, hey, man, you know, I'm going to kind of take it easy. I don't want to do that to this class. I don't know you. I mean, maybe if I knew you better. But the other one you said was that the team needs you to show up. (laughs) You kept saying it over and over again. You weren't saying it just to me. You were kind of, you could tell you were kind of formulated in your own head, too. It's like, the team needs you to show up. You can't just have four purple, brown, blacks show up every single time and make this work. Because you're going to see some white belt's going to come in and go, 
Holy shit! Negative. Team Elite. Even if you don't have a fight, you got to show up. No, but, and Team Elite's another example, right? 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 But, it, but it maps to every level. Like yeah. the one of the reasons why white belt guys, we have a bunch of guys who are over forty. One day, I want to get a picture of all those young guys all over at the same time. <laughs> I'll be there in July. I'll show. I know you will. I'll show up and get a picture because they may actually outmeasure the people who are under 40 in school. Part of the reason why is because the team fucking shows up. Yeah. Everybody shows up on those days you don't want to be there or maybe you want to be there but you're not sure if you have it there right, right. or the wife's giving you shit or the kids aren't, you know, mm-hmm. the yeah. kid's not show, doing the right thing and you're like, God damn it, or the, the job or whatever and they come in. So I don't know. Maybe it's not. You're the one who's been through a lot more martial arts, but there's something different about jujitsu. It feels not. like it's a personal thing every fucking time. Yeah, I agree. I agree. Just a, just on the age thing, you know, I think some people say, well, you've been doing it for so long, therefore that's why you've stuck with it and you're 53 yeah. years old, right? And uh, I don't buy that at all. You know, to me, that's that's an excuse, you know, because you can start at any time and build up and be where you are. It's just kind of, that's a mindset. Like, yeah. I have to start it at age 25, or I have to start at 20, or I have to start, you know, with music with you. Yeah. So if somebody says, well, I, I want to learn to play guitar, and I'm <clears throat> 50 years old, I, I can't learn it. Well, of course you can. You Fuck know? you. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> right? me. So, I'll show you how to learn right. it. Right, so, so it's, the same, it's the same kind of thing, and, and I think... As a teacher, you need to be able to talk to that person to see what is the added value would have to their life if they start, doesn't matter what, at what age, and be able to get to that person and, and have them stick with it. And I find that that's kind of like, that's the grappling without doing the grappling. Right. That's like the mental grappling. Yeah. And I, I feel like if somebody comes in and starts talking to me about it, well, you're not too old. I mean, you may have to train differently than, some, than you were at 25, but <clears throat> you will get enormous value from yeah. your life. We have a couple of people here who are almost 60 years old, and they're yeah. coming in every single day and train. Not every day, but yeah. three or four times a week. Yeah. And I keep on saying, I said, make sure you do your jiu-jitsu. Yeah. You can do the, the training class, but make sure you do And now they're coming to the classes. Now they're starting to train. Now they're starting to get in their mm-hmm. groove, and they're beyond that point of thinking, I'm this age to be able to do you know uh, what somebody else has done for so years? So so it is really you know you can't tell them that you make an excuse for your life. You can't do it. You have to use yeah. you know a strategy to get them to say you, you're going to really enjoy it. You are going to become part of a family, and you know it, there's a lot of roots to this. And I think that that's why people feel some affinity to to being part of it because it's not like we're a new academy, and, and and that's why this I think these podcasts are great because if people listen to the roots. They have a lot more appreciation for where it all came from and why they're practicing it. And that's that's what I got from listening to it, and I found the importance of the old stories. Yeah, you don't want to spend too much time, in, but it's very cool to know the old stories. Yeah. You know, it's like, oh, yeah, that's the way it used to be, and that's, you know, that's uh, that was neat. I'm part of, you know, where it evolved to today, so... You guys, I forget who said it. Uh, someone was talking about uh, what Roberto. Oh, uh, when Roberto was there in the seminar, he said it himself. That's where it was. He said, like, you were talking about somebody giving a black belt or, you know, someone's different journeys and just saying, you know, you have this long journey. Help me out, please, if you can remember what he said. He said uh, something along the lines of, 
I didn't think that this is what was going to happen. Like, my journey was, I just want to have an academy. Kind of what you're saying. Like, you're not thinking about the next 30 years. Mm-hmm. You're going, this is what I did, and look at what happened, right? So you look at, well, Roberto came into the seminar at our yeah, place. Yeah. And he's going, you know, you guys look at it like, you know, there's this thing that I made happen. He goes, you're doing your own thing right now. This is your journey. You're doing this in your own way, yeah. you know. And he kind of pushed. It wasn't about the old days. Old days are important. But these are the old days, you know, mm-hmm. like right now, you know. So one of the things that's cool about 2017 is we can capture all these things and put them up in the cloud and they live forever, you yeah, know. Right. So, but Roberto likes to talk about the old days. If you sit around yeah. and we talk, he likes to reminisce of, of how we got started. Yeah. And I think that that feels good to him because, you know, anybody who starts a business or whatever, you kind of think about like the hard days and like what it was yeah. like and the grind. The grind and it actually paid off to, you know, he has a connection to you, Jay. I mean, that to him, when he sits back and he's home, he's thinking, yeah, that came from me. Yeah, you know, and that that you gotta feel proud about that. Um, yeah, that, that, that's yeah. I hope I didn't. I hope I didn't miss. Uh, you know, mis, mischaracterize no. that. No, I mean, it wasn't that. He's saying that. But now look at Jay, right? And then now look at George. And then I'll look at you. Like all of you guys have the same thing happening. It just didn't start on the day he started. It started on the day you started. It's a different yeah. journey, like yeah. yeah. And it's funny because it's you're right. It is awesome for people. To hear those stories, to to see and, and to get a feel yeah. for where these roots came from, and like what was Pat doing before he was a, like a badass black belt, yeah. you know what I mean? And what it, where, how did he learn? And like it's important for my guys, it's important for me, but also like for those people that were there at, at varying levels, you know what I mean? For for us that were several years behind Patrick, and yeah. but to talk about these stories again. Mm-hmm. It's inspiring again. Like you, like you feel like you yeah. want to train. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's it's important for everybody, whether or not you know the story for the first time or just hearing the story for the millionth time. Yeah. It's think, really important because yeah. jujitsu is all about that. I feel bad if you're in an academy where your academy or I talk about the four walls all the time, but you, your your entire existence is what happens inside of those four walls. Yeah, yeah. You missed everything. Absolutely. Yeah. 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 Well, I feel like Absolutely. if you're if you're an older person coming into the thing, you know, you're whatever, any whatever you feel old coming in, you feel like you're going to start. I can't start. I'm going to get my it's ass kicked by some twenty years. Obsessed with the. Well, no, I'm just representing it on the podcast, but whatever. Oh, no, yeah. 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 Oh, <laughs> old, oh, yeah. I think you'd be we all feel older right now. Here, right? yeah. Yeah. yeah, good. Yeah. He's good. He's my job is done. Yeah. He said he wasn't going to edit this either. Yeah. So, yeah. No, no right? edit. So we count. We can count. You can count. No, but, but could be like, like a we were just talking game. about it. It's like you come in, you're not you're not 18. You don't have you don't come from a martial arts family. You got to deal with this. You go in and you, and you start. These are the people that that get as much or more out of it as someone who's fucking 18. Mm-hmm. And those people who come in, if you're looking at it like in every other aspect of my life, if some 20 year old kid comes into my company and gives me shit, I'm going to take his head off, right? But in at seven o'clock, <laughs> I'm going to walk in, and some 19 year old kid is going to take my head off, and I don't right. think I can deal with this. That's your problem. This is going to make it is better, right? So to know that you can deal with both those situations. Well, when you change your clothes, your business card stays in your wallet. It's, there you go. And everybody's the same on the mat. And so the what I'm saying is, instead of focusing on that, if you focus on what you just said. 
look at what you're a part of now. You're part of like this long history that goes before Roberto. We like to start with Roberto because that's where a lot of people yeah, know. Absolutely. But it didn't start with him, man. No. And it's not just lineage. This is really big. This is it's like part of your what story humans now. do, yeah. you know? Like this yeah. is It's part of deal. your story now. Now you are yeah. part of that story all the way back to Maeda. Everybody likes to right. say they're badasses. But badasses do walk the earth, and it doesn't come because you just wrote it on Facebook. That's why, you know? like, uh, when we started this, I was like, we got to get all this stuff down because, yeah. like, the only information I could find was two little things Chris Owen had written, like, yeah, and it had those like, old blogs, a little right? two, yeah. It was two parts of some story, yeah. and that was the only information that was really like out there. And I was like, we can't lose this, like, yeah. history. Right. Sometimes it because feels it like, does feel yeah. like a part of me now. Like I'm, love, I'm like no, a part it is. Of this but you're a part of the now, thing, man. You know? Like right, yeah. it's amazing. And my kid is part of it. Yeah, yeah. yep. And and yeah, branches out. I, I sit back sometimes and, and you know, I'll think about <clears throat> how old I am. <laughs> Especially <laughs> when you're several times, several times. Especially now, I got yeah. like, <laughs> <laughs> PTSD right now. <laughs> <laughs> but, but no, but I'll, but I'll sit back and I'll think about like all the people that are connected to us, and uh, then I'll reflect back to the four guys that we trained with back in that old school yeah. to what it is now. Like I, it's it's unbelievable. It's just it's an amazing feeling to think that it started from that. And there's a few pictures from that, not from the the original, but within that couple of years, there's some pictures. And you can see that old school. Uh, the other part I think about that too is is like I, I would never want to be like like held up at that like point of like okay yeah you, you were the thing and you I don't, I don't I don't like to be thought about that way either. It's like that was the thing back then. Now it is what it is now. Because people kick my butt now. And I feel proud of that because that's how jiu-jitsu evolved. Right. You know, back then, the way it was and how it was was one thing. And I, you feel like proud to contribute to it and be part of it. That's awesome. But um, I never wanted to be like that whole like <clears throat> karate master with you know, 10 stripes on the belt. And they're only respected for that. Which is part of it, but it's which you can't see because their gut is hanging over the yeah, whole thing. Yeah, you know, I never wanted to be. I don't want jujitsu to turn into that. You know, like it's almost once you become to a certain belt. Like the reason why that I wear my stripes on my belt is because Roberto gave them to me. Right. You know, I don't. I would never disrespect him by not wearing them because he feels proud of that. But ultimately, I would like not to wear them. Right. I like just to be a plain black belt. Um, and that's you know you kind of go through those struggles because I don't, you don't want to be seen as this you want to be seen as just like you went through this and now you're here and you're you're teaching what you learned the best possible way that you can as a person to other people exactly it's right. funny I, I thought of this exact topic when I first came in here and um, I, it was uh, Aaron was changing up and Chris had finished training he was getting ready to leave. And Charlie was in there, and they were like, oh, why, you know, what, what brought you in today? And, like, my, my, that was like, oh, we're, you know, the podcast all of a sudden took a background. Mm -hmm. And I was like, yeah, like, you know, talked to Pat, and we said we were going to come in and train today. 
Yeah. And I was like, oh, we're going to podcast afterwards. But the reason I'm here today is to come train with you. Mm-hmm. And it's not because you have a black belt with a ton of stripes. It's, right. it's that I know, like what I talked about earlier, every time I get on the mat with you, I learn stuff. Yeah. Yeah. And it's part of it's nostalgic. Like I love yeah, getting course, on the mat yeah. with you and, yeah. and like just makes me feel good. Mm-hmm. But also... What you have to give is really important. It's really valuable. Mm-hmm. It's not because I want to be able to say, oh, I trained with Pat Barbieri. Uh, you know, it's, yep. it's because I know that I'm going to get great stuff. And it's not – people shouldn't – you're right. Like I don't want to be, want it to become some kind of Fred Villari thing where like, oh, I trained with Master <laughs> oh, Fred Villari. Call it out like, Fred. And it's like, oh, what did you learn? What did you learn? Like I like love Pat's classes because, A, it's – a lot of the things that Pat does are things that I'm not good at. Yeah. And if I can just get a little bit better and a few more things that help me in my jujitsu and help Port City and like that's like the awesome thing. You know, obviously it's you know, I've known Pat for almost twenty years now and that's mm-hmm. I'm setting that aside. I'm not talking about that. But it's not because he has a lot of stripes on his belt. It's because he knows his shit. And it's not because he can beat your ass. Like it's because what he has to give is really, really valuable. Yeah. And, it, and it has nothing to do with stripes on the belt. It has nothing to do with certificates on the wall. Yeah. It has to do with actual value. Yeah. Unarguable. Right. One of the cool things, uh, when people, uh, just as complete sidebar, but when people do get, everybody gets injured from time to time or something happens or whatever. Sometimes some of my favorite classes to go to are when I'm one of those guys who will show up and watch class if, if I'm not feeling so good or whatever. Like what happened Obviously. <laughs> yeah. And uh, I remember doing that way, 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 way back. Like right when judo started, I remember like, oh, you know, I hurt my knee or something like that. I'm like, I'm just going to go to class and watch. One of the best things about that, and especially if you're relatively new to this shit, is that you go and you go... That's not that hard, right? I, I, why aren't they just doing the thing, you know? Of course, it's so much harder when you're actually doing it and shit. But are you guys, is that a good, are you, are, am I crazy? Like, show up, you, you know, you get hurt, just go to the fucking class and watch or something like that, you know? Yeah, Do what crazy. you can. You are crazy, but I will <laughs> say, like, so I had my, my knee operation. Like, yeah. I, I, I tore my knee up and doing stupid rubber guard and, <laughs> but, uh, Talk about controversy coming out of nowhere. Rubber guard is stupid. It's, uh, it's, <laughs> Casey said one thing. Yeah, that's that's right. Right. That, was awesome. <laughs> that was awesome. Shout out to Lapiani. Your jujitsu is stupid. It's stupid. <laughs> go go Plata. This. <laughs> but uh, yeah, I did a lot of rubber guard awesome. back then, and yeah, you know, it was yeah. like. Uh, the thing you do, and you know, if you're flexible, yeah, it made it a little bit easier to do. So you kind of, so I use it all the time until my knee got pushed in and it just turned mm-hmm. upside an operation. So those three months, Jesus, a long time, were, huh? were brutal. Mm-hmm. You know, they it was really hard because I was in the prime of my jujitsu, and yeah, I'm not the only person who suffered an injury like that. But <clears throat> you know, what do you do? Do you do you go around the mat and just be around it because you just love it? Um, do you resist it because you can't be there and you're gonna feel worse? You know, I struggled with that big time. It was a tough, tough thing for me. So, um, you know, <clears throat> I did watch tapes. I did study stuff. I, I try to stay as active as I could to say, I'm gonna make my jujitsu better. You know, and once I could actually start walking, I would immediately go down to the academy and see people training. I was like, oh, you know, it was 
it was actually it was actually a good thing. I know it's hard to say, but it, it kind of your spirit is revived. Yeah, it's torturous, wait. but you're, it's yeah, kind of good, like, right? Hey, yeah, I'm, yeah. I'm on the healing now. Now yeah. I can't wait to get back. I'm gonna I'm gonna do that. Yeah, you know, that's only three months. You know, it was a meniscus, so it's not like an ACL. Yeah, even start counting months, down, right? Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> and uh, but it does look easier when you're watching it than when you're actually doing it. Right. That one time, you're right. That that's the you know you get. Why do you just push you take it for granted because you have it always. Right. And yeah. then when and then it's when someone takes it away that you say that all of a sudden you you're how important jujitsu is to you becomes yeah. revived. You're like now my fire. Like I I would give anything just to be able to train yeah. right now. I would give anything. And it's every day you say that. Yeah, you kind of and feel so, like every day yeah. it's getting worse those, too. Like yeah, you're watching it go away. Up, right? yeah, right. yeah. And you're like, just two, two more weeks. It's like waiting for Christmas only. Like, <laughs> <laughs> so Absolutely. But think about that. So that that is like an internal struggle. So you, you got to think about it. Opposite. We talk about like do jujitsu if it helps you deal with your stress better, right? right. Then we can't do jujitsu. So and we become on. assholes. Yes, exactly right. Right? That's just as bad. <laughs> it is, right? It is. So, so how do you deal with that? Like, you're supposed to be this person who's in control. You can only control it while you're training, but you right. can't control it when you can't train. Something's wrong with sure that. Sure you can. Right. right? Yeah, exactly, yeah, right. Yeah, but you don't You don't think so because you, you don't have any control over it. Right, right. You don't have control. That, that that's well, what you people. think and what you say. You have control. Over. It's like it's like when someone passes your guard, the control's gone. Here I am telling people to train more, right? And I can't. So it's like a you know, it's tough. Yeah. Well, apparently it's because you're old. That's exactly. yeah. <laughs> if he's old, I'm old too. <laughs> you started it. The youngins are, 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 are ripping on it right now. The youngins are just waiting, that, waiting for that train to come. Old. Oh, yeah. So it's funny because yesterday, so I got a torn meniscus, uh, and uh, I've had arthros, you know, I've had it scoped before, whatever. I'm trying not to get it scoped again because I don't want to, you know, whatever. Take, take time any off. More out. No, exactly. I don't want to take any more out. Oh, right, right. Good point. Um, yeah. But. So I took a few days off, and uh, I've been I've been training right differently there, right to try there. to not you know do things and, and I, I'm dieting at the same time. Yeah, right. Yeah, that's so, not a good. Idea. But so I, so I've been doing a lot of half guard. I'm playing half guard, and I'm and it's feeling great, and everything has been good. But like yesterday, Jay's teaching. We're doing king of the guard. And I'm playing. And there's don't a, do that. I was another watching. There's another brown belt. I'm like belt. going, no, and no. this thing is escalating. No, do right. not do this. This is like everything. No, it, 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 it is. It is escalating. Down, right? And I had. Just I lost all control. Let like when you yeah. said lose. I w- he grabbed my leg, and I was like, you ain't passing this guard. <laughs> and it's like <laughs> war all of a sudden. <laughs> right. And I sweep him, and I ended up, and I was, I was pissed. I was like so pissed. And I yourself. thought I was pissed at him, but I wasn't. <laughs> no, I was you pissed at me. Yeah, you were. And I was like, dude, you know my knees hurt. You know yeah. why are you grabbing my knee? And then like, like fifteen really minutes later, I was right. like, yeah. hey man, I'm sorry, dude. Like had nothing to do. With yeah, that. I really didn't have nothing to do with you. Like I was, was like, I could have just you. let you pass at any moment. Yes, you, you know? could have, and right. nothing bad would have happened. But I lost man. all control. Yeah, I had yeah. none. Yeah, yeah. There, there was no pass. I was right. like, you're not passing. And I was fine in the end. But it was like, I looked at it after and I was like, dude. That, that was, was not that the was right insane. thing. Yeah. Well, like, we, you and I, I we, 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 we were practicing uh, takedowns. Remember, it was, it was yesterday, right? Yesterday yeah. morning, right? And I and I ended up, uh, you know, messed up with, with this guy. I've known this guy since he said, hey, man, 
You want some vitamin G? Like 20 years ago. It was like the, the stupidest thing ever on like my second day of judo ever. Like, you ready for the vitamin G? Like, he was really cool then. Anywho. Um, wow. Yeah, he's laughing because it's true. We, like, line hey, up for Randori, and he's like, yeah, here it comes. Anyway. I was, like, 18. <laughs> you were older than that, but well, whatever. <laughs> you were far older than that. Point being that I've known this guy forever, and we just line up, and he slap up, and I'm like, we're doing takedowns. I'm like, which, which goddamn leg is your bad leg? He's like, this one, don't worry. I'm like... You can't, you know, anyway. But it was, oh, I'm the same goddamn way. Like, yep. oh, I, I was this close. If I wasn't late today, I guarantee you I would have just gone and done this anyway. And it's like not the right thing to do. And it's like, you know, I'm hoping that my brain said, let's just show up a little late. So you just, it's it's hard to control this shit, man. So you, know, you just want to tell the story. So when you talk about like how you control the red room, the people training, right? right? So you hear a lot of people say when they when they train with people, and you know, say, oh, they're going too hard, they're going for leg locks, they're going for whatever that seems to be uncontrolled, kind of just catches catch can. So what I would say, like, I love that type of training. I want a person to do whatever they will. I'll never say that they're going too hard. I'll never say that they're going for an ankle or you're doing this. or I love that because that to me is, is what you're supposed to deal with when you're in jiu-jitsu. But for somebody else, they could get hurt. And yeah. they don't want to get hurt. They, they need to go to work. They have a family. And, and that part, bringing it back to what we were talking about yeah. then, yeah. could be a consequence that they may not train anymore because they get hurt. And that's it's it. not yeah. worth the risk, right? Yeah. yeah, and, yeah, yeah. But, but that, I don't know, I mean, I don't know how. I, don't know, I can only talk about our club, and you know Tim's. When I was there, those are the only two clubs I've had experience with. Both of those are pretty. That's mitigated. I know that if I'm hurt, like if I'm, like I'm gonna, I'm probably not gonna wait long enough to train. I guarantee you, I'm gonna be there on Thursday night. So if this isn't better on Thursday night, fuck it, I'm going anyway. That's what I do. But I'm gonna look if I line up with George. I'm well. I also don't lie. I'm gonna be like. I'm flowing, or I'm going light tonight. Do whatever you want, and I'll just tap. And that's why I always say, and that's what it is. But I'm not going to then go fucking ape shit on the guy. I'm like, that's I'll just do that, and I'll tap a lot. Huh. And it's tough. I'll say it. If Jay's walking around, watching somebody pass my guard, and I'm just like, this leg is not going over there today, but whatever. Yeah, I right. figure, you know what? I don't care if he's going to... If it's not going to work, it's not going to work, you know? I see people, like, see me walking around. Well, because it's and so And then they, cool. like, dial it up because oh, they think on. somehow if, like, I'm watching and they get their guard passed, like, I'm going to be like, well, yeah. that's a real problem. Yeah. <laughs> like, I don't know. <laughs> I'm going to get my book out. <laughs> like, and, I'm like, and I'm like, right. they're like, really? dude, you, like, you, you know that role that, like, uh, you're walking by and I was, like, doing that? I'm like, no. <laughs> I don't. I, I'm, I don't know, I'm, dude. I saw, like, a right. hundred rolls today. Yeah. I, I really don't remember. That's to be fair, that's, that's not that's so not what I was saying. But, no. but on the other hand, if I can hit class move in front of this guy, I a hundred percent will do that. That's a big one. That's a different. When thing. I see a class Plus, move, I'm like, your class yesterday, move. I was like, Jay, Jay, look at this, and I did <laughs> a class move. Plus, Pat, I, I know you know Jay ago. pretty well. You great. know that about no, a, quarter, a quarter of his like moves, of them to me. a quarter of his moves are not flashy. They're very effective, but. Usually the the three quarters of your moves have a high flash factor. I love the flash factor, 
And so if I can hit a flashy move in front of Jay, I will go. I don't care what happens for the next three training sessions. I'm like, I'm bam. Completely, I'm completely okay with that. that is like, <laughs> right. I'm trying to work on the loop that you jump over the dude in butterfly guard with. Just so I almost hit it on, on one of our guys in front of you the other day, and I fucked it up because I couldn't follow it up. But I will That's do funny. that. funny. I'll teach that pass. You know, Remember we like you'd hunker down like this? Uh, from someone's butterfly and you kind of like uh, yeah, and I'm like Basically, now, over it. I could just crawl over his leg <laughs> I could do that <laughs> or I can do full on handstands <laughs> and like cartwheel over it I'm like so once the IBJJF starts awarding style points I will be world champion because <laughs> <laughs> even if I don't great. even if I fuck it up and he just rolls over onto me on mount it was still a cartwheel yeah, pass. Yeah, it's a cartwheel pass. It's a cartwheel pass. One of the benefits of, I think, all these, you know, a lot of the Boston Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu uh, schools, and certainly ours anyway, which is that you just have a number of different type of people teaching, yeah. and you can kind of get all the coolness out of, out of each of the different the people teaching. And uh, So true here. That has to be a part of, I've got to believe, although I don't know, I'm kind of asking, but it's got to be part of, like, all this stuff yeah. that grew out of Roberto. And but that's what makes people Not being better. super strict, like, yeah. finding everybody's strength yeah. and letting but them Imagine if everybody was the exact same coming out of the same academy. Well, but you don't they, have to they, imagine. They, that they, is, they that is get sort better. of the way it so works everybody had the different yeah. body types and different... Yeah. Uh, to me, that's what made us better. You yeah. know, I just... You know, I love training against wrestlers that came in that just went berserk. Yeah. Because... Really, you can conserve energy and you can be more relaxed when you're going against another, another jiu-jitsu player, right? right? Because you know what they're going to do. It doesn't mean that you're not going to get tapped or you're not going to be the person losing, but you're more relaxed. Well, the guy wrestler coming at you all angles, and it's like, how do you keep it together? How do you use your jiu-jitsu to something that's totally unorthodox? That, to me, is, is jiu-jitsu. That's kind of what it was formed to be able yeah. to, to defend against. No, we just yeah. get out to the side. Guarantee they won't go to their back. Riddler, yeah. Riddler and I had a moment a couple of weeks ago where uh, yes, we he did. was all nervous. Yeah. He was right before pans, and uh, it was was it like open mat or something? It was open mat, and this guy came in and he's like, "Hey, oh, told me this hey, story. this is he's a great story. talking to this me." And he's like, story. "Hey, I by the way, wanna... when he says I was nervous, it's like here's the story. This is you understand why I was nervous. It was great. I was hungry." First of all, I will admit I he's was not a good I was man. Hungry, when he's hungry, but at like, all. so I was like, "Dude, come in and train anytime." Like, this is all awesome, like an man, open like, mat. Uh, There's only like five people there. I'm training with my really good friend Johnny, who I've known for forever, also from ju- judo. We're just training, having a good time. It's all good. This guy comes in. I'm totally taking over this Take story. He comes in. The guy comes in after. and sees yeah. you know what's going on, and he brings in his wife or his girlfriend. Well, they, they didn't come in. Yeah. But they, he comes in, and he just sort of says, you know, he's thinking about training. And George is like, hey, you know, like George, like, oh, it's all good. You know, yeah, come on. We can come on out with this train right now, right? And this guy just, he's not a big, tough guy or anything. He's just like a regular-looking guy. Wrestler. Guy. A wrestler. But he didn't look like that. He didn't come in like that. He just come, he came in like a guy. And he just sort of looks at George and his belt. You know, and you could just you tell that the guy the instructor. Yeah, like he just didn't like, have the thing. And this was not your like two hundred and fifty pound football lineman guy. This is just some rando. And I don't even like thinking nice about guy. people like that. They were all nice people, you know, everybody's got their place. And I remember looking at Georgian for a second. Like I'm looking at Georgian going, if it was you, if it was Jay, I would have said, Hey Jay, let me train with this guy. That would have been it, because I didn't want to see the drama. I would have just trained with a guy who would have been fine. Yeah. But George was hungry. He was 
He was. He and didn't have a said, lot of food. I wasn't even there, but George told me the story. He the guy was, was like, not in a good mood. Can you? The guy basically said something along the lines of, "Can you and I train right now?" Three times. The third time, I was like, "Yep, here's a gi." And I'm <laughs> literally rolling at <laughs> the gi. I'm literally rolling with John, watching this happen. We're kind of half. We slowed down. You're like, here, you're like, we're, oh, yeah, we're both. Shit. Yeah, we're both like kind of holding the position, looking, going. This is. And both of us thought the same thing when you said I was nervous. Both of us thought the thing is we need to stop rolling right now and go over and make this not happen. No, because we're no. adults. No, 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 no. This no, is a no, business, no. and like, and then no, both no, of us, no, but, but no, Joe, no, John, no. and I both look at each other like this is none of our business right guy now. Got a, the guy got and I just went back to go and try to fucking absolutely call, call not, right. absolutely not. We did, had we did happen. the right thing. That that guy got the most valuable <laughs> private lesson of all time. Oh my goodness! He and did. now he believes in jujitsu. And he but was I way taller. Sorry, George. Way can, taller than George. Can. So George, what happened? Well, the other part was, and this is what made me think of it. As like when I said, "Take the gi. Here's the gi. Let's go." That was. I was thinking like this is actually good. <laughs> For Pan Am training because I have no idea what this guy's going to do. This is going to be great. Yeah. I was nerd. like, "This is going to be great, man." Um, so like, yeah, well, I was fine until the third time. But what so do you mean the, the third time? The third, the third time, time he, he said to me, "No, I know, I know. Keep going. Explain. Uh, can I roll with you right now?" Yes. I was like, "Because I was going to give him to Johnny Pants. I was going to be like Johnny Pants. Go, yeah. go roll. See? Train See? with this dude. Ageism. He should have given him to me. But the third time, I was like, "All right, yep, we're training." So I gave him the gi, put the gi on, slapped hands, and I was like, you know, I know he's a wrestler, so I'm ready. But I'm just chilling. And he was pretty good wrestler, really. Well, he had some So, like, he was too, trying yeah. to, like, arm drag me, trying to do, you know, snap down. So I got to work on a Hungry George. Yeah, no. I gi, I, I, in, like, third, you know, f- he came hard, too. Full, uh, full on. It was weird. It was like... like National championship here was great. That's so, so we wrestled. Like, we he went didn't even hard say, for thirty go. seconds. Yeah. For sure, it was like out of control for thirty seconds. It ended up with me and the guillotine choking him. He doesn't even have a good guillotine. That's <laughs> not true at all. <laughs> um, so then he tapped, and, I, and then I was like, "All right, dude, that was awesome, man. Your wrestling is great." Um, if you want to go, you know, try again. We'll go slower this time. We'll have fun. Or you could go train we with slapped those guys. hands in right. uh, same exact thing. When his wife has came at me like it was his, out of a cannon. His wife had showed up. Yeah, they made her sitting over point. on the side. Oh, and, yeah, she's watching. And you're just um, going. I remember we're looking at his wife going. Like, it's all good, you know, like this kind of thing. And she's, like, looking at us with these big saucer eyes. And you're going, dude just got exactly oh, what he wanted. So for those listeners who've never seen a picture of George, George is, like, four and a half feet tall and weighs, like, 105 pounds. And I'm old. He's ancient. <laughs> Moved on from insulting He's, like, over 40 years old. <laughs> so the second one, though, I got him in the guillotine again. And he, like, spazzed out. And, like, we rolled over. But, like, I kept the hook in, and I ended up on top with the guillotine, and I just looked well, around. Just and I like, it's, yeah, uh, it's just a brag you know, thing. No. But after the second one, I was like, the same thing. I was like, dude, your wrestling is awesome. That was great. You want to go slower, and we'll have fun? <laughs> and he just looked at me and slapped hands again, and we did it again, the exact same thing. Right. And then he kind of just left. He didn't, yeah, like, yeah. really so make peace or just kind of took off. He was dying. Over, like, he he wasn't in shape. Blew his, you know, he hadn't yeah. wrestled in a long time. So, yeah. you know, for 35 seconds, he gave it every single <laughs> thing he had. <laughs> I'm, I was over there counseling him after. I was like, dude, don't worry, breathe, man. Come back. Like, you're fine. Yeah. Here's, the, here's why this 
it, here's why it had to go down like that. Yeah, well, we were first we of all, let it happen. We first of all, involved. every person that walks through the door there, they're humble and they talk about jujitsu like you get treated like a customer. Until totally. it, like add this your initiation like we're gonna be cool I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna coddle you until you're ready oh, to people always fly come in, in your yeah own. and they have a great time but you come in with a bad attitude and a challenging attitude that's what it was and, dude, and you're gonna get what you're asking for yeah the littlest guy have, in the place I, mean, I felt like I had to uphold Port City BJJ <laughs> you did, it was like huh? you just it said, had dude, to happen I have to show you that you Port City down at your BJJ shirt. is no joke you man. looked down at your right, shirt no, and like, saw the lion and became the lion uh, right <laughs> it's it, that might be the lamest thing I've ever <laughs> <laughs> it wasn't like that at all he totally yeah. spazzed out he was like a turtle that just had it do you want to talk about the eye of the tiger or anything else like that or <laughs> oh man, anyway. that's a great story. Though. Yeah, oh, that's, that's awesome. The little lion. Oh, it was, it was, it was like Simba it. gone. Yeah. Simba went ham. Right. How, <laughs> how much prouder can you be? How much oh, prouder man. can you be? Like that, that. It was all pride. No, keep be be, be understood. John and I are still rolling like half-assed, just watching this whole thing going down and just going. Fuck yeah! Fuck yeah! Look at George going. He's killing the thing. Oh man! Because this it wasn't like a contained thing. It was like no, you guys were like we took up half the academy at one point. It was just like everywhere. Oh, hell broke loose! It was hilarious. It was great. It was great. So the story's been told, and it's been it's been it's been you know all eternity until somebody EMPs all of America. If you're listening and you want to come back, George, we'll give you two free weeks and and a geek because obviously you don't have one. (laughs) Right. But the truth is, it would be great if that guy came. Ah, yeah. Because that guy would probably train for yeah, man. So did you ask him like? Like what's up? Do you want to learn to get Excuse me. I was in that game of car. He was. You know how There's some. No you know way how, like when somebody's really like uh, just just totally gassed, where they can't even like. He was like couldn't even catch his breath, like yeah. r- flushed and like red. And so I'm like, tr- I was talking to him. I was like, yo, here's the schedule. But he just, I, I mean, like <laughs> he, he was dying. Like, you right. him say, so, so what do you what do you think about jujitsu? Yeah, you know, how'd you how'd you feel like? Yeah. What do you think was going to happen? Right. I, I kinda, yeah, I, I, like, yeah. yeah, I kind of yeah. feel like I probably should have jumped in then and been that guy, but yeah. I didn't. So no. our first black belt, Chris Chappell. I just sat and watched. Yeah. I could have done something. You're, you're no. proud. Go, Georgie. I would have done nothing different. Yeah, no, trust me. I know. She's going, go, little lion. I wish I had some popcorn. There's a lot of pressure. You said you're your first black belt? No, so our first black belt, Chris Chappell, I mean, he came in with a Fred Filarski. Oh, all Nate told this story. All he, wanted, yeah. all he wanted to do was Please. spar. He kept on saying, are we going to spar tonight? Or, I can't remember what he was. Are we going to roll? I can't remember. Yeah. Like, yes, we are. <laughs> <laughs> yes, and, yes uh, we are. But he was respectful. You know, yeah. it was after. It's like, wow, that, that's good. I remember him saying, oh, you're pretty good. Right. You know, and uh, but it was his way of saying, like, wow, I, I respect this. Yeah. I think everybody's, yeah. He's been... Got a black belt. Yeah. Everybody goes through that little step too, you know, because it does look easier than it is. Absolutely, you know, absolutely. Jeez. And it's okay. I don't mind when someone comes in and they're uh, competitive. That's okay. I right. want that. That's great. Um, but it's it's the the ignorance and the disrespect that I can't handle. Like Chris came comes in, it's like it's like it's okay because you just don't know. Yeah, exactly. I'm okay with you not knowing. Yeah. You know what I mean? As long as you're respectful, I'm okay. Like, 
Tyler came in. He yeah. wasn't disrespectful, but he was like really he just had no idea aggressive. And I was okay. I was always okay with that yeah. when Tyler started. And like he was like he'll yeah. even tell you the same story himself. <clears throat> but he was always respectful, right. and I was okay that he was shot out of a cannon. That was cool. I'm like you learn, and it's fine, and it's you know it's totally cool. But what George experienced in my in my opinion was disrespect. Yeah, absolutely. And you can't stand for that. Yeah, it was just great true. being a, a party to, to his, because everybody's going to get that experience if you're going to teach, right? And I was there when it happened to Georgie, and it was so, so cool. He just showed up. I, just, I, I mean, I wouldn't have been like that if I didn't feel hungry, like hungry, challenged. Hungry, right? hungry, like, really I felt challenged. Like, I, was like he, I felt like he challenged the, our whole school. Like, it was like, you just came in and just like said that to me, you know? Yep. After, like, then the third time, that's when I was like, all right, there's no doubt in my mind now. Like, you just made happen. a point to tell me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that, like, that you what have you no think? belief in what I got right now. You know what yep. I mean? So now you're going to know. You're going to become a believer. Most people who have gone through that would evaluate, this is good stuff. <laughs> mm-hmm. I, I gotta learn this. Whether, right, this right. Guy does not, Whether they come back you, or you, not, right? That's not a big deal. I mean, right. you know, he may come back, but a lot of people that do do that and go through it, like, all right, this is something I gotta learn. Especially, at least what I found, wrestlers. Right. And look, look at Jimmy Quinlan. You know, this guy that came in, his wrestler didn't know jujitsu. Crazy. And good. you know, and he <clears throat> just slowly learned it, respected it, and embraced it. Unbelievable. You know, so really kind of made it into wrestling and jujitsu. Uh, Matt Fletcher was like that. I don't know how many people remember him when back in the day, but he was a wrestler, very similar to Jimmy, but learned jujitsu and was able to combine both of them together. It was an amazing guy to train with. And uh, well, when you're a little person, you know, if you're in high school or, or underneath that, it's like you know, you're and you're wrestling. A lot of those little person. You know, people you under four four like you. You don't stop uh, when it's you're a young person. Like in, in high school, I, I mean, unless you're in a great program, I mean, a lot of the times you can dominate by just being more powerful, Absolutely. by being Absolutely. way more aggressive, by having a fire inside that's way bigger than everybody else. And then at some point, you hit some technique and yeah. get a little technique, and you can do really well. But you it's know, not, that's not going to last in a in a business <coughs> school. You know, Jimmy is a. Um, I'm not talking about Jimmy. No, I know, but I'm just saying it's <laughs> not. About. That's not. Not every wrestler that goes and learns jujitsu is going to is going to have that happen. No, exactly. Exactly. the reason exactly. Jimmy was successful with it is because he embraced it. Exactly. That's what I'm saying. Exactly. It's like yeah. a lot of guys can come in and just go, "Hey, this got me this far. I got my three things." And some people can run it out to purple belt, or, or, or you know, or maybe not these purple belt, but some sort of purple belt, just because they're just killing everybody. And at some point, though, we all know it's you know it's going to catch up with you and. It's not going to work anymore, and right. you're going to have to learn this shit, right? You know, but well, you know, we yeah. could t- we could talk about you know. Let's move on. So this this was awesome. I feel like there's there's a part two of this coming up. Yeah, you know what I mean. If you don't mind, we'll do it again at some point. We got to bring you up to the barn. Long as yeah, you don't talk about the old stuff jokes anymore. We'll we'll talk talk to him. Sorry, man. Old folks, it's going to keep happening. Old folks, (laughs) it's going to keep happening. Yeah, and then and then insulting Jimmy Quinlan, and then and then insulting. I'm not talking about that. Whatever. I felt the personal attack about training more, but I got over that. We worked it out right now. A lot of stuff that he said work. maybe he's not as much of an asshole as he seems yeah, like. Exactly. But now you know he is. Yeah. <laughs> I will own every piece of this conversation. <laughs> this time it's just me, Jay, this, and I. This, yeah. believe him. this is who it is. No, I enjoy this. This is, uh, again, you know, we kind of went from the went all over the place. All but ultimately, the place, yeah. I mean, this is what jujitsu. people listening to this, you know, this is what jujitsu is all about. And yeah. when you can appreciate it and... There's so many different things that happen with it. So thank you guys for having thank me. You, We'd love man. to do a part two if 
There's other things to talk about. Yeah. To come up come to the bar, man. And, yeah. Um, yeah, we'll do it in the bar next time. You guys are doing some great stuff with this, and this is all sweet. promoting jujitsu. So thank the you. reason why we started this co- this podcast, I mean, there's a number of podcasts on there, this one came for this shit. Yeah. This is yeah. because That's why we do it. Exactly. It's, once it's up in the cloud, once it goes up to the internet, it's not going anywhere. It's yeah. there forever. And this shit should. I was blown away with the whole story. This is the least that I could do to try to give back to the uh, to the community that helped me at that worst time ever. And uh, I'm privileged to be part of all of this. This is fucking beautiful. Thank you. Nice work, people. So, uh, if any of you are out there and you're in the Acton area or anywhere near it, come check out Mass BJJ Acton. Um, two amazing instructors here. Pat Barbieri was here today. Roberto's first black belt. Nate Ryan, the other owner of Mass BJJ, come by here. It it it, it will change your jujitsu life. So if you're in the area, stop in, say hi, make Mass BJJ part of your jujitsu community. So don't forget to buy some soap. That was too good. So the least amount of soap talk ever. None. Win. I'm disappointed in myself. It's not none. There's soap. <laughs> Turn to the soap.com. Thanks soap. for listening. Thank you very much. <laughs>